Each day is more like a creepy dream from a movie scene. All day at home with my family, can't see anyone. Put on pants, get a nail, turn around. Maybe go on a run. See a friend, dive away on the ground. I never shower in quarantine. It's bad hygiene, and now I've taken up gardening. Who have I become? Put on pants, get the mail, turn around. The people getting restless, and now just on the news, they've canceled all the rest of school, and we've run out of puzzles and new shows to stream. We got nothing left to do, but we gotta make it through. Hey, the quarantine is not quite over. What if I can't go out and see everyone until 2021? I can't see anyone until 2021. For 40 days and for 40 nights, we've been in this room, and we can't stand the same meal plan. Chicken again, on the edge, on the verge, breaking down. Yeah, we've given up most nights and just microwave these bagel bites. Bagel bites, bagel bites. We used to be better parents, so two months ago. They show us homework and we would help. We would try hard. Now we give up and go watch Die Hard. Been too young. Everybody tells me, be careful what you do. Don't go around breaking all the rules. And I know that it's important. And we gotta stay at home. But I'm feeling so alone. I'm like a dog without a bone. Okay, welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I am Todd Dandruff with Hellas. We're starting a little bit late here because of an equipment failure. I blame the Chinese. I had an adapter for my preamp, which helps boost my voice, so people walking around in noisy Manhattan, at least when it used to be noisy, can hear it. So I have a preamp that I use for the sound quality of the show, and it needs AC power. The power adapter that came with it was a piece of crap, and eventually it almost broke down. When I say almost, I mean if you have it precariously sitting in a certain position, it works. Otherwise, it fails. You may remember that was happening to me、uh, a while back. So I bought another adapter at the time on Amazon that was made in China, and tonight it just didn't work. Just my preamp would not power on, and you would not be able to hear me. So that's why the show started. You heard the opening music. And then you heard nothing, and I had to scramble to find the old adapter that I almost threw away, but I kept just in case something like this occurs. And I plugged it in, and it works. I just have to make sure 
that I don't breathe on it the wrong way. Otherwise, it will probably fall out because it barely makes contact. So bottom line is both adapters are Chinese crap, and one of the two, the older one, is actually barely functional. The other one is completely dead. So I will have to remember to buy a new one in between this week and next week, but at least we can have a show. I almost thought that uh, we would not have a show, which we would not if I could not find this original adapter. Anyway, better late than never. We have the show going and we have a free roll going, which I would have had to decide what to do about it because it actually began five minutes ago. You can still get in 25 minutes of late registration. It began at 9.15 on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. $70 this week, all coming from Nightmare Fish. And Nightmare Fish won over a 14K score this past week. I think it was on America's Card Room. No, no, I think it was Bovada. I think he got in on Bovada. Anyway, he played some tournament, got fourth place in a field of like 2,200 people. So congrats to him. And he was feeling very generous and shipped $100 for the free roll, of which I took 70 and 30 will wait till next week. We also got some other money for next week. So we can use that as well. We won't fall short next week. Thank you to him. PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll. PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll, all lowercase, to understand the rules to win the free money, which I can pay you in a variety of ways, including Bitcoin, including Zelle, including Cash App, and including a number of other ways you can think of, especially one service that has been used to send money around the Internet, especially to buy things in auction format. You can use that service as well to get money from me. Dan Druff at PokerFraudAlert.com or PM me on the forum Dan Space Druff if you are one of the winners. And once I verify it, I will send you the money. It is a real cash free roll as we have every week. $35 for first. We have 22 for second and 13 for third. 35, 22, and 13 making up our $70 prize pool. Should be a smaller field tonight because uh, there's some confusion as to whether the show is going to be on Friday or Saturday. As I mentioned last week, it's always going to be Saturday unless I state otherwise. Saturday has been our regular day for quite some time. So um, we're going to get on Trader Ruski. We're going to get on Vintage One after I do the agenda. Vintage One said he can't stay long, but he's got a story for us. Hopefully I can find him because the story sounds interesting. It's about a celebrity that uh, you know very well. I'm sure you know the celebrity he's going to talk about. Not poker-related, but it's a, a story that he knows that I don't believe anybody else knows, at least nobody listening to this show. The phone number to call the show, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355 has been our longtime number. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. Last week, the main number was having some issues, and that's why we have a second line. The Mount Charleston line is located in a cabin on the top of Mount Charleston, it's an old 70s rotary telephone sitting there in that cabin, forwards to me wherever I go. 702-430-1808 is the Mount Charleston number. 702-430-1808. If you want to text me during the show, you can text the main number only. 775-372-8355. Same as our main number. And we have the call to listen line, which cannot be used to call into the show to talk to me, but you can use it to listen to me because it's a line you can use just to listen to the show either the live show or the streaming reruns where it picks a show from the past. We have done more than 350 shows, picks one in the past and runs it as if it's live when we're not live on the air. The call to listen line can be called at 605-313-0736, 605-313-0736. 
The alternate number, 641-741-1095, does not require a smartphone, does not require a data plan, does not require an app, does not require a computer or the Internet. None of that stuff. Just any phone, even the old 70s rotary phone on Mount Charleston, will work to listen to the show on the call to listen line. Never buffers, never freezes, never stops, just runs, runs, runs. And there have been more than a million minutes listened on the call to listen line in its history since it began in November of 2015. And for that reason, T-Mobile has decided to charge you to call the call to listen line. If you have T-Mobile, it'll cost you one cent a minute. Everybody else, it's free, at least as far as I know. But don't hold me to that. Do not sue me if you call and get a bill. But you shouldn't. T-Mobile gives you a warning that it'll be one cent a minute. Everywhere else, uh, it should be free to call. Unless you're not in the U.S., then you may pay long-distance charges. Anyway, if you want to chat, we have a chat room that is used by the live listeners only. It is not used by those listening to the archives because nobody's there. But you need a flash-enabled device, meaning iPhones and iPads cannot go in. And you need a Poker Fraud Alert form account in good standing. Remember also the free roll, which began at 9.15 and will take registration up to 9.40. That is specific time. Make sure you understand you log in using a separate account you create on the Poker Room itself. Do not use your Poker Fraud Alert Forum account or it will not work. The agenda is as follows, and then we will get going. I'm going to talk about a big brouhaha that occurred on Twitter between me and a bunch of big-name poker pros. It was uh, a lot of people against one. I would say I guess one. It was one of, a lot of people against me and a few randoms who aren't very well known. But there was nobody who was well known that was openly on my side. Does that mean I was wrong? No. I Not only don't I think I was wrong, I know I wasn't wrong. And I'm going to reason the whole thing out. And if you don't agree with me when the whole thing's done, you can text me why you feel I was wrong. It's one of the rare cases where there's one person arguing with a large number of people who disagree with them, and there aren't that many people on the person's side uh, who's who's getting mobbed, where that person's actually right. But I am here, and I'll explain how that happens and how it happened here. And I'll tell you what that whole argument was about. It was me versus a lot of big-name poker pros, not about poker, not about gambling. But it's still notable for this show because it was your host here versus a lot of big-name poker pros that I'm sure you have heard of many times and watched play poker on TV many times. Not Phil Helmuth, by the way. New helper software now exists to give bot-like advice for every hand in online poker sites. And it's probably undetectable by the poker sites. And when I say helper program, that's kind of a misnomer because it's more of a cheater program. It's basically allowing you to play like a bot, except you're the one moving the mouse and taking the physical actions, but the program's telling you what to do because it's figuring it out just like a bot would figure out. It is cheating. And that's not a new thing, of course, but what is new is the way it was designed to where it can make decisions very fast, very accurately, and it's probably undetectable, whereas others were detectable by good software that had uh, methods to see that these things were being run in the background. I'll explain how the whole thing works and why that is a very bad thing for online poker and why maybe you should be afraid even at the lower limits. 
Speaking of being afraid, you might be afraid in a Vegas casino since they are not enforcing wearing masks. However, a rule change did occur involving table games and wearing masks. I'll tell you about the new rule about masks in Las Vegas involving the casinos. Speaking of the casinos, three more Las Vegas strip poker rooms have opened. And the California card rooms have opened. I will tell you all about that. Gila River Casinos has done the opposite. They own three casinos in the Phoenix area. They have closed. They reopened in May. They have closed because of a COVID-19 death of an employee. Annie Duke is apparently running advertorials on Yahoo. That is, there's what appears to be news stories about her book, which has been out for a while. But in reality, they're just advertisements, but they're written like they're articles. I will read you that advertorial, and we'll have a good laugh. We've talked about this book before, but someone showed it to me, and it's about Annie Duke, so i gotta, I got to have a laugh at her expense. McCarran Airport. There is some controversy about the name McCarran and some belief about racism, and there is some pressure to change the name of McCarran Airport. That is the airport in Las Vegas. We'll talk about that and whether that's a good idea to do. We all have some coronavirus discussion. The U.S. had its highest new case totals ever the last few days, but it may not be as bad as it looks. I'll explain why. Of course, there was that very controversial Trump rally today, and a prominent poker player who listens to this show went and live-tweeted as it was going. This is not even a Trump supporter. I think he just went out of curiosity. A strip club called Cruisin' Chubbies in Wisconsin has had a COVID-19 outbreak. You may wonder, what would a strip club called Cruisin' Chubbies be like? It's probably different than what you're picturing, even though it's in Wisconsin. So we'll talk about Cruisin' Chubbies during our coronavirus segment. And our last coronavirus topic has to do with the steroid drug that was found to lessen death and critical symptoms from COVID-19. But is it really the game changer that we're looking for? After the coronavirus discussion that we do every week, tell you about Genting, very large company, the one behind Resorts World, how they're permanently shutting down all live poker in the UK rooms. And finally, last week I gave an editorial about police. And this week I'm going to read a rebuttal. Remember the equal, the fairness doctrine about equal time that if a station that was a radio station or TV station, any broadcast station, if they gave any kind of editorial, they had to allow someone from the public, if they want, to give a rebuttal for the equal amount of time. In fact, they even did an All in the Family episode about that, where Archie Bunker did a rebuttal about gun control, where he was against gun control. Of course, they made him look stupid and made the whole uh, gun control argument look like the people who were against gun control were fools, but that's because the All in the Family had left-wing writers. But despite that, I actually really liked that show, even though it clearly had a left-wing slant, and I've never had a left-wing slant. I've always liked that show. I thought it was very well done, one of my favorite sitcoms of all time. But anyway, they used to have that. That's been done away with. That was done away with about 25 years ago. But... On this show, even though I'm not required to do anything, I can do what I want on this show. It's an internet show. For that reason, I make my own rules. But I am going to be fair, and I got a message sent to me over Twitter by someone I talk to sometimes 
who had the opposing point of view and wanted to rebut some of the things I said. That was about my editorial last week where I presented what I said was the solution to police brutality, or at least a large part of the problem. So I will read that person's rebuttal, and then I'm going to give a rebuttal to his rebuttal. And then next week, we're going to read his rebuttal to my rebuttal to his rebuttal. And then the next week after that, I'm going to give a rebuttal to his rebuttal to my rebuttal to his rebuttal. And we're going to do this uh, every week now for the rest of 2020. And uh, we will rebut this ad nauseum until someone gives up. That's the plan. Okay, let's get Trader Ruski. And let's get uh, Vintage One if we can find him. Then we'll get going. Trader Ruski, hello. What's happening, Jeff? Well, I'm glad to have you here once again. Let's see if we can find Vintage One. I know he wanted to. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, good. I thought I'm the one with sound problems this week. Yep. Uh, okay, they... we're off to a great start. Yeah, this is a this is a fantastic start. That third person, would they like to come on, uh, Trader Risky? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Well, he said as long as we had agreement on his demands. Yeah, no, <laughs> I've, I've, I have agreed. So we're... Oh, I got. Who could you possibly be putting on here? <laughs> someone people probably won't expect, but it's it's, it's someone they'll know, but oh, they, they're God. they're probably not expecting it. We'll have Bill and Ken Scaler on. <laughs> we have a special guest star, not Ken Scaler. We have a special guest star. I think I know who it is. A special guest star, Brandon Drexel Gerson, the original co-host of this show. hey Has said he'd oh, like gee. to be on here tonight. Is, is this the fraud show? This this is the <laughs> fraud show. It's like 2012 all over again, except we have uh, we have Trader Ruski and Vintage One instead of vowels. Whatever happened to that old broad? That's a good question. In fact, it's a question I just asked recently. I never understood what happened to her. It was so strange because she completely quit the forum and the radio show with some kind of excuse about she's, she's got to uh, do something with family, and then she just never came back. I, it's been like eight years, and she hasn't come back, about seven and a half years. But she has not come back, and I have no idea why. We didn't have a falling out. Everything was fine. I don't know of any falling out she had with anybody else here that was significant. She she had been part of this community for a long time before that, and she had a lot of issues then with people, and those didn't scare her off. So, like, nothing happened to cause this, and I'm not covering anything up. I really have no idea. The only thing I've seen from her was when Delaware died. He was a regular listener to this show, one of our older listeners who passed away. Uh, she, like, retweeted out something I tweeted uh about his death where I was uh now, what kind regret. of odds can I get that her and Mike and Mark are all shocked up at a Holiday Inn Express? <laughs> a lot of people aren't even gonna get that reference. No, no, I, I got to see the first date between them though. That was that was Jesus. special. I actually got to be there in Phoenix. What was the chance I'd be in Phoenix when they had their first date? One of my few times in Phoenix <laughs> but I I happened to actually be in Phoenix and, and I was invited along strangely enough. Like I that you was the chaperone. I, I pretty much was. So listen, I apologize. I haven't been on the radio the last few weeks. I, I've been on a bit of a hiatus, but I'm I'm here now. Yeah, I know you were on vacation, so uh, I know it's, yeah. it's, it's only been a few weeks. That's fine. It's a, a small time off. Everybody deserves a vacation. So uh, anyway, uh, welcome back, <laughs> welcome back, Brandon. And uh, well, Brandon, did you see the issue I had on Twitter about the with, with many other poker players where I was fighting back and forth with them? Like many, many poker players. This is about five days ago. You're going to have to be more specific than you fighting with other poker players. Okay. I mean, that, that's that's, that's a just good, too vague for me. That's a good point. But uh, That's a Monday. 
But no, this was this is actually big compared even to my normal Twitter fights of poker players. They got really, really angry. Now, in my defense, I picked the fight. In my defense, I sent out a tweet that as soon as I hit the button, I wasn't sure if I should hit the button because I knew it was antagonizing a lot of people. And that was because there is a bail fund called the Minnesota Freedom Fund. And the Minnesota Freedom Fund was a – it was actually a bail fund that dates back four years. It wasn't established for the recent social protests. But when these started happening and because they started happening in Minnesota because that's where the hey, incident – I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you. I it sounds like you're in a bathroom. I hear the other co-host fine. Is it just me? No, the no Skype, Skype's got some issue. One? Skype's got some issue where for some reason oh, okay. I sound terrible to the... There's a terrible echo, but I don't know if that's how you're coming out on radio. No, I'm bad. not. Everybody on radio says it sounds good, and for some oh, reason okay. it's Skype right, tonight. Go ahead. Yeah, there's something gotcha. wrong with Skype go tonight. Go so, so anyway, I want to hear this. what happened was that uh, there's this Minnesota Freedom Fund, and it's a bail fund. It's been around for four years, and it repurposed itself. I shouldn't say repurposed. It, it adapted itself to being about these uh, riots that occurred, the protests and riots, where anybody who was arrested, they didn't say anybody innocent, anybody who was arrested at all for the protests, uh, I don't know if it was just Minnesota or if it was uh, everywhere around the country, but it was a bail fund for anyone who was arrested during the protests, whether they did something wrong or not. Uh, this was a fund that you would give to and would help bail these people out if they couldn't afford their own bail. And uh, the reason, you may wonder, well, why would anyone give to a fund like that? The reason is that, uh, number one, some people supported the riots, even when they became violent and you know, the rioting, the looting, the arson. Some people were behind that and were okay with that, and they gave to the fund for that reason. Others were giving it because they felt that there were some people who were jailed for uh, non-violations that just kind of got scooped up by the police unfairly and that they couldn't afford bail and were stuck in jail until they posted bail. So this was uh, that, that's why some people did it and naively thought that the criminals who were burning things down and looting uh, weren't going to get some of that too, or if they did, they didn't care. So this is called the Minnesota Freedom Fund. It has been around since 2016, and it got a lot of money. Before this, it was a very small bail fund because there wasn't something like this going on, nor did it have much publicity. However, somehow some celebrity found it and started promoting it. So various celebrities, I, I forgot who, but Oh, it was like Chrissy Teigen and oh, just uh, Kim Kardashian. Was it? Yeah, I, I, I yeah. Oh, is that yeah. Northern California guy? No, no, that's that's know. vintage one. He's a he's a uh, Hollywood guy. Oh, have you I know him, Brandon? Do I know you? Of course you do. You I know was vintage Oh, okay. What's up, buddy? Hey, bud. So, All so uh, yeah, he's he's able to do this because he's not working at the moment because the coronavirus <laughs> uh, shut down Hollywood. That's that's what happened here. So, anyway, the because of this, it started getting a ton of money. Celebrities were donating big money. Celebrities were tweeting out that they were donating. So, of course, all these people were imitating them and also donating. And then it got over to Isaac Haxton. Isaac Haxton, poker pro, uh, very much on the left, and uh, he immediately jumped on this and donated like a thousand bucks and posted that he's donating to it, and it was encouraging others to do so. I saw this, uh, I don't know, a few hours later after he tweeted this, and by then a few others had already donated and posted screenshots of the donation. Uh, people were donating between like four, 400 and $2,000 each, the ones that were posting the screenshots. Uh, people like Jesse Martin and, uh, and Dan Smith and uh, other various poker pros, uh, some of whom you've probably heard of a lot, some of you've heard of somewhat, 
But uh, he'd already gotten some donations. Well, he didn't get them. They got the don- donations in that thread where Ike Haxton posted he did. So at the time – Now, what about the guy that – what about the guy you got into a fight with over the seat change at Commerce? Was he – No, no, believe it. Him? You're talking or- about David O.D.B. Baker. Believe it or not, David O.D.B. Baker, despite being on the left and despite not liking me, uh, he actually didn't seem to be for this type of thing. He, he has recently criticized – Others on the left that they've been unreasonable about this issue, so the, I can't blame him on this one. He, we uh-huh. we actually more in, more in agreement than disagreement on this one, or at least on the on the Freedom Fund itself. But uh, a lot of people donated to it and and then tweeted out the receipt showing that they did to kind of virtue signal. A lot of people in poker did this, and at the time I was warning everybody: warning, don't donate to this unless you want to have people who rioted and looted get out of jail on your dime. Because that's what it is. It's a yes. You may have some people that were falsely arrested, but most of the people who are getting bailed out there are ones who actually committed real crimes out there, not just ones who are peacefully protesting. It's that that's truthfully who who's going to really be helped by that fund. So I said, warning: this is what's going to happen with your money. Just know this before you donate, because it was put like you know, hashtag justice for Floyd, and I'm like, okay, this isn't justice for Floyd. This is getting people out of jail who don't have the money for bail that committed real crimes during these protests, like burning down cities. So maybe you don't want to help these people. I don't want to help these people. So uh, I wanted people, sure people understood. So people were already kind of irritated that I was putting that out there because anything that discourages donations to that gets people mad. But then there wasn't much further action to the conversation. People donated. They, they tweeted their receipt up there and, I kind of forgot about it. I mean, I I remembered it, but I didn't really have anything further to say. Until a number of days later, when the Minnesota Freedom Fund ended up in the news again, but for a different reason. The Minnesota Freedom Fund ended up taking in a lot of money, a lot more money than anybody expected, but not all that surprising given all the publicity it got from Hollywood. Uh, It ended up taking in, uh, keep in mind this was a very small fund before, it ended up taking in, one hundred billion dollars. Well, close to that. Thirty-five million dollars it took in. Thirty-five million dollars. But here's the controversy. Two weeks later, two weeks after it started, thirty-five million came in, and they spent two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> dollars. And if that sounds like a lot to you. Break that out over 14 days. That's less than 15000 a day. So, so where did the money go? People wondered. What, what happened? Where, what happened to the other $34.8 million that came in? Did they steal it? Did, were they just incompetent? Where it, what happened? Why wasn't it spent? And people had complaints on Twitter. And this is how the whole thing came out. Because people started saying, hey, what's going on here, guys? I know you've got a lot of money. But my friend, my relative, they, they, they got arrested in Minnesota they needed your help, and you guys didn't help them. You guys weren't responding or said, we'll get back to you and never got back to us. And it seemed like it seems like nobody we know is getting bailed out. So what did he do with all the money? Listen, and let me say, Raymond Davis, he's been there now over a year almost. Well, in their defense, he is not in Minnesota. But, yes, that's a good point. The Ray, poor Raymond Davis has been in, in, uh, in jail all this time, and he can't even get out because of the coronavirus. And, and here the, uh, the people burning down Minnesota are getting uh, a fund of $35 million to bail them out. But uh, so, so a, a big controversy started about where did that money go? Where did it go? So uh, so the Minnesota Freedom Fund actually addressed this 
uh, and, and this is where it really blew up once they addressed it. So they said, um, th- this is what they tweeted on June 15th. Appreciate all those calling for transparency. We see y'all. We're right there, it's stupid, because <laughs> that, that's so condescending. That's so racist, right, that we see y'all, because I believe this is written by a white person. It's mainly white people running this fund. There's like one black guy involved. So we see y'all is, is like, that's already like uh, so pandering to, to the black people they know are going to be pissed off. Just, just write the way you normally write. Don't put we see y'all. Okay. We see y'all. Our values and our mission have not changed since 2016. Yeah, except now you have 35 million and you had almost nothing back in 2016. Be on the lookout for things coming on our end. Be well. And then they wrote a second tweet. Without jeopardizing the safety of the folks we bailed out, we paid well over 200K in the week since the uprising alone. We're working on doing more. Oh, did you see the other part? It said, if my Wi-Fi's cutting out, it's because I'm in my Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the, like the, the, I like this. This like what? We sp- what do you mean we didn't do anything? We, sp- we spent 200K. Yeah, we got 35 million, but we spent 200K, guys. What more do you want from us? So they this answers nothing. And, and so people, as you can imagine, you can go to their page. It's MN Freedom Fund. It's Twitter, Twitter.com slash MN, like Minnesota, Freedom Fund, and scroll down to the tweet on June 15th. I mean, they just get killed in the responses there. Everyone is so pissed. And the people bashing them, they're not people on the right like me. Everybody bashing them are on the left. These are people who gave to the fund and were pissed off, and rightfully so. And others were pissed off there who had friends and relatives that were in jail and wanted to get the fund's help to get out, and they weren't helping them. So there were tons of people furious about this, and they were even angrier about this this sanctimonious tweet. And... A lot of the people actually bashing them were black. If you go take a look, it's like tons of black people bashing them. Just about every bash in that response to that tweet are people that are on the left and black people and probably black people on the left mostly. So uh, so it's not even like uh, this is like some kind of uh, Republican conspiracy to make them look bad. So – and if you don't believe me, go take a look for yourself. You'll see. You'll see the people bashing them. They have hashtag BLM in their name. I mean you'll see. It's not uh, – this is not the right doing this. Anyway. Uh, everybody's asking, where's the transparency? Because that's what everybody wants. Yes, it's kind of upsetting that in two weeks they only spent 200000 of the $35 million, which is less than 1% of what they received. And it's upsetting that people if – if, if the whole point of this was to get people bailed out of jail in Minnesota and they just haven't done it for a lot of people when they had all that money, that's kind of upsetting. But the defense, those that are raising a defense for them are saying, look, this is a tiny – fund before that blew up thanks to Hollywood celebrities, they don't have the staffing to handle this, and in two weeks it's hard to staff up to do this. Okay. But that's not what everybody's concerned with. Yeah, they're not thrilled that barely any got spent in two weeks when it was needed the most, but it's understandable how they may not have been staffed properly. But what's missing here? What's missing in that response? Transparency. Why don't they say we spent 200 k we're still holding the 34.8 million. We will show proof we have the 34.8 million and either tweet out some proof or say any journalist that would like to come, any respected journalist, I mean someone from a respected outlet, not just any guy who says they're a journalist, but some, some respected journalist from a respected outlet, even a left-wing outlet, I don't care. It's a, at least some kind of respectable outlet that wouldn't be lying for them. We invite you to come down and take a look at our bank account, take a look at our books, and verify that all the money is still there. And in the coming week, we're going to come up with a 
concrete plan on how to use the rest of the money and how we're going to staff up and what what our plan is going forward. Just be aware we just couldn't spend it that fast because we just didn't have the staffing to do so. But it's all going to get spent, and if we don't spend it on bail, it'll be on similar uh, types of things, legal representation or or, or give to other funds like this. Uh, your money won't go to waste, and it's all still here. We'll prove it to you. That that would be the response you give. That's not what they gave. They, what I what they gave is what I just read you. So people were very angry about this. Now, what does this have to do with me? Well, obviously, I didn't give to the fund in the first place, so I'm not, this doesn't affect me regarding how they spent the money. But I knew that Ike Haxton and many other poker pros did give this money. And uh, at the time, I was warning them not to do so. Not because I thought it was a scam, but because I thought that uh, it wasn't a good idea. But nonetheless, I, I warned against this fund in the first place. So I thought it was appropriate for me to uh, mention to these people what had happened. So this is the tweet I sent out. That same day on June 15th. 35 million collected, 200K spent, zero transparency, money well spent, guys. And then I did at Ike Poker, which is Isaac Haxton, uh, at Dan Smith Hollow, which is Dan Smith, at Mazer Bowie, which is uh, Jesse Martin, at D Moon Girl, with his, which is Danielle Anderson, at Jason Kuhn, which is obviously Jason Kuhn, uh, at uh, various other people who, uh, who spent here. I, I did like at to like 14 names who I found in that thread who had posted that they had donated. So it was basically me re-rubbing their face and like, uh, good job, guys, you just donated to a scam. So as you can imagine, they were not going to respond saying, oh, thanks for telling us. Uh, we feel really stupid. You were right the whole way. Like, Obviously, I was going to get like very angry responses to this, and I knew it, and I was a little concerned because I got to see some of these people when I go to the World Series, which probably won't be this year, but probably next year. And I got to see some of these people. So, like, if I anyone I troll on Twitter and anger on Twitter, when they're not like attacking me first in any way, like I'm, I'm kind of just like making new enemies that are going to give me like angry looks when they see me at uh, at the World Series, or maybe worse, maybe they'll talk some trash to me. I'm not afraid of it, but I'm just saying it's like I was wondering: Am I needlessly creating strife with people that don't otherwise have a big problem with me? But then I said, "Yeah, what the hell? I'll do it anyway." So I hit it. And then, as you can imagine, a, a shitstorm started. Now, uh, before I go on here, um, what what response do you think I got? Uh, Brandon, uh, what, do, what do you think they had to say back to me? I mean, obviously, it was very negative. Did you see it, or are you just, are you just guessing? No, I haven't looked at it yet. I'm, I'm about. I'm gonna look at it right now okay. while you're discussing. I'm okay. not ready. No. Okay. Um, I haven't seen. Well, I'm not gonna lie to you. I haven't seen. No, it. no, I wasn't expecting you to see it. I was just. I was just curious. Uh, I, I'm wondering. Like when I sent this out, I knew I was gonna get anger back. I knew. I knew I was not gonna get like positive responses, except for some people on the right who think it's funny. So I knew all the people I directed this to and any friends of theirs are going to be very angry and write negative things to me. But I did wonder when I sent it, like, what are they going to say? Are they going to defend it that they think this is all fine? Or are they just going to say I'm a dick to, to tweet like this? Like, like, what was the tone? What was it going to be the criticism of my tweet? And believe it or not, yes, the big theme was this is all fine. The Minnesota Freedom Fund has done nothing wrong. You're just, uh, this is just a conspiracy theory. <laughs> Which is insane. Which is totally insane. 
This this Freedom Fund got thirty five million dollars. This is a small Freedom Freedom Fund. It's not like a, it's not like a, a huge fund which was used to dealing with a lot of money. This is a small fund that got a ton of money they didn't have before. And then two weeks go by and they hardly do anything with them. They still like like barely any of it got spent on the purpose that they claimed it would be spent on. So at that point, wouldn't you think those who donated would have a right to know that the money is still there? Like, how do they know it's still there? The, the, the fund itself admits it barely spent any. So, okay, you barely spent any. So now, now show us it's still there. And they did not offer any kind of transparency whatsoever. Not only wouldn't they, they're claiming, oh, we can't name the people we bailed out because it's, it's violating their privacy. Well, don't. How about putting out transparency where you just don't say who you bailed out, but how many people, how much the bail was, uh, on average, uh, what, what jails you did it from, um, what was spent on administrative expenses, what was spent on salary, if any, um, if the entire th- remaining 34.8 million is still there, who can verify that? But they didn't. And keep in mind, other funds, like one in Silicon Valley and one in Portland, very similar funds, but ones that didn't get as much publicity or as much money, they have been transparent the whole way when no one's asked them to. And and that was pointed out. Maybe, what was that? Maybe maybe Ray Vitar is managing the fund. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> and, well, it's it's funny you say that because it's, it's kind of similar. Because uh, when I said this, like, back in 2008 on 60 Minutes, that maybe you can't trust Full Tilt, I, I did I know that... Uh, they they had stolen the money, or they're going to steal the money? No, I didn't know that. I won't pretend I knew that. But but I knew they weren't regulated, and that that anything could happen, and people were giving too much trust to them. And I turned out to be right. And and but at the time, same thing. Oh, we just believe that we just believe it's there. We we just believe everything's fine. We believe you can trust them. When thirty five million comes in, and then there's suspicion. And if you read that thread, I mean, it's just getting hammered. And just in case you say, well, why should this fund care? What people say on Twitter. People on Twitter are always kind of histrionic, and they always bitch about everything. So maybe it's just a loud minority on Twitter, and and everybody else is totally fine with them. Well, no. There were mainstream news articles all over the place the following day about this. Uh, Forbes, even the New York Times wrote about this. So you think when the New York Times write about this – when they write about this controversy, when Forbes writes about this controversy, when other major outlets write about this controversy – if you have nothing to hide, what do you do? You say, hey, hey, New York Times, would you like to come down and see? I have all the money, New York Times. Come on, come on, put it out. Put out the update that you came and sent a reporter down here. And you see all the money still there except the 200 k we spent, which we also proved to the reporter that we spent properly. And then that pretty much answers just about every critic they have. Because how can you criticize them at that point? What, you didn't spend it fast enough? Well, we weren't staffed. We, we didn't think we'd get $35 million, so we didn't staff up for that. That's totally reasonable if that's what happened. But they have not once offered to do this, and people have been demanding transparency on Twitter over and over and over again, and they just simply won't answer to that. Now, they, they did give a further answer. They, they did give a, a further thing because the only one to act reasonably of all these people I tweeted to – actually, the, the person who was most reasonable surprised me. It was Ike Haxton, who usually is kind of a dick, but uh, – he actually was the most reasonable. He he was the only one who acknowledged that there that this doesn't look good, but that he wants to give them until the next day. Which I think is stupid because like they took down the page of the founders. 
you couldn't even see who's running it anymore because of all this controversy. They were hiding. So you think these people are having like the worst night of their lives, and, and they claim they were getting threats. And the, you, you think if they had a way to clear themselves, they wouldn't just go, oh, you know what, it's going to go to bed. We'll, we'll handle this tomorrow morning. There's no chance they did that. But uh, um, I said, okay, Ike, fine. I'll give you credit there. We can wait till tomorrow. But you have to admit there's reason to be suspicious. But people would not admit, and if you go take a look at this Twitter thread, all of these people arguing with me, except for Ike Haxton, who was like semi-agreeing and semi-not agreeing that there's something wrong, everybody else thought I was crazy to raise any issue with this. The only thing I moderated a little bit over time in this discussion was that I went from thinking it was for sure a scam to then thinking about it further, going, okay, it's possible they're just incompetent and really bad at PR. It's possible they haven't, like, stolen... I, I didn't think they stole $35 million, but I thought, like, what, what if they misused, I don't know, 500000 or misused $1 million, figuring they got so much that uh, they can buy that new Ferrari? And uh, as, as long as almost all the money remains, then who cares if they dip into it a little bit? And now, now that there's controversy, now they're afraid to have anyone take a look at the books because they'll see there's something missing. Even if it's not, like, the, the majority of it, if there's even, like, 500000 missing, it'll, it'll look terrible. So I said, I don't understand... I just don't understand how could transparency hurt them at this point? The answers I was getting back were, well, they don't have to. They're not required to by law. Why would an organization open up their books when they don't have to? Uh, tell me an organization that does this. I said, this is, an or- this is an organization that nobody knew and that nobody has any reason to trust. So, yes, when the New York Times and Forbes are writing about them and that there's questions about how competent they are, and how trustworthy they are, of course opening up your books helps you. And I had people saying, well, that'll take time. Or, well, if they if they want to have an audit done, that'll cost them money, and, and we don't want them wasting our money on audits. I said, no, they don't. They can, have, they can offer to any journalist to come down there and audit at their expense. Plenty of journalists would have jumped on that. But they will not do it. So here's what they said the next day. This is, this is what they said the next morning, what Ike Haxton was was waiting for from them. Good morning. Let's talk about, quote, where the money went and where it's going. Oh, that's a good start. All protest-related bail so far that has come our way has been paid, and we're going to keep that up. At the onset of this, we set aside 10K for protesters because that's what, that's what we had. Not enough. Uh, this is – actually, this, let me – hold on a second. No, not enough. There we go. Uh, we stand ready to pay all protest-related bail. That isn't for Nazis. We're here for community. I don't know what they mean by that. <laughs> Somehow they're going to determine if you're a Nazi, they won't bail you out then. But what about catch-and-release protesters? Many people had no bail but were scooped up and charged and now have ongoing legal costs. Part of fighting pretrial justice means making sure people aren't pleading guilty on bullshit charges like being hit with riot while on a friend's porch, which happened. We are working with a group of arrestees who will help coordinate support for fighting those charges. Support starts with legal representation, court fees, and transportation, and starts with 150K. That can scale up as the project gets set up and the costs start getting documented. We aren't going to leave folks hanging, just like we aren't going to stop paying bail. Speaking of, that's where the money is going that doesn't go to protesters. Bail. We, have, we are a volunteer community fund who, until last month, was doing all we could to pay a handful of misdemeanors each month, steadily paying, getting funds back, raising more money when we could, doing it again. This is the part where transparency gets exciting. Now, let me stop there. It sounds like they're about to be transparent, right? This is the part where transparency gets exciting. Okay, let's get excited. 
We get to talk about all the people sitting in jail who didn't take plea deals sitting in jails pre-trial. We can share about the race and class disparities of those jailed pre-trial, and we can take action we'd only dreamed of. Okay, where's the transparency? I thought transparency was supposed to get exciting. There is no transparency. What are they talking about? There's no transparency at all. They're not offering any. Why, why even write that? Our pinned tweet mentions $50 million to empty Hennepin Jail. That was a tweet they mentioned that uh, the enti- that particular jail had uh, $50 million worth of uh, bail uh, w- would have to be required to get people out. Not just for this, but just that entire jail. Not a talking point, a mission. We pay for those who can't afford it. That's the 150 or so humans we found in Hennepin who were on bail. Ramsey, we're not sure. That's some other jail. Bad data system, but we're researching and pressuring them to learn. I mean, what? This, ha- this doesn't answer anybody's concerns. Now, thanks to you, we have money. We also have a massive, massive influx of volunteer interest, which we are activating, which is exciting and vital because we'll need people power, not just cash, but for what comes next, mass liberation. We've paused donations to adjust. Now we work. What they did is they paused donations and they restarted again before this controversy started. To say again, we are paying and have paid all protest bail that's come our way. There were a lot more people in jail on bail. Now we can help on a scale impossible last month. We want to spend this money down to get people out of cages, ICE too, and we want to do it right. That's it. So basically they're, they're laying out kind of like a long-term plan, which is fine. But they didn't answer the question everybody has. Where is the money and can you prove you still have it? If, if if there is not $35 million worth of bail that needs to be spent on Minnesota protesters that got jailed, fine. If even at all the protests, there's not $35 million worth of bail to, that's necessary to bail people out who can't afford it, fine. But if they want to repurpose the fund for things that are similar, such as legal representation for these people, I don't agree with it. But as far as the fund's mission, I agree it, it, it's similar. I would say that is acceptable. But where is the money? Why won't you show the money? Why won't you invite someone to come down to verify it's still there? I think that's a great question. And not just me. Hundreds of tweets. In fact, more than hundreds. Over a thousand tweets in response saying exactly what I'm saying. Where is it? Let's see proof it exists still. They don't address it. They don't say why they won't. Just they don't address it. Now, at the very least, if you if you don't want to say... I think it's a scam. Maybe, maybe and I'll, I'll agree with it. It's possible that this is something that is just uh, poorly run. It's just uh, incompetence, bad PR, whatever you want to call it. They have all the money. They're, they're just stupidly not proving it, even though doing so would take all the heat off them. doesn't make sense to me. Whenever you're falsely accused of something, what, what, what do you do? You say, okay, who wants to see proof I'm falsely accused? Who wants to see proof that I'm innocent? That's not just what I would do. That's what everybody does. That's the human nature when you're accused of something you did not do. You want to show everybody the truth if the truth is on your side. If the truth is not on your side or if there's something about presenting the truth that will expose something else you don't want seen, that's when you say, sorry, we don't want to show anybody. Or you just don't answer it. And that's what's happening here. There's something weird going on. I can't say for sure they've stolen the money. They probably haven't stolen all the money. But there's something weird going on where they don't want people to look at the books. Or they're just super incompetent with PR. Now, given all that, um, 
is there anybody who's here on this uh, show that thinks there's not at least a reasonable suspicion that something's wrong here? Guilty. <laughs> okay, we got one. <laughs> no, first of all, I think I think you have to give them more time. They have to, there hasn't been anything out that they have done anything wrong, right, Chuck? No, but it, it was two. What happened? Well, sort of. Two weeks passed, and there are a number of people complaining. Like, I tried to get bail out in Minnesota, and despite all the money you guys got, I couldn't get it done. Like, they, you guys just didn't answer me, or you said we'll get back to you, and never did. So where's the money going? So a lot of people started asking that same question, and that's when they came Ooh. forward and said, oh, yeah, well, we've only spent 200 k uh, and, and so that's, that's where this went. And even if there wasn't, even if it was like they got $35 million after two weeks and people are like, okay, um, $35 million came in. Can you show us it's still there? And they don't want to. Like, if you were running this, and, and, and it's not just one idiot demanding it. Like, a lot of people are demanding it. There's even articles in the New York Times and Forbes about it. Wouldn't you say that the obvious response is, yes, somebody can come in even if they have to sign an NDA as far as the specifics and, and at least see the money and report it's still there? I mean, no, that, that sounds very reasonable. I mean, I'm, I'm sure, sure they're just so overloaded. I mean, there were, what was the- the budget last year, like a couple hundred thousand. Do no, it's probably no. I'm sure probably less than that. It was, it was very small before that. Trader Ruski, has your check cleared right. yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's where some of it's going. They're they're, they're paying paying off hosts on this show to back them. Brandon, Brandon, what do you think? Well, well, listen, listen. This this may be a this may be not the best example, but here in the state of Nevada right now. There's a, a big problem with the uh, the PUA, the uh, Pandemic Unemployment Assistance, that started here months ago. It's so bad that uh, the woman, her name was Heather, can't remember her last name, literally submitted her resignation to the governor on Friday because people were showing up at her house and making threats at, on her life. And this is because there are people that have applied three, four months ago that by any kind of question, you know, any analytic, they, they will get approved. They're, they're deserving of their money, but for reasons unknown, they have not been processed and paid. Yet people that have applied a week, two weeks ago, have already received upwards of ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000. This is a big thing in this state. So like Trader Ruski just said, I mean, is anyone saying the state of Nevada doesn't have the, you know, four-plus billion dollars that they claim they already have in federal funds to pay these claims? No. Is it just a clusterfuck, and are they overloaded, and it just is it being mismanaged? Absolutely, you know. And, I, and again, I know that's not the best comparison, but it's somewhat similar because we're talking large sums of money, and people are frustrated. The money isn't going where it should be, and nobody knows why. But so I guess in a way, it is kind of similar. But there is there is a difference here, though, because with the government, people don't say, "Oh, the money got stolen." With this is a private fund, where for all we know, they could have stolen the whole thing. I don't think they stole the whole thing, but for all we know, they could have stolen all of it or half of it, and and we'd see the same stuff that they would have only gotten a few people bailed out, and and that most of the money, oh, we'll spend it later. You never know. I, I think given the massive sum that came in to a fund that is not typically handling even one one-hundredth of that amount of money. If people are concerned that the money's still there, I can't see. What is the downside for having someone come in, again, even under an NDA so they don't have to give away their secrets or whatever they might be, but even just an NDA, right. of, you can come in and make sure that, number one, the money is still here, and number two, now, all the money that's been spent has been spent properly. Seems totally now, reasonable. Tell me something. 
tell me something. This isn't a slight. It's just this isn't like the biggest subject that I care about in the world right now with all that's going on. So forgive <laughs> me if you said it. Who? I mean, I'm just being honest. It's, this isn't you know, and I get why it's important to you, but to me, it's you know, I didn't donate. I, I just well, I I'm talking. I, I know it, it's, it's, it's about the pokers pros arguing with me. It's not about the I, otherwise I wouldn't even brought this up. Yeah, yeah. So wait, so who's so if you've answered this, forgive me for asking. And who's the person that's over or the people that are overseeing it? Uh, it's some like attorneys and other people in uh, in the Minneapolis area that have been involved. For, oh, not only that, they had some turnover over the years. Like one person pretended to be Native American, uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren style, and then were proven but, okay, not to so be. Okay, so if they were so if they were attorneys, though, wouldn't it be safe to say that there would be, uh, you know, ridicule and even rep- repercussions? If they did indeed steal this money because they are licensed attorneys, yes, but there's a lot of licensed attorneys who do bad things, and this is so much money. If, if well, it was if it was a thousand dollars, I would agree. Nobody would throw away their career for that. But this type of money, who knows? You know, they could have been started once it started coming in. They could have started swindling, and then it blew up, and now they just got their dicks in their hand. They're like, "Oh God, what do we do now?" Well, no, well, it could have been something like maybe they reimbursed themselves for a couple hundred thousand in expenses. As right. an example, maybe it's for the few years or even half a million, right? Maybe, you know, legit. But now all of a sudden they're going to let someone go through the books. They know they're going to get a key to this. Plus, they've been busting their ass to pay rent. Now, these, now everybody wants to find them. They're probably like, you know, F you. We've been working on these issues. No one to hear shit until this guy dies. Well, uh, So I can see them saying, I'm not bending over backwards. I'm trying to get my shit together and bail people out of jail. Well, but they, that's not their money to steal this. That's the point. If they, if they, if they pay themselves with it or anything else, they, people well, are yeah, supposed to be – that's exactly the problem, Dave. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the problem. No, that, I know, and I think you might be right. By the way, no, I think I actually think I actually think your 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 guess of what what might be happening here, and in that tweet storm back and forth, I actually suggested this too. That I don't think necessarily they stole all the money. I think something happened, maybe even on a smaller scale. Five hundred thousand is, is has been used in a way they didn't say it was going to, like paying themselves. And and now they're they they don't want to show there's thirty four point three million left instead of thirty four point eight, or it's oh. going to really blow up. Right. But yeah, but also to look, they have to have a staff and whether they're saying that it's volunteer, they can have some volunteers, but to, to deal with what they're dealing with, they have to have a staff and they're doing a disservice to the community. And if no, I the workers did, party would never you know, tolerate that. The workers party. I'm sorry. The workers party would never tolerate such a thing in North Korea like this. Yes. That's why North Korea in many ways people won't admit is a. Much better country than where we true, live now, sadly. True. I hate to say it, but so, 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 some people the, among the poker pros who went off on me, uh, Andrew Barber, who was recently on this show. Who when, it's funny when we have him on the show, and when I see him in person, we get along great. Like, and he sounds very reasonable, and he doesn't sound extreme. You put him back on Twitter, and he just he goes off the rails. He just uh, he just will not back down. And he, he just gets these just. He gets super stubborn with these crazy points, left wing points of views, and and he and so with this, he was just. Over and over and over, fighting with me about this, but he wasn't the only one. Uh, he's, he's not really a big name pro. I mean, he's, some people know him in, in poker, but he's not like a, a big name pro. Nor am I. But uh, some of the people who are arguing with me, uh, we had Scott Seaver who made who posted a meme of me. You know, have you seen that clown putting on makeup meme that's been going around where they take someone's statement and and split it up into four parts and show the clown getting dressed up, and by the time they make their the fourth part of the statement, they're in full clown makeup. So so Scott Seaver did that to me. We had Daniel Anderson, who was uh, responding a number of times, angry at me. Who's who's uh, Daniel Anderson? 
she's a female poker pro. She used to play online as D Moon Girl. She's married. Is she like a poor man's Peachy Mare? Uh, no, because there's not, unlike Peachy Mare, who is very uh, the mysterious. Vice versa, I'd say. There, there's there's nothing mysterious about that. She's just like a married woman who's like around forty or maybe late thirties. Oh, I already got lost interest. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but she has a good reputation as known to be honest and straightforward and scandal free. But we mentioned last week, ironically, on the show that that it turned out that she's friends with career telemarketing scammer Jeremy Johnson, who also was the big uh, poker payment processor at the time. Full Tilt got busted and Poker Stars got busted. Uh, Jeremy Johnson was doing that too, but he was also a huge telemarketing scammer and went to prison for, for years over this and was just released recently because of the coronavirus. And she posted on his Facebook page about how she was so happy that he got released. And I go, well, that's weird. Well, someone said, I don't know if this is true. Someone said that she actually got originally backed by him. He was a huge fish on full tilt with, with stolen money, but uh, nevertheless, he was, he was a Genetti 22 on full tilt and he blew like millions of dollars at, at nosebleed stakes. And somehow, supposedly, he baked uh, Danielle many years ago when she got her start. So uh, maybe that's why she's so much on his side. When she was confronting me, I confronted her back and said, hey, any comment about this? And she refused. She said, I, I have no desire to talk to you, but let's just say the justice system doesn't always work. Which, believe me, is not the case. He, this guy was guilty of sin, if, if you take a look at the case. Does it? He should still be in jail. Yeah. In addition, we had Charter, Christian Harder, who was not having it. He wasn't very happy with what I had to say former Neverwood Poker community member, since uh, turned Poker Pro. We had uh, Dan Smith. We had uh, Jesse Martin a little bit. We, J- Jamie Kerstetter jumped into the fray. And uh, she, she wrote, uh, when you question an organization like this that hasn't even done anything wrong to date, it hurts your credibility. Have any filing deadlines been missed? They don't owe an independent report to Poker Fraud Alert. <laughs> well, they what don't... about that Pol- What about that angry Polak? Did she? Uh... <laughs> no, she didn't get involved. Thankfully, I like the end. She's probably angry still. Polak. She's probably still licking her wounds for that whole uh, apostle thing, huh? Right. That end, and Poor I've been thing. I've been very supportive of her. And whenever people try I to troll know. her, that yeah, you know, like they, I, I, she probably wouldn't want to jump on me on this anyway. I've, I've been Maria Ho didn't jump in. No, thank Maria Ho stayed out of it. I'll give her. <laughs> I'll right, give her credit there. Her. That's good for her. I, I don't even know Maria's. Uh, uh, point of view uh matt grapenthine not a very not all that well known but in the limit community uh great he's a barger yeah he he he, he wasn't happy barger. he said uh uh how how would you only bail out protesters though no arrest reports officially uh, peaceful officially list peaceful protests as the reason no one advocated donating to bail out thieves robbing a liquor store not ideal but i'm okay with inevitably bailing out some bad actors along with the good at least that wasn't about this disappearing that was just him defending the fund itself, but then he liked some other tweets about uh, defending the fund. Uh, who, who else we have here? Uh, Matt the Rat at least liked he, – he he did likes what I was typing, so at least Matt the Rat was on my side. At least I had him. And I had a few other – Matt the Rat. I had a few other li- listeners of the show who were uh, uh, backing me on this. Uh, ben Keyline liked a number of tweets that were bashing me. Uh, Justin Bonomo and I uh, went back and forth about this. I'll, I'll give Justin Bonomo credit. He was more civil than some of the other ones. So some of the other ones got uh, very salty with me. Justin Bonomo did it in a, uh, at least in a polite fashion. Uh, some, what, what about that Kate Hall? Kate Hall, she has me blocked. That's the only reason she didn't go off on oh. me. <laughs> it just happened semi-recently. You know, I'm sure she would have jumped on me. Is uh, she still even around? Just sort of. I mean, 
I, I don't know if she even plays anymore, but she's got really long fingers. Yeah, that's. Uh, but maybe she can get the job at the WNBA. Maybe, maybe when they come back, the WNBA, they're waiting for her. Uh, then, let's see who else. Oh, there's a lot of them jump, either jumped on me or or like. Wait, Brandon, do you think she can palm? Do you think she can palm a basketball with those fingers? Oh, absolutely. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. She, she missed her call. Long fingers. Okay, now, let, let me ask you. Not that this isn't a great topic. Well, how many? What else is on the agenda? What's the next topic? I'm just well because I don't want to blow my whole. I have a listen. Doing this podcast, time. listen. Doing this podcast is like literally playing in an athletic event where if you just come out after a hiatus, you have to kind of you know. Okay, I'll, t- I'll tell you what I'll tell you what I'll do for you, Brandon. I will tell you. You, have, I, to man- I will you t- have to manage your energy. I don't got the stamina to go to. No, six I, I understand. Morning. I understand. Brandon's like the he's like uh, the the Kenley Jansen of this uh, show. Here. I'm, so he's, he comes on and he, he throws hard, but he, he's not going to be able to go for nine innings. So uh, what, what I'll do here is I will jump to some topics I think you're going to have more interest in. And I'm going to skip a topic which I think you won't be go, interested go in. Go to a different group that's mad at you, Jeff. That's VIP treatment. Okay. It is yeah. VIP treatment. I'm gonna, we're going to do some Vegas topics because I know, I know Brandon always likes these. Well, because I could offer some insight I know. and whatnot. I, I haven't been to Minneapolis I've been to their airport like four times. That's all I can tell <laughs> you. That's more than I've been. Nice... I've, I've never set foot in Minnesota ever. Airport or airport? I've been in their airport. I haven't even done. They that. got a good. Uh, they got a good. Uh, uh, what's the? They have a good Quiznos in Terminal B. That's all <laughs> I can really tell you. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's uh, let's move on. I want to talk about a. Uh, uh, I want to talk about what's going on in Vegas with the mask wearing, and maybe I'm sure Brandon, you'll have your input on this one. Something that. I found really odd, and I mentioned last week, and I think even the week before, when Vegas reopened, was that uh, I expected that everyone in the casino, everyone who set foot in the casino, would have to wear a mask. And I was very surprised they did not, that it was optional. And it was really weird to see these videos of Vegas reopening with a lot of people walking around, in some cases most of the people walking around, having no masks on. And... Uh, that got a lot of criticism from people, and I was surprised simply because it's easy to do. Why, why not have a giant box of masks right at the door, and anyone who doesn't have one on say, you must wear this in the casino and enforce it? Well, I know the reason they didn't. They want customers back, and some customers just hate wearing masks or think they're stupid or think they're, they're pointless and don't agree with their usage or their required usage. So if they demand that then people just won't wear them. Some, also, some people also think it's just not fun to be. Or you know what? Believe it or not, I've already met several people that, that at least claim, I don't know why anyone would, would lie, that they've already had the virus and they don't need a mask because they're, they're immune to it. They already have the antibodies. Yeah, they, right. And there's some like that too who, who may have already had the, the virus and just say, well, I can't give it to anybody. Can't, I can't catch it, so why do I need a mask? Of course, it's hard to prove right now, but uh, yeah. So, so people uh, may not want to wear masks there. And so for that reason, they did not require it. I, I thought they should require it, and many other businesses require it, but nevertheless, they don't require it. So there was, there was a lot of controversy about this, and just a few days ago, it was decided by the Nevada Gaming Commission, kind of a middle ground, that you are still allowed to go into a casino and walk around without a mask on if you want. But if you're going to sit at a table game, including poker, you have to have a mask on unless it already has dividers that physically separate each person. 
So that's if you sit down to blackjack, sit down to poker, if there's not those plastic dividers or glass dividers, whatever they put in, then you have to have a mask on to sit down. And that has been the recent decision handed down by the Nevada Gaming Commission. And interestingly, this is pissing off both sides because people who are anti-mask or anti-required mask are pissed because they can't play blackjack or poker or any other table game without a mask on. So most of the reason they come there, they can't they can't play anymore. And then the uh, the people who are pro mask are pissed off that people can still walk around with no masks on. So both sides are pissed. I, I don't even know if this uh, solution they brought forth is going to help anything. It's just getting everyone angry. Uh, Brandon, how do you feel since you, you live in Vegas? There, how do you feel about the decision that just came down a few days ago? Hello. Yeah. Yeah, okay, well, listen, let me tell you this real fast. So since the opening, uh, what was it, two weeks ago this past Thursday, I've been to two strip casinos a couple of times. The only reason, I'll be honest, why I've gone is I had uh, – I was enticed to come back with some significant, at least in my opinion, free play that had time you know, time restraints on it, so I went to do that. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be running around this trip, at least not now. So – Ironically enough, and this is the God's honest truth, there are two strip casinos that I went to. Both, uh, one of them was Caesars. Both of them have a, have a connection to Udruff. One of them was Caesars, and the other was the Venetian Plaza. You know, that little place where there's that bribe, you know, you apparently bribe someone. The whole staff is still pretty pissed. No, yep. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know. I know. I'm, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's a, a joke. It's a wanted but, poster there for me. Yeah. But no, seriously. So I went to the Palazzo a, a handful of times, slash Venetian, and uh, Caesars. Now, let me just tell you this. My sample size is enough now that I can tell you it's definitely a tale of two companies. Now, this is unbiased. I'm not saying this. Just These are my own personal observations. Walking into the Palazzo, first of all, no matter when you go, I've noticed this. I don't know if it even benefits you know your health in terms of the virus, but first of all, it's always freezing in there. You're never going to be hot. Like they've literally lowered the air even more. Maybe they think that helps kill it. Or actually, it's, it's the opposite. It's actually okay. the, the coronavirus likes the, the the temperature it likes the most. Believe it or not, is thirty nine degrees, and every degree above okay. that, it survives a little bit less. So I've been there a couple of times in the late morning, early afternoon. I've been there twice in the, I guess, late afternoon, early evening. Every time I've gone to the Palazzo, I've seen no less. Than eight to ten people, like you can't go more than maybe a good 20, 30 feet without seeing some employees scrubbing something. It is, it's insane what they're doing. So let me back up for a second. So when you get through the elevators to get in through the garage, and if you attempt to go through any entrance at all at the plaza from the, any of the street entrances, the parking garage, doesn't matter. They're, they have a thermal camera on you. There's a box of masks. There's at least two or three security guards at every entrance. And they're checking everyone's temperature. They're encouraging everyone to wear masks. They have a box with masks. And you cannot literally go more than maybe even 15 feet without seeing people cleaning, slot machines, uh, bars, craps tables, chairs, everything. I mean, it, it really gave you a sense. You know, I was there once with my dad, who's elderly. And I brought him there like the third time because he had to do something. And, of course, he's wearing a mask. But it does give you a sense that um, – you know, that they're literally doing everything that they could possibly do. Like they're not, I mean, it can't be cheap to have all these employees constantly cleaning. Uh, I'd say probably every 30 feet as well, there's a uh, sanitation 
station where they have either the, the, the wipes, like the Lysol hand wipes or the spray. Um, so, I mean, it, they're doing as good as they can. I mean, and it's around the clock. Every time I've been there, it's been the same. Caesars, now I only went there early. I went there like the third day after the reopening, and then I went like two days later. It was utter chaos, okay? Uh, not every other machine was blocked. Um, a lot of people, more more so in there than than definitely in the plaza, weren't wearing masks. You did not see the same sense of employees cleaning, you know, every other, you know, machine. Or, I mean, it, it just wasn't – you didn't get that same feeling. You know, and it was funny. Like I said, I was with my dad, and he had the same feeling. He's like, wow, I actually feel like they're doing the best they can. And Caesars, you, you wouldn't even know other than, like, there's some machines that were turned off. Other than that, you wouldn't know that you were in the midst of what we're in the midst of. Yeah, it's so, funny you mention that because this is exactly the report I got from somebody else that the Venetian is just clean, 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 clean. And, and ridiculous. Caesars, Caesars clean. Is, is, like, way more lax. Uh, my one criticism here, not of you, but of them, uh, is that this may be somewhat for show because, uh, at, at least at the moment, the belief is that the coronavirus isn't spreading that much on surfaces. It's almost all in the air, which means the cleaning, it can't hurt. It probably helps a little bit, but uh, like massively cleaning may not make a significant difference in your chance in of catching the coronavirus. It really seems like everybody being required to wear masks with a kind of okay cleaning is a lot better than some people without masks well, and a great cleaning. Right, and that's probably it's the optics well, of the cleaning too. Yeah, that's what I mean. Well, yeah, it's the it's exactly. You know, because at least when you're there, you're getting the impression that there's not much more they can do. Exactly. Like they're taking everything to to the now. One other thing I wanted to touch on about the mask that you didn't touch on from the articles that I read. The the reason that the gaming commission was forced to do this was. They were also getting a lot of feedback from the various CEOs and uh, big wigs in the casino industry that they were afraid that if a handful or any amount, really, of their dealers got this, that the liability would be massive, that they weren't making employees that were playing table games wearing masks. And that was a big reason why they did this, oh. more so than to protect the customers. They were afraid that, you know, whoever, whoever, you know, dealer A, who's sitting there dealing a roulette game where there's 10 or six people, whatever the number is, all around them, not wearing masks, breathing on them. Dealer A gets sick. Dealer A files a lawsuit against his casino for not protecting them. So that was a big part of it. Okay, and I've read that in a, in a number of different articles and people that I know that are in the casino business were talking about that as well. Certain dealers hadn't even gone back to work because they were afraid. Like, and we're talking dealers that were making a significant amount of money. Like, you know, dealers at the Wind, dealers at the Plaza. Those, these are you know, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollar a year jobs. You know, plus. So that was a, a significant reason, and that well, you know, if you think about it, that makes sense. Yeah, that's I mean, interesting though, I, because I would think that they would make them sign a release like my business is going to make us do. We're going to have to sign a release. Like you go to your gym now, you have to sign a release saying if you catch the COVID there that they're not liable for it. You enter at your own risk. You work at your own risk. Now, I know right before all the casinos opened, it was actually in the news here that Station Casinos, which also was testing employees before they reopened, was requiring employees to sign such a waiver that you're mentioning. I did not read or nor have I heard from anybody else about any of the other, you know, MGM when right. so on and so forth companies asking employees to do that i think if they did you would have i would have heard something would have made it would have made the you know the, the news because that'd be a big thing because there would definitely be dealers that would want that would be pushing back on that um 
but I don't know. I don't know. That's interesting to see if right any because of the, other the casinos big could just that. say you, you don't sign the the thing. You don't have to work here. We're not forcing you to work here, but these are the terms of the job. Right, but that's probably state law too. Maybe that's a law in California, but not in yeah. Exactly. Yeah. A lot yeah. of those laws yeah. are different. Is is there a dealers union? Is no, there a, no, no, oh, no. There's not. They, they, nope. No, it's, no. it's, it's among the few employees that are not union. Most of these uh, uh, employees, but you know, even with that union, in mind, I think I think they were concerned about the optics. If a number of dealers got sick and that happened, just how you know the, the perception would be, so that played yeah, a part as well. Sure, sure. But if you think about it, nonetheless, it makes sense from from. So anyway, getting back to your original question, no, I, I think. I mean, listen, like you said, the casinos are never going to force people to wear masks that don't want to unless they're told they have to, just for the reasons you mentioned. I mean, they want the money. You know, they want people to come in. They don't care. I mean, but if it wasn't for that, you know, nonetheless, my opinion, yeah, I think everyone should wear masks. When, I'm, when I've been in there, when there are people not wearing masks, I tend to try to move away from them. Or if they're sitting next to me, I'll, I'll you know, I'll get up and go. I mean, even if they're like five, ten feet from me. So I'm, I'm all for it. I think that you should just to protect everyone. I mean, I get the whole civil civil liberty thing, but you know, these aren't we're in uncharted times now. I mean, just everything. And you can have your um, civil liber- liberties all you want, but not on private property. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's what I don't understand. What like, well, I do understand. Like I said at the beginning, but why I'll tell I think you, so. I'll but... tell you one other. I'll tell you one other thing real fast. Um, if I was a tourist, just the way I like Vegas and things I do, I would not come here. Because just the few hours that I've been on this trip, it hasn't been enjoyable. If, like I said, I had free play. I had enough, significant enough free play that it was worth it for me to go out, put on a mask, bring sanitizer, stay safe for, you know, an hour, two hours, two and a half hours at the most, and then come home. But outside of that, I mean, having that mask on while you're gambling, sitting there, and just every, you know, always feeling like you have to kind of just look around you, be aware of your surroundings. It's not fun. It's stressful. Right. And, like, and, and we got, we got, car, a, we actually got a trip report from, uh, from uh, Jay Jammy, I know you've met him before too. Uh, he he came to yeah. Vegas uh, last week, and he came back saying it wasn't that fun. He wouldn't go back. Like, and it no, was, it is. I agree. And I it, agree. it was partially from what you said about how it's stressful, and partially just there's not enough open yet to to where there's uh, just so many things that you you still can't do. He just said uh, he wouldn't recommend this for tourists to go there at this point. Hey, hey well, Brandon, you know, of, Brandon, yeah. how'd you make out up there? Well, it's free play. With, with my free play? <laughs> yeah, with your free play. He lost. I think. He I lost. Think I lost? No, I'm just kidding. Go, go on. Oh, no, it's free play. <laughs> that's, I that's think on average I got, you know, because what it was is right before these casinos started opening, they knew that they were going to have to depend more on locals yeah, than they've no. had to depend on. So they started mass marketing locals with free rooms, discounted rooms, free food, discounted food, you know, discounted food. Same thing with free play. So a lot of locals, anyone that's even been in their, you know, in their database for years, even if you've been not existent, you probably got some kind of nice. email. Um, so on average, I think I got about eighty oh, percent of what my nice. free of what my free play was. I didn't hit anything big. It was all on video poker. I didn't hit anything big, any royals. Um, but I, I think that's normally what I do. Like between like maybe seventy eight, maybe eighty two at the most percent of what the total amount was, which is right, fine. Nice. Like yeah, that's, totally, totally. Considering you didn't trip. hit anything, you know, considering I didn't hit anything big. But like I said, just like two hours of, of navigating through these casinos, getting back in the car, especially at the Venetian, everyone has to park on one floor. Uh you know, they have a four four level garage in both properties, but they've restricted everyone to level four, which makes sense because that means they can keep track of everybody better. 
that means they don't have to worry about people entering the, the casino right. from three, two, and one. But anyhow, once I've gotten back to the car, I'm exhausted. Like it's just it's <laughs> stressful. I mean, it is. It is. I mean, it really just is because not only are all the circumstances that I described going on, but you can tell there's a tension. And it's not just from the virus, it's from the protesting and everything that's going on in the community. And people just, everyone seems like afraid to, you know, almost like step on someone else's toes. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, you can just yeah. feel it. Like, you can just feel like a thickness in the air that, you know, this is all uncharted territory. No one wants to offend anyone. Everyone, you know, people are walking out of each other's way. It just seems awkward. And it's just, it's tiring. Like, it really, really is. I heard so, one of the worst fails of it all is there's giant lines to get on the elevators to get to your rooms because they only allow a certain amount of well, people oh, really? you know, <laughs> on each elevator. The thing is, that you're allowed, okay, both at, both, I don't know the, I don't know Caesars, but this is the law. So I'm assuming Caesars is following it. I know in the Palazzo from the parking garage up to the casino and then in the casino as well. There are signs that you can easily read all over the place that say only four people per elevator. I noticed when we were going, most people weren't even doing four. Like if you weren't a family, like when I'd walk with my father, you know, or somebody else, like I think only one time did another party of two come in with us. Like there are several times where they saw us go in, we were next and they just let us go. Like two people wouldn't even come in with us. Uh, but there's signs everywhere dictating that. And I did not see now, granted, I was never on this trip on a Saturday night, like at seven, eight, nine o'clock, but I was there on a Friday night or Friday early evening and Friday during the day. I never saw the kind of demand that would, you know, make one think there would be lines to get into rooms and on elevator. It was not busy. Oh, I mean, okay. it, 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 I never saw crowds like the kind of crowds you're used to. I'd say probably maybe 30% at best at what a normal Friday night or Saturday night this time of year would be. Um, but the point I'm making is I just don't see how it's fun. Like, you know, having a mask on the entire time, just being stressed. Like, it just – like, I can get it. Like, if someone that normally doesn't get comped is like, hey, you know, wife, you know, we got four free nights at, at the Bellagio. We never get free nights and we have this. You know, as long as you temper your expectations because it's not even close to what it used to be. And, that, you know, it's understandable. It's, it's realistic. Um, but it's going to be that way for a while. And as, as now the interesting thing is – now they've been two confirmed cases of employees getting the coronavirus in Las Vegas in casinos. The first one was two days ago at a restaurant at the Bellagio. There was one employee who was called the Mayfield Supper Club. Yeah, I heard about that. And they immediately shut down the whole entire restaurant. This is a high-end restaurant. You know, this isn't like a, you know. Yeah, someone overlooks the, end. The, overlooks the fountains, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there was another incident. I don't know the name, but it was a restaurant, I believe, at the Flamingo. My dad just told me about this today. He said it was on the news that two employees tested positive. So obviously, if, if you're reading the news, you, you can see states like Florida, Utah, Arizona, now to Nevada, cases are on the rise. The real interesting thing is going to be if a cluster develops in a casino, like say six or seven people at the total reward center at, at Caesars get it or a number of members of, of you know, the slot department get it. If you start seeing more and more of these cases, what's going to happen? Are they going to be forced, or are they just going to say, you know what, we got, have, have no choice, we have to close down? 
or are they just going to make best and we're all just going to have to live through it? Here's, That's a, here's, what you're gonna be. here's a good question. Uh, it's not just that. It's what if there's a bunch of people that get it that are pretty sure they got it at the casino. I'm talking about customers where uh, you have a lot of people that uh, weren't exposing themselves much to anything else, went to the casino, they get the coronavirus, and a lot of people come forward like that and can trace sure. it either possibly or likely to the casino. And it starts appearing that a lot of people are getting coronavirus at the casino. As you said, do they remain open? And that's a good question. And I think that's something that in the next week to, to 10 days we're going to have to confront because now we're, you know, it's only been two weeks since the reopening. So now we're getting to the point where people aren't just carrying it anymore. They're starting to be, you know, show symptoms, the, you know, the ones that do. So that's something we're going to see a lot, you know, in the coming days. And I think it's going to be a real question. If I had to, to bet, I don't think, I think there are going to be a number of casinos that, that, that likely close. I'd say probably sometime after 4th of July. I think they're going to want to keep it open only because as, as from what I'm reading right now, 4th of July is going to be their only decent chance of making money. You know, they're hoping. Other than that, I, I really do believe that it's not attainable the way things are right now. Um, I think we had 400 something cases yesterday, new cases in Nevada. And that, that was like the fifth worst day. Like going back to like March, like it's getting bad again. Well, and actually, actually I'm know, going to talk about that a little later in the show. You probably won't be on anymore by that point. But uh, um, in fact, it's not just uh, almost as bad as March. The last few days, at least by the number of cases, it's the highest number of cases in the U.S. than any time since yeah. the virus started. Now, it could be because of more testing. So it doesn't mean it's worse than March. It may actually be not as bad as March and we're just testing more. It's hard to tell because there is a lot of un reported cases that that people had where they just had it and they didn't uh, die or need the hospital uh, even if they had it pretty badly so so we don't we, it's hard to compare but as far as verified cases it's the highest ever and definitely there has been a jump since the reopening that's that's happened for sure see the thing that's difficult about this and this is something all these casinos are really going to have to discuss is if this is really going to be the new norm and this is just something we're going to have to deal with then what do they do? Because obviously you can't just say, well, we'll close to this is completely wiped out or until there is a vaccine, because that could be a year, that could be 18 months. So that's really what they're going to have to think about. Is this something that we can just power through and just deal with it and, and you know, improvise as we go along? Or do we just need to close down and, and, you know, literally maybe open up around Christmas time or next, or you know, even next spring? And that's something I think they're really going to deal with. I mean, it's been two weeks and it's already been, you know, you don't think there's going to be more outbreaks in, in restaurants and in various departments? Yeah, of, course of course there is. Yeah, yeah. Of course there is. It's inevitable. Well, a so big the question problem, is how do they deal with that? A big problem is because uh, in Nevada, especially Las Vegas, it pretty much is a one-node economy. That so much is based around the casinos. And even local businesses, a lot of them are based around uh, the casinos being there. That uh, shutting them down, is it's so harmful. It will be such a terrible situation in Las Vegas if the casinos would be shut down like all the way through Christmas. And, and then, there, it, as you said, there may be a point they just have to accept that this is just a danger everyone has to deal with. And it may not even be 18 months. There is a possibility that this will be something that's with us either forever or for a very long time because it's not trivial to, to – develop a vaccine that is highly effective and uh sure look, look at the flu the flu they they have a vaccine but people still get it people still get it who get the vaccine it's just because the flu is uh not very deadly to a 
very wide percentage of the population. It's only a certain people who are vulnerable to it, and not as contagious. Well, yeah. So listen, one other one other thing I want to just say. This is just a funny tidbit. Um, the first time I went back into a casino, I did some free play on a Friday, the day after it opened. So I guess that'd be two weeks ago today. And I went to, the, it was at the Plaza and I went early in the morning. I was there like around nine 30. I figured I'd get there early, get it over with. Wouldn't be big crowds. So when I was done with my free play, which I did inside the Plaza, I walked over to the Venetian to look at their poker room, which had opened. And I thought this was going to be a ghost town. Boy, was I wrong at nine 30 in the morning. And they were only playing four handed. Every table was full. Degenerates. That there was a, every table was full. There was a list for one two no limit that exceeded fifty names. <laughs> there was a list for two five no limit that exceeded thirty names, and the same goes for both one two pot limit Omaha and two five. Like the list was all the way down on the screen. You know what I mean? Like it would go to a second page. It, it and I, it's nine thirty in the morning, and there are just people walking around and floors telling them you can't congregate here, just waiting for their names to be called. Because they didn't know where to even go. But every table in that room that I guess they had dealers for was going. And this was 930 in the morning. And I'm thinking, how many of these people literally like are, are live poker pros that either didn't want to play online or just couldn't make the transition? And like this is the first time in three months and they're just itching not just to play, like just to get out of the house because it's 930 in the morning. And these are like I saw young kids. I saw kids in their 20s, you know, like, you know, with their hoodies and the glasses, like, you know, the, the whole cliche 20 year old. Poker at 9.30 in the morning. Like, how many of these people just need to get out and play, try to make some money to eat or pay a bill? Like, because why are you there at 9? You know what I mean? It's 9.30. Well, yeah, that's like, cool. – so Jay, Jay Jammy commented on that too, and he said that uh, he, it was very regular heavy, that he saw that most of the people he recognized in the room as, as people who okay. are, are good well, poker I don't play. Pros. I don't play poker there, and I don't play No Limit, so I, I wouldn't know that, but it, it, it was a massive amount. I mean, you're talking a small room that's four-handed. You had – Several hundred people waiting to get in there like, at nine thirty in the morning. <laughs> why even get on the list at that point? Like, why get on if it's fifty people deep? Unless you're going to come back in hours and see if you're 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 up. But otherwise, yeah. why why wait around? And then the last thing I wanted to comment on, at least in regards to Vegas and what we're talking about, is the only bright side, I guess, for the Las Vegas poker player has been uh, during the majority of this pandemic. WSOP has seen a boost. That it's never like, – I've seen a boost unlike anything it's seen before. Um, there were times when there were so many tables going, it really was reminiscent of the old days on, like, Poker Stars on, like, you know, a Friday night, you know, a, you know whenever, you know, during a scoop tournament or anything you want to compare it to. I mean, that much traffic. So it's, I'm kind of curious now to a couple things. I'm curious when the World Series starts here in about 10 days um, – is it going to get even more, which I imagine it would be. For sure. And, and then the second question is someone asked me the first event. And I'll ask you guys the first event. And we can I'm sure you already talked about this last week, the whole debate about the bracelets being given online. But, yeah. you know, we don't need to get in all that. The first event is a four hundred dollar. It's like the World Series welcomer, or, you know, whatever, whatever you want to call it. July 1st, four hundred dollars. You can reenter two times. What would you all set? Excuse me. What would you all set the over under for entrance? Somebody asked me that, and I could not give a number. Like I think I said, I think twenty five hundred unique. Uh, it's the exact number I was. Yeah, saying. So I was thinking. I, I, I was thinking three thousand. So we're all kind of in the same yeah. ballpark. 
2,500. But you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if there were four or 5,000. And I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's 1,700. It's just, it's really hard to gauge. Oh, you know, I, I don't think on... there's any way 1,700. I think you're right. It could be way over. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to see that. And I, I do know people that are coming here, believe it or not, that, uh, and this is the other interesting thing. I know people that are coming here that are all going to be like three to four to a, a room at like the Gold Coast or wherever. So the two questions, one which I know has already been addressed on here, is is Caesars actively working to eliminate the potential fail of the many people that are going to be in we rooms? Know. We don't know. Yeah, I, know is, I know we don't know. And this right, is a big problem a because they, they don't have anybody in charge that's willing to say, hey, I'm the manager here. Yeah. We're working it's, on it's it. Nobody wants, nobody wants to step forward. It's unbelievable. I know. I know. And then, of course, the second question is, you know, I don't think there's any way to even stop the potential for colluding. I mean, there's definitely not any way to stop the potential for ghosting. But in terms of colluding, it's almost inevitable. At some point, people are going to be at the same table, even at final tables that are in the same room. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it, you know, <laughs> but you can't prevent that. So it's, it's like a moral thing. And you know the way that's going to go. I mean, if there are three guys are at, 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 at the same final table or two guys are at the same final table or on the bubble, I mean, you know they're not going to play. You know they're going to show cards. It's just it's the way it is. I mean, no one's going to admit it, but you know that's going to happen. I mean, it's just it's guaranteed to, and there's nothing you can really do about it. And no one really talks about that. It's just it's inevitable, isn't it? Yeah, and, and this is different than other online series because you're going to have a lot of people – crammed together in a in the same geographic location or one of two i guess they could be across the country in new jersey but other than that you're gonna have a lot of people that are crammed together all in las vegas to play an online tournament where you think of other online tournaments forget the bracelet thing that's uh, even separating that out uh you're gonna have usually these online tournaments uh any kind of large prestigious online tournament people tend to tend to be all over the place where, where you but, don't have everybody concentrate. That, that really raises the potential for ghosting, collusion. For sure. Things like that. But this doesn't we, – we've had the last few years, they've had numerous uh, bracelet events played online in at WSOP. So, I mean, it's it's always a problem. It's no, not but just not now. like this. You can't compare this because it's still – if you looked at it, I'd say maybe – what would you say? Like in the past, 1% or 2% maybe of the entire – paying WSOP oh, for shield sure. played in an online event versus now where that's your only option. I mean, it, it definitely, no, I mean, obviously a much higher volume, but still it's, it's, it's happening the same way just on the, let's say last year they had two online events. No, it's, they had, they had, they had eight last year. Oh, did they really have that many? Yeah, they, oh, yeah, wow. they were trying to, they were trying to pump it. Last year was the most they ever had. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they have more, but, but it is true that, uh, this is going to have because it's the only option. It's going to have right. more people, right. and sure. and uh, and also it's just uh, because it's the only option. You get more people, and and there's much more chance for ghosting and collusion because people are going to be focusing on it. The, before it was kind of like people would enter if it happened to fit into their schedule. Nobody came to Vegas well, to play an online event, so people would just. I mean, they, listen, ghosting. Uh, I mean, there's three guys in our room. And, and, you know, some guy's all in or, or, you know, he's risking his whole stack with Queens. You don't think he's going to say, hey, guys, this is a scenario. Of course he is. It's not even a question. They know that. It's almost like they're just conceding that. But more worrisome is the fact that you just know that at some point they are going to be people with great deals of money on the line that are right next to each other. There's just no way to avoid it, which is just yeah. crazy. But, yeah. you know, that's – and you know what? I get it. Like, I don't know what you all discussed, 
But Caesars, just the kind of company they are, there's no way, there's no way that they weren't going to try to milk something out of this this year. Like, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they were just not, sure. it, it's just, that's how they are. If they determined they could make X amount of dollars, even if it's not something substantial, they were still going to do it. It just, you know, I, I think, you know, we'll see what happens. I think it's going to be at least the first couple of days, an enormous clusterfuck. I think it's going to be oh, yeah. a shit show. I really do. Yeah, really you know do. what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the, the live version when they did introduce some new giant field events, and you just you just know they're not preparing for it. You know there's going to be tremendous fail. You know there's going to be six-hour lines. You know, like, all these things they could avoid, they're just not going to put the effort into doing, and there's going to be a lot oh, of yeah. anger. It's going to be the same thing except an online version. I see the, the whole site crashing. There's so many people on there. <laughs> I, 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 right. That wouldn't be a surprise. It also wouldn't yeah. be a surprise if there would be like this massive problem with the same IPs that tons of people can't get in. And uh, I, I can only imagine the stuff that's going to go down. In fact, I'm sure there's a lot of things that are going to happen we haven't even thought of yet. They, sure. They, uh, that's, that's a great point. That's a, that's a great point. Well, it's going to be interesting. I, uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm probably going to play in a handful of them just because I'm here. And, you know, why wouldn't I? And I'll, I'm definitely going to play in the $1,000 Omaha. I mean, obviously it sucks because there's not a lot of uh, – actually, there's really not – I think there's two or three. There's a PLO, a PLO 8, and then a uh, – Yeah, I think there's four. Omaha, I, th- I think there's four non-no-limit events of the whole 31. Okay, so there must be two PLOs. So that makes 27 no-limit events. Yeah. Which, you know – but anyhow, so that's – is that the number everyone kind of agrees with between 2,500 and 3,000? Yeah. Yeah. What what number would there have to be for the three of you to say, "Wow, this even surprises me"? Like, if it was over four thousand, would you be shocked? Five thousand? What number? I, I would say fifty five hundred. I'm blown away. Oh no, I, I'd say five thousand. I'm sure we're pretty close. I, that's if I saw there was there was like let's say a five thousand eighty. I'd say, "Oh wow, that's uh, that really was huge." I'm surprised how well that did. I wouldn't be shocked, but I'd be uh, I'd be pretty surprised. You know, and the other thing what that's percentage. Do you think are people going to be traveling there, Brandon? Sorry. That's a good like, percentage. What people are going to be non-local would, be, would travel there to play. Oh, I mean, well, like I've tried local. to gauge. I've I've tried to gauge that by just looking on two plus two and on Twitter, and it seems that there's a significant amount of people that are going to be traveling both here or if you're kind of closer to the East Coast to Jersey, and then as well as I see some people that are going to be up in the Reno area, Tahoe area, even and playing. But the, the interesting dynamic about that, I read one specific person. I believe it was on 2 Plus 2. Now, now, listen to this. This is hilarious. There's a guy from California that uh, – at least one person from California that wanted to play a number of events and was planning on staying, I think, somewhere in Reno. And the way it works is there's three ways to deposit in southern Nevada, uh, where I live now. You can go to the cage. You could do an ACH thing where they use some third-party – contractor that like gives you a credit line and you know then you can just deposit it's like an e-check and then you can go to a 7-eleven and literally like hand the guy or you, you get a barcode from wsop depending on how you want how much you want to deposit you go to a 7-eleven it has to be a 7-eleven you give the person the clerk your barcode and then you hand them a maximum of 500 dollars, and you can only do this once a day so anyhow this person that was up in uh, california was asking the customer service at WSOP. He wanted to deposit like ten, fifteen thousand dollars. He wanted to have enough for rebuys and play for like a week. And they could not give him an answer on the best way to get money on there because there's not a casino that you can deposit in that area. 
Okay, you can only do 500 a day versus 7-Eleven, and his e-check was not significant enough to get money on there. So that's another issue, like at least, you know, if you're not in Las Vegas. Because here, the easiest way to get a large sum, and this is what people are going to do, all you have to do is go to the cage at Caesars or Harris or any casino, any Caesars casino, and just literally give them your account number and your money, the cash, and it's in your account right away. But think about that. Other cities, other parts of Nevada where people are going to play, they are going to play in Reno. It might not be a, a large demographic, but still, you know, there are going to be people there. How do you get money, like significant money? I don't care what anyone says. Credit cards don't work. I don't know why they advertise it. I've never even known a person in the last handful of years that has been able to deposit yeah, on that's that true. site been, been with a, a credit of, card. Right. And then, and then, yeah, they, that's a good point. There, there's areas in Nevada that, as you said, aren't huge, but the places like Fallon and other ones that aren't close to a uh, Caesar's property and that, uh, that they want to play well, from you home know, and they can't. If you lived, if you lived in Northern California, you know, what might be easier for you to get away, you know, to go play? Probably the Reno area. You know, that's where people in that area might go. You know, the rooms are still cheap, especially during the week. It's, you know, less, you don't have to be on an airplane with other people you can drive. So that's another real interesting dynamic. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. You know, it, it's also funny that they're still promoting this GG poker and these events and you're a little over a month away. They haven't even specified what the events right. are. Right. How does that happen? You, I, that's I don't so know. mysterious to me. At first, when I got the press release about, he's like, I'm on the WSOP mailing list. It's insane. And, and it uh, really so I is. get the press release and it talks about 54 events on GG. I'm like, okay, well, uh, this isn't available to the U.S. I'd still like to see what they are. There's 54 of them. So I go, okay, but where is it? I'm, I'm looking, looking, looking. I can't find it. And finally, I find that they haven't determined what they are yet. And I go, well, okay, wait, are these beginning like in, in August? No, they're beginning like July 8th. I go, how could they not have picked that yet? How it doesn't they- make, it makes no sense. I don't get it either. I don't, I'm just, I'm dumbfounded by it. I really am. <laughs> and I've looked, I've looked on several sites. I've looked on the GG poker. I've looked everywhere. Nothing. It's no, they, 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 they haven't done it yet. They just haven't come nope. up with it. Why? Nope. Like what, what would be the reason? What could be the Daniel reason? Toronto hasn't approved them yet. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and one other one other interesting thing, I know you guys all know this, but those, you know, you have listeners that might not or, or probably don't know this. Another major fail. And believe me, I want the WSOP.com site to prosper. I mean, I live here. I mean, but at this point, years and years into it, you kind of just already know what it is. But another tremendous fail is their software. They've never fixed or adjusted or whatever adjective you want to use so they could add mixed games on there. Like literally, they don't have the software requirements to offer a horse. I mean, this is 2020. Right. Like, I think what, what that, I saw what that discussion did, broke out there. Yeah, on Twitter, people yeah. were very unhappy about it's it. It's absurd. What year did Poker Stars add a horse? Like 2004, three, five. I mean, <laughs> you can't play. You know, forget like Deuce to Seven. Forget like you know those kind of games. You can't even play a you know a combination of of limit games. So they can't offer a horse tournament. Like, forget, like, No Limit Deuce to Seven or, you know, Badoogie or any of those kind of games that people started playing 10 years ago. You can't even play a game that became popular 15, 17 years ago. People are also I asking. Don't get it. Right. And people are also asking, how come they were able to run Limit Hold'em tournaments in the past and there's not a single Limit Hold'em event? Why is there no stud event? Like, they, well, they, they have the yeah. ability to run them. I'm not saying they should run well, a the ton easy, of them. The easy, the easy answer is they just don't feel like it's it's going to be worth it in terms of the crowd they're going to get. I mean that there's there's I mean although if it was a cheap event I would think that if it's the only day because that's what they're doing one event a day I think people would just jump in that just that's you know what I understand. Why, not, yeah why yeah. why would they even give a fuck it's so easy just to put another yeah, tournament yeah. to go 
But dude, yeah, you're right. Dude, instantly. It's so dumb. And yeah. plus, they don't, they don't have to spend money on dealers. Exactly. It's absurd. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand it. But yeah, there's no stud. There's no stud eight, which the site offers. Now, albeit those are probably, well, not probably, those are definitely the two least placed, played games on there. Like stud, you could go days, maybe even weeks without seeing, even at the smallest stakes, stud being played, straight stud. Uh, normally, there is games that go up to as high as I've seen 30, 60, stud eight or better. But normally, there's like a 10, 20, like one 10, 20 game a day. And then they have lower games on there, like lower, you know, stud eight or better games that go daily. But stud, you never see. But nonetheless, you're right. Like, they already have the software for that. Why not just do it? Or even, like you said, a limit hold them, you know, tournament. No, not going to do it. So I, you know, like I said, I'll probably play one of the no limits, just, just depending on the, the crowd, because it'll be like a lottery. And then I'll definitely play the Omaha. And it's funny, they make the Omaha six max, too. Like, they don't have an eight max. It, it's just weird. Like, you can't really understand their justification and how they did this. Like, it just seems they were throwing darts almost. You know what I mean? Like you can't really grasp what they were thinking. Right. At least I can't. And and when when they, it, when this they... is where it's really helpful to have uh, visible management, so people can ask them, "Hey, uh, any chance of adding some events?" Or, or even while they're coming up with it, instead of just throwing it out there, say, "Hey, uh, what events would you guys like to see?" And, and kind of get feedback from the community. Instead of they just drop this on everybody and say, "This is it. Here's the events." And we're and like the fact that they haven't answered any questions about the IPs is insane. That people don't have yeah. the answer to that one. Why? Why can't they at least tell people, "Hey, we're turning that feature off. Don't worry, that that won't happen during the World Series. Nothing. Just like, just no answer. Just well, I'd like to think that they know the whole poker world. You know, not just the United States. The whole entire poker world is watching, and they don't want to drop the ball and embarrass themselves. So I'd like to think that that they're on top of this. They're running test simulations. You know, but I, you just don't know because no, you there's don't. no you don't. yeah. There, there's just no clarity, no response, no communication. So definitely will be interesting. And then, like Should I said, they? you know, how to even get money on there. It's, just, it's very, very odd. You know, get large sums of money other than going in person. You know, and then you obviously Maybe know, now that Jeremy Johnson's out, he can process some credit cards. Yeah, know? that's a good point. They should, they should hire him again. He's probably looking for a job. That's, yeah. that's, that's, uh, he has experience for sure. Uh, and then, you know, the other thing you kind of have to wonder now that I'm thinking about it. When I originally signed up, I, all I had to do was, and this is again, what, what year did they open, Druff? Uh, 13. So like two. 13. Okay, so, geez, seven years ago. All I had to do was submit my player's card, which fortunately at that point I was a seven-star, and my ID, and that was it. Never had to go in person and, and do anything. How ripe for fraud is all this? You know, such and such player putting an account in their wife's name or their dad's name, just knowing that unless they probably win a tournament, they'd never even have to show anything else. You know you know what I mean? Like, how ripe is it just to be able to, to do that? Right. To open up new because there, there's going to be. I mean, you know, there's going to be a bunch of new account signups. There that, be right. There, there thousands. Could, there, there could easily be uh, people multi-accounting and, and and chip dumping to each other. I mean, I, I know at tournaments you can't control where you get put, but the, let's say you get put with yourself, uh, you can you can you can dump chips or uh, you can dump chips to your friends, so whatever. So yeah, there there could be uh, throwaway accounts that are made. Who knows? I mean, who if this was like 2005, Z Bonham, uh, Justin Bonham would be having wet dreams. <laughs> oh yeah, he probably still is. Yeah, he's probably saying, "Oh, okay, well." <laughs> I've been waiting. I've been waiting 14 years to do this again. <laughs> now they all trust me. I can pull it off. Yeah, I mean, I think his. I think his dream would be 
having sex with multiple women that he's not in relationships with while multi-accounting at the same time. <laughs> in, in, in their names. He could be using Multi- their names. <laughs> yes, and that's funny. That's funny. Really, really funny. <laughs> All right. Hey, yeah. listen, guys. I got to tap out. I got to be up super okay. early. Okay, so. wait, wait. Are you, I thought you were going to tell us the story about uh... – I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the story next week uh, in the, the Hollywood Minute. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Because it, it's it's a probably 10-minute story, okay. but it's well, I'll be Well, I'll be quiet. You got 10 minutes. What's 10 minutes? Tell us. I might not be here next week. I want to hear it. There's right. a special guest star on tonight. Come on. All right. Yeah. All right. Tell us. Well, I mean, it's so off topic, but. We don't care. We're always off topic. This whole show's off topic. Okay. That's true. That's true. Okay. So Go I'll ahead. tell you a story. Back uh, uh one of my first shows I ever did, it was uh, George Clooney was one of the actors on it. He, he was not very famous at this time. He had done one other show and he was, uh, we were sitting around the, the kitchen table, just drinking some beer after a show. And he told us a story. And it, it was when he moved out here, he was staying on uh, another actor friend of his sofa. And the guy was a bartender during the day and he would, you know, audition, do whatever. So Clooney moves into the house is sleeping on the sofa. And the guy comes home with this beautiful little white soft kitten. He called it Kitty. And Kitty lived in the house. And while this guy would go to work, Clooney would be on the sofa just shooting the shit and he just would smell a horrible, horrendous uh, cat crap. So we would go into Kitty's litter box, clean it out, whatever. The, his friend would come home after work and look and there'd be no poop in the litter box. He's like, gosh, George, I think something's wrong with Kitty. He's not taking poops. He hasn't pooped in two days. And Clooney, being a prankster, doesn't, doesn't, buy onto it so he says i don't know I, I i haven't touched the litter box he's like well will you watch kitty and make sure if he's going into any corners anything you follow him sure sure no problem so the guy goes back to work kitty clooney's there kitty takes a big dump in the litter box Clo- clooney clears out the litter box the guy comes home again did, did kitty go to the bathroom no he hasn't gone i watched him nothing and the guy's freaking out he's like well if kitty doesn't go to the bathroom within the next couple days i got to take him to the vet so the same thing goes on and on for the next two days, and the guy's just freaked out. The cat looks fine to him, but it just hasn't taken a dump yet. So the guy comes back. Clooney cleaned out the litter box, and he's like, okay, Kitty's got to go to the vet. Takes it to the vet. The doctor checks it out. He comes back, and George is like, hey, what's wrong? What's wrong with Kitty? The guy's like, oh, there's nothing wrong. The vet x-rayed him, looked at him. He doesn't even have a buildup. Kitty's got to either be doing something somewhere or I don't know what's happening. I think Kitty's going to die. Well, the guy goes to work that day and Clooney decides he squats over the litter box and takes the biggest dump in the Kitty litter box, a human dump, massive dump in there. And the guy comes back home from work, looks in the litter box, and he just hears, oh, my God, (laughs) Kitty took the massive dump. And the guy, it was hysterical. That what? What year was this? Oh God, this must have been thirty years ago. So it's like Clooney, when he was on, when he was on like the Facts of Life or something. Like they're thirty no, no, no. years ago. No, no, no. Clooney hasn't worked. He just moved out here. Oh, so, so this, it was longer ago than that. It was probably yeah, like, oh yeah. Uh, he was just sitting on probably he thirty-five was years on ago the sofa while he was making the transition. Oh. So, but I mean, can you imagine the guy coming there and there's a dump <laughs> the size of Kitty? So, in so, the litter box. So, so how, how did how did you learn this story? 
Because Clooney told us to it. Oh, Clooney. I thought maybe the guy told you who. Uh, who oh, got no, no, no. Clooney, because he was on the show and he, he was a prankster on the show to begin with. And we were just drinking beers after a show. And I mean, Clooney, oh, he's got a ton of, he's a massive prankster. And, and when, uh, so when did he finally tell the guy the truth? Oh, right after once oh, right the guy after. came out. Yeah, it's just like, oh my God. Now the sad, th- you- the, the only sad thing about the story is that a, a cat got subjected to an X-ray for no good reason. Oh yeah, I know, I know. That's, he actually let him go. <laughs> that's the one thing that makes me sad is the cat got X-rayed, right? Got the radiation. The, the cat's gonna die of cancer, and it wouldn't be so funny anymore. Actually, I'm sure the cat's dead by now, but uh, oh yeah, yeah the, the cat's long, long gone. But, uh, but yeah, the time. that was my little Hollywood minute. Okay, well, thank that's you. That's cute. Cute, yeah. huh? Yeah, little funny. white kitty. No, it's, uh... All right, guys. I got to bounce, but I'll talk to you guys. Okay, thank thank you for the one. week. Okay, Brandon. Hey, brother. Brandon. Nice to see you, buddy. You too, buddy. You know what? I didn't know who you were. I mean, I know who you are in real life. I've met you. I didn't right. know that was your uh, your screen name, your your you know moniker on here. I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave hey. messaged me. Hey, but, yeah. and you know what? Good I think I, I might be coming up to Vegas on the second. I wouldn't. You're not going to have fun. It's dangerous. <laughs> Do whatever you want. He's trying to talk oh. you out of it. All right, guys. Later. Have fun. Oh, okay. if, you, uh, if, you, if you do make it down here, though, you got my number. Yeah, yeah. I'll shoot, shoot you a text. text. All, All right. right. Later. Later, okay. guys. I'll talk to you later, Vintage One. Real cute. You know, Vintage One, actually, I, I'll give him credit. Hey, he, he got his sound quality improved. We've had some, uh, like, like it's kind of hit and miss with the sound quality. This is the best he's ever sounded uh, sound quality-wise this week. I don't, I don't sound you, good to you guys. You sound awful. Like, yeah, you sound yeah. like you're in a bathroom. I'm When when this show's over, I'm going to do some experiments with this. I'm glad it's only you guys. Like I keep checking in the chat room. I'm paranoid, kind of like you're paranoid in the casino that someone's breathing on you. Uh, I'm, sure. I'm paranoid here on this show that the way I sound to you guys is how I sound to the audience. But everybody keeps saying in chat when I ask them, it's fine. So I will assume it's fine. So okay, that's well. You know the the, the one, of the, one of the oh go ahead. One of the good benefits of this, at least, is if you walk down the strip now, on a you know after the sun comes down, or even at times when the sun is still up. You're not going to see those people that get right in front of your face handing you that smut, that oh, the, the yeah, strippers yeah. to your room and all those. True, are, true. Yeah. Even even the low light low life companies that bankroll those didn't have the guts to put those employees back on the street. So there's there's none of that. At least not now. Who knows about you know Fourth of July or you know if there's is a busy weekend, but. None of that's going on, at least. Now, what about the drive-around billboard of 702-6969-696? Is that still driving around town, or is that taking a break? I have, not, I have not seen it. I have not seen that. Yeah. I guess it's worked, though. I, I know the number. Like I, yeah. I know, I know if, I, if I go to Vegas and I want to get a hooker, I just got 6969-696. So let me ask you two guys this then, you know, while we're still on this topic before we switch. I've mentioned I've gotten – free rooms and various small amounts, medium, and even what I would consider large by free play standards to Caesars, uh, to the Palazzo. I've gotten offers from MGM and I've gotten uh, a couple offers from Boyd, which is the, the coast casinos and, and the old Boyd like Sam town, et cetera. Have you guys gotten anything worthwhile? Have your emails been filled with any sort of offers from? Yeah, I've gotten crap. I've gotten crap, and uh, the only offer I got from Boyd was an offer from Dutch Boyd to appear on the show. <laughs> so uh, now, now, what about now? What about you, Trader Ruski? It's a little known fact that you like to play a little bit of medium to high stakes video poker from time to time after a long day's work out here in Vegas. 
Have you got any good offers, buddy? You know, I, I have to. Um, I, I'm so behind on my email because I've been slammed with work. So via email now. I mean, I got some things from Golden Nugget. Three nights stay. Maybe one was as much as like 500 in free play. Maybe even more. I, I am jealous. Let me tell but you. What, let me tell you what I've been getting. I, mm-hmm. I've gotten uh, a great offer. At least this has a room. But I got a, an offer for a, a, a free room in Tahoe. With twenty dollars of free play, <laughs> then hold on. I, he, he, that, that was that was that was the good offer. I also got an offer from the Golden Nugget to come in for a blackjack tournament where I have to pay for the hotel room and the blackjack tournament is fifty dollars. <laughs> I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I, I picked up the phone and uh, I, I didn't let a minute pass by before jumping on that one. Yeah, but maybe that was their revenge because didn't you out them for booking you next to a train station or something, a loud I, I, room with a no, bell? No, that was a different thing. That was actually a, a free room that was gotten for me by, by Mr. Traderuski, which it was not yeah, his I fault. It was that. their fault. But, the, but uh, no, they, they're getting back at me for using them for free stuff and, and no playing them. And uh, In fact, no. there's someone who got, got it worse than I did. I'm at least getting offers, terrible offers, but I'm getting offers. I know somebody who got no offered from the golden nugget and that is benjamin's mom she got uh, she actually got no offered as punishment for staying over new year's and no playing mm. yeah it's, wow. uh, it's a shame they won't even send her the they won't even send her the 50 dollars to play the blackjack tournament offer that i got that she got nothing she actually got turned so, off from offers let me ask you this stuff now everyone obviously knows you're very protective of your personal life so i'm not infringing on it only answer what you will but it's been a while since you've been on here and you know, you and I have texted a little bit, but not not too much as of late. What has your average everyday daily life been like during this? Like from waking up till till bedtime. Well, with this pandemic, give us an idea of what the average day is from start to finish. You know, you don't have to like every minute, but from this hour to this hour, I usually do this or I usually do that. What, what's an average day like? Well, uh, I play on uh, on ignition at night usually, and late at night, and. Uh, uh, so I, that's what I, I do at night usually. But I also started doing something else, uh, which I'll get to in a second. Um, I don't go anywhere except to go hiking. And when I go hiking, I, I bring Benjamin with me and, and we go. So it, it's, it's never a, a really hard hike because he can't handle a, a very uh, difficult or long hike. But uh, that, that's the only place I go aside from, or other, other than like going to uh, something where it has like a curbside pickup like uh, Target does. But other than that, I just stay home, and uh, I, or, I order groceries delivered, Costco being delivered, stuff like that, and uh, I play online poker. I go on the internet. I do this radio show. But the new thing I'm doing, the new thing I'm doing now is uh, – have you heard of the game Roblox? I have no idea what that is. No. Okay. I, I didn't, it doesn't surprise me. Trade Ruski, have you heard of Roblox? Never heard of it. I'll tell you why you haven't heard of it because you don't have any kids. So this is a uh-huh. very this is an extremely popular game for kids between like I'd say like seven and twelve, but but teenagers play it too. Uh, once you get past twenty, the population the the it's not popular at all. Hardly anyone over twenty plays it. Uh, some do, but it's it's really a game for kids and and somewhat teenagers. So, but it is I think the most popular game in like the seven to twelve age range. And uh, it's actually a game where there's 
games in it. So it's kind of like a platform where people make their own independent games on top of it. And then those games uh, is what people play. And there's a ton of games that have been made for Roblox by now. It's been around for a while. It's gotten really popular in like the last four years or so. Ben started playing about uh, a year and a half ago. Or actually, almost two years now. And uh, that actually took over for Minecraft as the most popular game in that age range. So my, Minecraft's still doing well, too. But this is the it kind of fell the second behind Roblox. So since you can make your own games on there, and the ones that... The ones that are the most popular, the few that are the very most played, actually make millions of dollars a year. So the creators of those games are doing real well. Uh, now, there's a ton of competition there. Otherwise, uh, yeah, a lot more people would do it if, if it was uh, guaranteed millions of dollars per year. But uh, Benjamin has uh, wanted to make his own game there. And he doesn't have the programming skills to do that, because it is real programming. So... Uh, I'm now doing that with him. I'm now helping Benjamin build a Roblox game. And uh, I've had to learn. There's a learning curve there. You know, because even though I know programming, it's, I had to learn how to program for Roblox and the, the scripting language they use and, and all the idiosyncrasies of the system. And it's, uh, the, the documentation isn't that good. So it's, uh, there's been a learning curve. But for the last uh, like few weeks, that's what I've been doing a lot of late at night, especially when the online poker games die. And then Benjamin wakes up, and I leave him a note for what I did. And then he's always very excited to see the, the new thing that's been happening. But uh, I, t- I told him... Now, you... what about eating? Well, what about eating? okay, are that's, you, that's a good question. Are you cooking every night? You... I, I don't, yeah. but, but, but Benjamin's mom does. And uh, so, uh, yes, I, I'll tell you there's, there's an upside and downside to this. Uh, I miss a lot of things I used to eat. Uh, it's like I, I haven't had fast food in ages. I just don't go anymore because I don't trust it. I haven't. I didn't have. Wait, done, but you don't. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. You don't trust what? Like being out, or you don't trust the process of like the food being clean? I, right. What I don't, I don't trust, trust it being handled. Believe it or not, the the food, the food itself. It, when it would be cooked, it would kill the coronavirus. The problem is after it's cooked. If I, if they could allow me to walk in and take it off their grill, I would actually trust it. But since I can't do that, um, I, I can't trust that the person who is. Uh, um, handing it to me didn't sneeze on it or something like that. So, uh, so I, I, I don't get fast food. I don't get any takeout of any kind. And, uh, so everything we eat here, oh, wow. right. Everything we eat here is something that came from the grocery store in some way and, and is made. Some yeah. things are, some things are just, that's kind of got, that's got to get boring after a while. It does. It, it does. Now, at least there's some things I like, you know, like I get prime steaks, I get, uh, I get hamburgers, I get, uh, we have chicken, we have, you know, my, girlfriend makes chili so it is though a lot of the same things over and over and like i haven't had pizza in ages i think i think next time i go to costco i'm going to get like one of those I'll have them deliver one of those pizzas that you bake yourself uh i, I meant to do that last time i forget, forgot but i haven't had pizza in ages i missed that i haven't had any kind of uh fried thing in ages now what do you think is the upside to all this you, you haven't gained weight i've lost weight so yeah. I, I've I've actually lost uh, 14 pounds since this all started. Where everybody else is gaining weight, I've actually lost weight. I've lost 14 I've, pounds. I've actually gained 12 pounds since this has started. Yeah, most people I'm have. I'm at my all-time high. I'm at my all-time high. I've never been heavier. And I'm still not like, you know, you've met me. You've seen me a lot. So you know I, I was never a heavy guy anyhow. But I've, I've gained 12 pounds. I'm at the highest weight I've ever been at. I'm at 184 pounds now. Well, normally I'm around 170 to 172. I'm 184 right now. Trader Ruski, have you gained or lost? 
during this. I'm gained. <laughs> Everybody's gained. Um, I, yeah, I'm one of the few who hasn't. See, but you know what? I'm different than you, though. I, I've been going to the stores, but I've been I, – I don't do fast food anyhow. I, I mean, just it's a health thing. It's not because of the pandemic. I mean, like once in a while, like I'll do In-N-Out Burger, you know, before all this. But in terms of like other restaurants that I, I at least in my opinion, have good quality. And you're right. You never know what's going on in the kitchen. But I've done the takeout. I've done the curbside pickup, you know, probably, which is why I've gained this weight. Um, but yeah, I've eaten better now than I have at any other point. Cause that's all you really do a lot of just eating, you know, cause you're just kind of home and, you know, you got food there and, uh, but yeah, you know, I guess, you know, listen, I'm very protective. I have not left my house. I was wearing a mask at the end of February. That's when I started wearing a mask for the first time when I had appointments, when I had things going on, I started wearing it before it became, you know, I guess mainstream or whatever, but I'm not at the level that you are that if I ordered a pizza, like of course in the back of my mind, I know like you don't know what's going on in the kitchen, but you know, you never know anyhow, but I haven't let that, I haven't taken it to that extreme and maybe I should, maybe, maybe you shouldn't. I mean, who knows, but I've still gone that route of ordering food. And, you know, thankfully as of now, I I haven't had any problems. Um, But uh, but what about you, Trader Ruski? Are you still, what do you, what do you do for food these days? Do you no, order out I, a lot? I you took, cook? Half the, took half the time, and then I got a couple go-to places I'll get food from. And then I usually just, might, you know, stick in the microwave for 20 seconds to kill off any uh, any coronavirus. Hopefully yeah, I guess, I guess that's true. If you if you do recook it in any way, that probably does, uh, now that may interfere with the flavor, but that probably does kill the coronavirus. Uh, it, it does hate Yeah, but just like exactly it for 20. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah, it, twenty it, thirty seconds isn't going to affect it, affect the flavor, for you know a, sm- a short amount of time to zap it like that. I don't know. But, um, I, I I'm kind of I have a microwave and I use it for some things, but I'm kind of anti microwave as far as like I I notice but, a lot when when the when things are yeah. microwaved. No, I, oh, I, I hate microwave I food. If you do less than twenty seconds, less than twenty seconds, or I or I might just eat it in like just drive in if it you know sat for a little bit. Yeah, that's but not I a bad idea. Make sure, I cooked it for a little bit to kill whatever. Yeah, it's like what I was saying before. It it is it was found that it likes thirty nine degrees the best the coronavirus, and then which unfortunately is the the, the temperature of your refrigerator, and then and then every degree up from there, it's uh it, it survives less and less. Not not that forty is bad for it, but that it, the more you get, the warmer you get, uh, it the harder it is for it to survive. And of course, if you're cooking it at a high temperature, that's going to kill it. So yeah, uh, I. So the reason I've lost weight is uh, it's both that I'm eating lower calorie things, and and, uh, and second I'm just eating less. I'm just uh, not eating as much, and I've also made a conscious attempt as I this, at, I was losing the weight. It was funny because at first my body was resisting it. So at first I'm like, oh, I'm eating so much less, uh, and, and I'm not eating fast food. Like I've got to be losing weight. I get on the scale, I'm still at the same weight. I go, what the hell? Like I wasn't gaining, but I wasn't losing. So this went on for a few weeks. I got. T- I actually got frustrated, stopped weighing myself, and then I got back on the scale and I saw I had lost seven pounds. I said, "Oh, okay, good." So it, it, it is losing. So then I started making it more of an effort to not eat as much junk, like late at night and things like that, and and try to k- uh, get my weight down. Uh, what I was very disappointed with myself about was the thirty-two pounds I lost involuntarily in two thousand eighteen because of the bad anxiety and depression problem I had then. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I said the one good thing that came of it was that I went from my highest weight ever to 32 pounds less. So I was at a much better weight when that was over. 
And then I said, okay, I'm not going to throw this away. I'm not going to gain this weight back. And I came uh, within uh, nine pounds of, of that all-time weight again. And I said, crap. And uh, actually, I think I've lost 15 pounds. Yeah, so I, I, but I've lost now 15 back. So that's so now I'm only I'm only eight pounds above the point where I was when I was at my low point after losing that weight. So I'm not even that far from returning to that weight, and uh, so that's that's been the one good part. But uh, do I enjoy eating as much? Like, there's food I miss, and I just try not to think about it. Uh, but uh, but yes, there's there's a lot of things that I do miss having. Pizza is a big one, and uh, but there's others. So it's it's not. So you wouldn't feel safe like calling. Like you know, whatever, I, I know you have your mom and pop places, but you know whatever. Say Pizza Hut, Domino's, any of the you know Papa John's, you just wouldn't feel safe. Like you couldn't eat it. Like you would just be too paranoid or no, I could eat it, but then, but then I'd be bothered afterwards and have to sit there for days that's to see I if mean. it happens. Like yeah, that's that's the problem. Is yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm even bothered. I had to bring my dog to the vet. My you know the, the 80s dog. He's still alive. So yeah. uh, um, yeah. he, I, he has a urinary tract infection, and I had to bring him to the vet. And I, hmm. I hated doing that going in there. I, I had to, but uh, but I, I hated doing it. And that's that's the only thing I've gone into. And uh, and I wasn't seeing anyone at all who didn't live in the house. I wasn't seeing anybody, friends or family, who didn't already live here, until two weeks ago. My parents came to visit, and that was the very first time I'd seen them in three months. They don't live that far away. Oh wow! And that was the first time I had seen anybody. Or that not just I had seen. That was the first time anyone had been in the house other than people that live here. I even uh, <laughs> I had developed a, there's a plumbing problem that developed in the sink here, and I, I channeled uh, bottom set and fixed it myself. So, <laughs> so, that, so if you were living here, if you were living here in Vegas now, like I am, what would casino? We'll say Caesars, for instance, have to send you in free play that would make it worth it for you uh, to get out with the disinfectant and the mask. And then I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I haven't even said, it. I'll tell you what my amount was that got me out of the house. But I want to know, be honest as best you can, what would be your amount that would make you, that you just were like, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, you're still going to protect yourself, but it's worth it. I'm going to go out and in, in, into the world, into this crazy society with race riots and pandemics, and I'm going to do my free play to the best of my ability. Dollar okay. amount. Okay. Um, I haven't thought of it. And you live, a, like a, ten, a, you live like, you live like 10. You live like ten miles from the strip, and there's no traffic. Okay, so like that's you, you know you can go during the morning when there's not no yeah you can get there in ten minutes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good question. Um, Thank you. That's why I'm here. I I haven't thought of that, probably because the offers I get are so terrible. I don't need to think about it. But uh, but also it's different because even a couple hundred would not be. Worth I know it because they had to travel. Yeah. But, yeah, but, but I'm talking about ten minutes away. Yeah. So uh, that that is a good question. Because it would now, I, I, I would. Risky, you're on deck. I, I would know that I don't. Well, he, I think he's going to go anyway soon, so it's probably be not, not very much for him. But he can answer for himself though when I'm done. Uh, I. But no, it'd be different. It'd be different for him because he'd be living here. So right. It's right, not yeah. about that. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I. That would be a tough one because, on one hand, I could rationalize to myself I could come in quickly, keep away from everybody, uh, run you this. Can. I have. Right. So, so I, I can come in quickly. I, I can keep away from everybody, uh, run in quickly, and get out. On the other hand, I'll, I, I will be very—I would be very nervous in there and be sweating it out the next few days to see uh, if I show any symptoms. And and, and the problem is, you, it, sometimes the symptoms can take 14 days. So, uh, whenever there's anything that worries me, like uh, this, uh, just 
not to go on too much of a tangent, but there was a flood in, fr- in front of my house a few weeks ago because a, a pipe that goes to the sprinklers burst. And uh, so I have the gardener here fixing it. And the gardener, not only was he not wearing a mask, he just couldn't keep himself away from me. He just kept coming up close to me and talking to me. It was getting, so when the whole thing was over, I, I was like nervous that he, that what if he got me infected because he just kept coming close so often. I kept like backing away from me. wasn't getting the message. So, uh, um, but, but like, I didn't want to be a dick about it because he, he came on like really short notice on a Saturday to fix it. So, uh, I, like I sweating it out and I, I, I thought, okay, what is the amount of time I have to wait before I'm pretty confident I'll be okay? And I just I decided that four days I'll feel fairly good about it, and seven days I'll feel very good. Not totally out of the woods, but like seven days I'll probably stop thinking about it because that's it, it, most infections. Most times you see symptoms after seven, even though it could be longer. And 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 by four it's, it's common. So of course I didn't end up getting it. But going back to the casino, that's about. The, I, I would be sweating it out for about a week after going there. But, of course, if the free play let, – let's take an extreme example. Let's say that uh, there was some stake and they offered me – One million dollars. Then I would definitely go. Uh, there would be no question. I wouldn't have to think about it. Uh, so going down – but they offered me uh, $10, of course, it would be a big fat no. If they offered me $100, uh, it would be no. It just wouldn't be worth uh, the emotional turmoil I'd have for the next week about it. Um. The a thousand dollars would be like see if it was that's what I'm trying to think like a thousand dollars I would probably do it five hundred is kind of where it starts to, it would be close so I think a thousand I would that's do where it. I was at yeah that's where I was at yeah I was at well okay you know in all fairness I had a five and a three on the same day right across the street basically from each other so I was going to be able to, I mean I have to go to two places but I had eight hundred a pop five and a three so yeah okay so we're that was enough to get me enough. you know to yeah, because like like but, similar like with, with then my again, dog. you know what? Go on. What are you gonna say? Well, but you know, our minds are. But listen, our minds are different in the sense that I again, you know, took all the precautions. I wore gloves. I, I had a mask on. I was made made sure no one was near me. I had my own sanitizer. But when I got home, I was good. Like I I didn't sit there the next day or the day after, or even now, and even think. What is this thing coming? Did I get it? You know what I mean? Like my mind just doesn't think that way. I know I did all the precautions. I wasn't lackadaisical at all. And I, I didn't worry. Like, you know what I mean? I just, it didn't, it wasn't on my mind. But for someone like you where it is going to be a burden and, and it is going to you know be there and you're going to have to think about it. It probably isn't worth it for 500 just for your peace of mind. It, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, And it would also depend you know on what, what, I mean? what happens there. Like if, if I really knew I came in and it was no one came close to me the whole time. And, I, and knowing that it doesn't get on surfaces that easily, it, it doesn't spread through surfaces that easily, supposedly, but you never know if that's true, uh, but that's the current belief, then I would feel much better than, like, if some guy not wearing a mask uh, walked by and coughed, and then I go, oh, crap, did he cough on me? Does he have the coronavirus like that? That could be the type of thing that could happen where I would sit there thinking about it, where if I if I thought it was very uneventful and I stayed away from people, I probably wouldn't think that actively. I would think probably every so often, like, oh, I... That's right. It's only been two days. Uh, I, w- I wonder how the next days are going to go. But uh, yeah. I, I just so, so much don't want to get this uh, that I know yeah. nobody does. But like I, I, I have this obsession with not getting this. Trader Ruski, what would your dollar amount be? Same scenario. You live in Vegas. You just got to no. go to a casino, do some free play, head home. No, my number was 500 too. Because I'd be like you, Brandon. I would not. 
sit there and worry. If I had my gloves on, my mask, I'd park near doors where I could just duck in to the video poker machines or whatever it is I was going to play. You know, and then plus, I'd probably see... Like, did you, like, scout out surrounding offers as you were going out anyway to see if you could, you know, get them all done in one trip? Well, no, that's what I did. I had two. I had one at Caesars and I had one at the Plaza, so I hit them both up. That was it. Those were the two yeah, ones that okay, were worth yeah, yeah. it. Like, I had smaller, I had, like, smaller ones, like, go to, go to, uh, uh, Gold Coast, or it could have been the Orleans, I guess, for $30 once a week. I wasn't going to go there for 30 bucks, not even close. I mean, I probably wouldn't go there yeah. for 50 bucks. You know, I mean, I probably wouldn't go for 30 when there wasn't a pandemic, just because I don't really care for the or. But you know what I'm saying. But 300 and 500 right across the street. And I, like I said, I went early. You know, I went like at 930. I left my house yeah. at like nine. So it, it was and it was dead. I mean, you had literally banks and banks and banks of machines without even seeing anyone. Well, near right. You. And that's a good point. You know, so that was another. That's a good point. I probably would go at a really odd time, like like 5 a.m. or something where there'd be like the least number of people. Like when I did my free play the first time at the Palazzo, the only person I came into contact with at all was a cocktail waitress that that came kind of within like 10 feet of me. And I just said, nope, I'm good. And then she turned around. That was it. I didn't see another soul. I just sat there in peace, you know, so. I'd probably walk around with a sign. I probably probably have like a sign on my back saying, uh, I do not want cocktails. Please don't approach me. (laughs) That's that's funny. That's funny. Uh, All right. So next question. This is something I told I told a, a friend of mine. I'm standing by it. I predict whether they there's another shutdown or not. I am predicting by Thanksgiving at least one major and major means like the Treasure Island. It could be you know the Plaza downtown. I'm just not talking about like a slot house, but I'm predicting by Thanksgiving one major casino one major casino enters bankruptcy. Well, do you think that will happen, Druff? Do you think that will happen, Chaderewski? Uh, okay, bankruptcy and shutting down are two different things. You mean actually just – I didn't say shutting down. I just said bankruptcy. Oh, so – well, that's, that can hmm, – because there's a lot of casinos that are all under one large brand. Like I don't think MGM or Caesars is going to go into bankruptcy. But, I don't think they are either. But uh, – so that, that cuts down a lot on uh, – the number of casinos that can, and it's a major casinos. Well, just you still got – you still got like uh, – I know you have TI and oh, some geez. others, but – yeah, and you got what's what's the one that just the West? You got the Westgate. I mean, there's casinos out there. I mean, you still got them. You got the uh, the old Hooters, or maybe it's still Hooters. You got you got a number of them. So there's some still you know, all the ones downtown that are independent. Got the Stratosphere. I mean, you still got some. I, anyhow, I think by November at least one, you know, hotel resort will will have filed for bankruptcy because I don't think even under this climate. The smaller ones are going to be able to survive like this long term. Yeah, I I, I agree. Something's going to happen. I, I think that uh, I think right now is also, and I said this before when we did the show about the reopening two weeks ago. I I thought I think that right now they're even getting more people than they'll get long term or like medium term. I should say long term, medium term meaning like just the rest of twenty twenty. Yeah, because uh, the novelty, the novelty, and also yeah, people were bored. And there was a novelty. Oh, well, I can go to Vegas. I can, I can. It's finally reopening. I can go. Like uh, Jay Jami is a perfect example. He was he was doing something else. He went to go hiking at the, the ancient Bristlecone Forest, about four hours away, kind of by who? Bishop. By who is Bishop. This? Jay Jammy. Who is this? Johnny. No, Jay Jay Jammy. 
Oh, oh, Jay Jom. Yeah, 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 yeah. From, the, from the fraud site. Yeah, from the yeah, fraud okay. site. He, see, he went there, but he kind of went there just, uh, okay, it's reopening, let's see it. But uh, he, he he's a perfect example of just someone who goes there once, they kind of want to see the way it is, and they go, ah, oh, this kind of sucks, and they don't come back. And I think you're going to have a lot of that. So I think by the time this, the, we get deeper into the summer, we're, and especially if, if uh, the, there's a spike in cases and the problem becomes worse than people are expecting, I mean, even just around the country, forget just Vegas, I think it's going to become less and less appealing to people. And, uh, and especially if there's some bad optic situations, like a number of dealers getting sick, like you said, like an outbreak, a uh, number of customers, a number of uh, of employees in, in one particular area in a casino, something that seems like it's inevitable could start driving people away. And then it, there's just too many casinos there to support how many people are going to be coming into Vegas for the remainder of 2020. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of like we're the new, we're like Atlantic city, 2012. <laughs> yeah. I well, mean, but yeah, I, they haven't reopened not? yet, but they're, they're saying they may reopen on July 4th. Or for July, I don't. I read know. that. So I, I don't, uh, I don't know how they'll do there, but yeah, I think once the novelty wears off, and I, I'm not sure that this this could be one of these things that just kind of changes, and they're just gonna have to adjust to it. This may be something that there's just not as much appeal to do anymore, or at some point there may have to be a point where everyone just throws their hands up and says, "Okay, fuck it, we're reopening everything the way it was, and whoever wants to risk it can, whoever doesn't can't, and that's it." That may be what happens too. Yeah. You know what's interesting? I was just thinking about this. Uh, throughout everything that's happened, the one company that you have to give props to at least was is the Win. Uh, I have a friend that works at the Win, and he told me that throughout all this, even in the beginning, they made it clear to all employees of all departments that they were going to keep paying everybody, which is that's impressive. Yeah. Like, that's just like hundreds of millions of dollars that they've spent. I mean, over the last three months, I mean, it's gotta be at least over a hundred. So my friend is a dealer there and, you know, don't obviously feel sorry for him. Like, you know, he easily made over a hundred thousand dollars his best year at the win, but, and they were paying the dealers there. I mean, this is really, really impressive. The win was paying the dealers there the full amount of money that they would make if they worked plus their tips. They were looking back wow. on the last year and averaging what their tips were and they were, wow. they were continuing to pay, which is that's strong. That's huge like, because this, that like, money wasn't that money wasn't coming from them before. Before it was coming from the players. Well, exactly right. <laughs> well, exactly. And you know, so this isn't like some secret. Like you can Google this and read about it. But what's insane about that now to think about is they're they're literally they're taking pay cuts by working. There's no chance they're making the same amount of money now, tip wise, as they were before this started. So think about it. if I going back, if it's still nonetheless like you know they're they're, they're counting their blessings. Like they work for a company like that, and that's just strong. Anyhow, that you're paying every department the full amount, and dealers, you're paying them tips. Like that's that's strong. No, no other way to put it. That's really really strong, huh? Yeah, that's. I'm I'm surprised. I'm surprised they didn't just cap it at some point and say we're gonna we'll pay you a lot more than your base salary, which is very low because you make most of your nope. money on tips. So so we'll give you up to like 50k or something. But uh, to give them the full amount, which which can easily exceed that, is- and I wonder. Yeah, I wonder if any of that had to do with what went on with Steve Wynn in the previous years, and they just didn't, you know, they wanted really good publicity, or if that's just how they, you know, I've never worked for that company, so I don't know, but anyhow, it's still a stand-up thing to do. I mean, in terms of the amount of money that's going to cost them. Now, here's the other side of that. There was an article during the first month of the pandemic. Uh, I don't know which side it was on, but it had, it was with, it was an interview with the owner, 
of Treasure Island, Phil Ruffin, Rufkin. You can Google it and look under like, like news on your, you know, on your iPhone or your Android and you'll see it because it's the most recent thing about him. Anyhow, in that article, he, ex- he basically defends that as soon as the shutdown occurred, he stopped paying everybody. Okay. Right away. Okay. He didn't give any, some companies did two weeks, some did a month. He'd stopped right away like that day. He let employees cash in their vacation time and, and things of that nature, but anything they had vested. But in this article, and I read this and I was stunned and I thought it might get more attention. It's actually worth you looking up and reading because it's just so insulting to like employees of the city. And this is why I can confidently say he's probably or most likely the most hated casino owner now in the city to work for, without a doubt. In the article, he says that if any of his employees, and he's referencing like low-level employees like maids and dealers, wanted to borrow money, they could come to him directly and he would loan them money during the pandemic at only 4 to 5% interest. <laughs> I'm not making this up. I'm not. You have to just Google this interview and read it. It's the most bizarre, insensitive thing. And again, I was shocked that like it didn't get more press. Like no one, no big news agency department picked it up. Yeah, but just Google it. And after reading this, like, I mean, to be an employee and have to work for this guy, I remember a certain poster from PFA worked for him for a brief amount of time. I don't know if it ever came out that he worked for him, so I'm not going to say it. But you know who we're talking about, right? He worked uh, as a bartender. Yes. Maybe you don't even know. Yeah, okay. I know. I do know, yeah. And he, he ended up leaving for another reason, but he told me as soon as Rufkin bought Treasure Island from MGM, the whole place just went to shit, that they started taking out the most expensive bottles of liquor and, and replacing them with you know the low-end stuff. Every department faced cutbacks. It, it just went to like you know this cheap nickel and dime type of operation, and the morale went down the, the, you know, the drain everything so anyway i'll look for the link and, and send it to you because even if you don't want to talk on the radio you have to just read it because it's so bizarre and it came across to me as being so insensitive like this guy's a billionaire and he's talking about like maids that can't you know low-level employees that can't pay their rent can't feed their kids like loaning them money at like four to five percent interest it's was, it was, it was really bizarre so anyhow that's all I got for the Vegas stuff. I, uh, I well, I, I want to say a little bit more about about the, yeah, uh, the Vegas stuff. No, it's all very I'm going to look for that link. This is all I'm very interesting. Look for the link, so okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, look for it. This is all interesting stuff you brought out here, though. That's, uh, that's why it's good to have you here. So uh, I I want to mention about uh, three poker rooms that uh, have reopened. They actually reopened on Thursday, the the 18th. Uh, they are the Venetian. Which Brandon already talked about. Or sorry, that's already opened. The Sahara, Caesar's Palace, and Bellagio just opened on Thursday. And those were closed up to them. Prior to then, it was Venetian, South Point, Golden Nugget, and Orleans were the only four poker rooms that were open in Las Vegas. And uh, Bellagio is running six-handed. It's funny, the, the, it's funny how this has gone up, and maybe Brandon knows the history of what exactly occurred here. First, it was supposed to be four-handed. That was what was long reported. Then, right before these rooms opened, it became five-handed. So they must have been allowed to go five-handed. And then Bellagio announced they're going six-handed. So obviously they're not going to be breaking the law. They must have gotten permission to do this. There must have been a change in what the uh, Gaming Commission allowed. So somehow it went from four to five to six-handed. And uh, and that's what it is. So they've announced that these have reopened. But uh, it, it doesn't surprise me that these are... 
that that these are doing well at the beginning because there's number one a lot of degenerates and number two that uh, there's fewer people that can fit in each table, so it it fills up faster. I know that uh, some of them have the barriers, like Bellagio. Bellagio does have those uh, plastic barriers between each seat, so I guess you don't have to have to wear a mask at Bellagio. I see a picture of it right here, but uh, some of them also don't. Um, it says uh, Bellagio is cleared to spread six-handed games and will be using plexiglass dividers to separate players and dealers, similar to those used by the Seminole Hard Rock properties in Florida. And uh, apparently the six-handed approval, it looks like it was done on an individual basis, that the Gaming Commission allows certain casinos and certain ones not. It's not clear if it's because of those dividers or just somehow they demonstrated that they, they could do it safely. But they got approved for six-handed, so I think that may be the only place in Vegas you can play six-handed. In addition, there's a, a bigger story about reopening of poker rooms. That is, the California rooms have reopened. And that's a big deal because California doesn't have the other op- other casino options in uh, a lot of these places like uh, L.A., like Vegas does. Vegas poker is an afterthought to the casinos or a loss leader. But in Southern California, poker is the whole casino for the most part, aside from a few other games. So commerce and the bike you may be thinking about. And yes, those two are reopening. I think, in fact, they reopened yesterday. Uh, yeah, so the bike reopened on Friday, June 19th. Uh, Commerce, I believe, opened the same day. And uh, as far as how many players at each of them, I'm not sure. But uh, the safety protocols, uh, they are going to have those uh, temperature checkers when you go in, and anyone registering above 100.3 will be denied entrance. Which to me seems a little bit too high. Like, are they saying you have a hundred? You know, you you have a hundred point two. You can come in. Like I I would think a hundred point three is is already uh, way too high. Like I, I would be uncomfortable knowing somebody near me there has a hundred degree fever. Hundred. There's nothing magical about a hundred point three. And fevers for adults don't typically get all that high. It's not like when you're a kid where one hundred four was common. So. Like with the coronavirus, a lot of the adults, they, they, they get to 102, 101, but at the beginning, a lot of times it, it doesn't even get to 101. So if somebody has 100, they should pretty much not be at the casino. But anyway, that's what they're doing there, uh, and, and they are they are requiring masks at the bike, I assume at Commerce too, and they are handing them out for those that did not bring them. And they're going to be sterilizing the chips more often and uh, all that going on. The bike tweeted out, we're always looking to innovate and lead in the gaming experience. Sneak preek of these custom made nine foot long poker tables coming to the bike. So the bike actually made longer tables. It's, that's really weird. Actually think of a poker table. It's like, think of someone just pulled it and stretched it out. Like, like you're stretching out a piece of gum. That's what it looks like. It's a weird long poker table. Which must have been expensive to make, but I guess they figured this is going to go on for long enough that they're going to use them. I don't know if these are ready yet or if they're in the process of of manufacturing them or if there's only some of them. It's hard for me to believe they're going to replace the entire room with them. And these will also become a burden once this is all done. But it's not a bad idea, especially if this is being spread mainly in the air. 
So uh, I believe Commerce has opened as well. Let me see if I can find info about uh, Commerce. This article I'm reading is just about the bike. Uh, I know Commerce, the 19th was the day that they were allowed to do it by the state. That's why they were able to reopen. That's why they opened on the same day. Commerce tweeted, it feels good to be back. The weekend's in full swing, and the action is heating up at Commerce. There's a picture of it. It looks pretty crowded there, which I don't think people want to see. Um, They're showing other pictures of people uh, wearing masks, and they do have dividers at each table, but not the same way as uh, some of these Vegas casinos. They just have a kind of like a – it almost looks like a window – that would you roll up in your car, kind of like that size. So it's just kind of like, like a, not a full divider that goes all the way to the center of the table, but just kind of like on the rail, plastic sticking up. It's better than nothing, but it's not as extensive as the ones you've seen in Vegas and at the Seminole Hard Rock. So that's what they have going on at Commerce. I don't know if the bike is going to have dividers, just longer tables, but they they have reopened, and apparently they're busy. The bike and commerce are both very large card rooms on an absolute basis. I, I believe they – I know commerce is the biggest poker room in the world, and the bike might be second. They're both quite large for by poker room standards. So it'll be interesting to see how they do. I am not going to be going back anytime soon, though. I have no desire to put myself in that situation, no matter how good the game is. That just seems like something that you're just asking to, to catch the coronavirus. And, and I'm wondering what they will do if there is a situation where people catch it there in large numbers, if, they're, if they will close again or be forced to close by the state. So, Brandon, did you find the link? Yes, I sent it to you. Oh, you sent it it's to me. It's oh, in okay. the Skype chat. It's in the Skype chat. All right, I see this. Okay. Just maybe try to scan through it and read it. It's, it's pretty incredible. Well, we've... It comes across as so arrogant. I can text it to you, but it's in the sky. No, I, I see it. I, I, I just brought it up. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. So it says, let's see. Uh, let me see a good point to read here. Uh, Ruffin. And drop while you're looking at that. Oh, yeah. You know, go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, if anybody does know, because, you know, a good friend of mine in Vegas, he, like, gets up in the morning at a quarter to eight and tries to call unemployment. And it's the same thing where he could be getting checks, but he just cannot get through. Yeah, I've heard those complaints. You know, from I mean, others. I know you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, I have. I have heard that from people. I, there, there's, uh, in fact, there's a lot of people that have been also getting unfair denials that just are they got denied for some ridiculous reason that doesn't make any sense, which isn't a surprise with the government managing something. I mean, there's mistakes all the time. And and the problem totally. is they, they 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 can't reach anybody to fix it. They so they they apply. Right. They know they should be approved. They get a denial letter. The the reason makes zero sense. It's not that they disagree with it. They can see hundred percent it's a mistake, and they they can't find anybody to uh, to get on the phone and correct this, which has got to be infuriating. I I could, I'd be going nuts if this was my situation. I mean, I would just be that would be consuming me all day. I would be just furious if this were going on. So I feel very bad for these people that are running into this. But uh, that's what happens when yeah. you have to count on the government well, you know, to do these things. You know, here, as I mentioned earlier in the show, the the reason why people are so outraged, and there's, there's been several protests outside the unemployment offices in Vegas, 
is because for some reason, and there's been no official statement, no explanation as to why, people that applied in the first month that this went on, there's a large amount that still have not get paid, that have not received their first benefit check, whereas there's people that have applied as recently as a week ago that have already received it. And there's nothing negligible about, you know, the person that re- applied three months ago versus the person, you know, a week ago. An independent person looking at it would think both people should easily be approved. But there's no explanation why. And people are, like, losing their shit. Like, you know, there are people that literally – I have a guess. Till, I have a guess. You know, it's April like... have not gotten paid. And the guy just applies last week. Here's about it from a friend. To, you know, <laughs> Yeah, I'd be really mad. I, I know. Well, it's, it's, I, I have a guess as to why this is happening. Um it, it, Me too. It, in fact, I, I learned. Maybe you may, you may have the same guess. I learned this from watching uh, people like Chino Ream, where if if you borrowed money from a ton of people and uh, they're all mad because you can't pay them back because you're Chino Ream and you've, you've degenerated off the money, if everybody's mad, you may want to pay back uh, the people who just loaned it to you because uh, they're not mad yet. So you can actually you, you can pay them back. the people who who've been waiting forever they uh, they're already mad at you and they've already bitched about you everywhere so you're not gaining much by paying them off by paying off the more recent people they're not going to run around complaining about you uh, or, or harass you as much because they they're new so you get them off your back so similarly they may have decided and this is unfair I'm not defending this but they may have decided that the people who already applied if they've if they've been waiting since April. They can either start process, you know, they can process those and have people get the checks and be pissed off because they waited two months, and then everybody else waits two months. People who applied in June will get it in August, or they can make some people happy and figure the ones who are angry are going to be angry either way. If it's going to be two months or four months, they'll let them let them uh, put them in the back of the line, which is crappy and unfair. But that that could be the reason they're doing it. Makes sense. I think you're giving away too much credit. Jeff. What do you think it is, Trader Ruski? Well, I think they're just disorganized. Like right now, I'm slammed with work, and I get so many emails a day. Some I happen to catch when they come in, and I answer it right away. The others I'm trying to get back to, and it's like chaos. And I'll bet that's the same type of thing. You know, they got people just grabbing, you know, as they got these thousands of files coming in. And if they just happen to, you know, check their email when that one happens to come through, it could be as random as that. It also could be that uh, it's it's physical. Eventually, physical paperwork ends up on their desk for these, and that uh, they got all mixed up, so they don't know when they came in. They don't feel like sorting it, so they just uh, that they, seems very likely. Like they sure. get printed out and dropped at somebody's desk, and then they're that they somehow just gets all jumbled. Like, okay, uh, I don't know when these all came in, and I'm not going to go sort them. I'll just do whatever's on top here. Right. And that's state, right? That's Nevada, the state. Because, I mean, they, I know they have a great technology team for Vegas, the city, Clark County, and stuff like that. But it is, I guess it's state, right? That's the unemployment that's... Yes, yeah, so it's, 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 it's not on a federal level. It's on a state level. That's correct. Right, but it's not at the city level. Like, if it was the city level, I'll get... I'll no, it's not the city level. This is the, it's, it's, right. Yeah, it's, it's not on the state level. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's so much great technology out there. Even call centers, you can route right into people's houses. You know, I mean, they could easily have this done. That's uh, listen, so. I'm, I'm reading this Phil uh, Ruffin article. It says uh, Ruffin had, this is after the, he was told that he couldn't continue operating because of the governor's uh, order. He says uh, Ruffin had to tell his paying guests to check out of his hotels, and then he furloughed 4,400 employees out of 5,500 without pay. Uh, those who aren't furloughed are mainly, mainly construction workers remodeling hotel rooms. 
so uh, basically the, the people who are still useful to him. Uh, Treasure Island at Circus Circus, remember he owns, he owns that now too, uh, will continue to c- cover employee health insurance, but only because this is something the labor union had to negotiate for its members who work at his properties, but uh, neither business is paying employee salaries during the furlough. Uh, and then Ruffin said, Hopefully they get a $1,200 check soon, referring to the first stimulus check the government sent to Americans. When asked why he decided not to pay his employees while on furlough, when other, which other billionaire-owned casino companies, including Wynn, Las Vegas Sands, and Red Rock, all paid, uh, Ruffin said he's following what the Strip's largest operators, MGM and Caesars, did. But, th- but then uh, that's not even true because they actually gave two weeks of pay and he gave nothing. So he says, we're trying to open as, reopen as fast as we can. No one's hurting worse than we are. Uh, and he says with a quick laugh, it says, <laughs> "We our losses are huge, and that's okay. That's part of the deal. The government shut the government shut down, and our people understand that. I, I, I see the way he's approaching this. He's approaching this like all the employees are just like pieces of furniture that you don't need them. You throw them out. That's that's the way he's looking at it, and and he's just or like he's it. one of them, and they're all hurting." Right. And, you know, I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know if you said it in the beginning, but anyone that wants to read it in its entirety at home, uh, it, it was on Forbes back in early April. All you have to do is just Google the name Phil Ruffin, R-U-F-F-I-N, and you'll see it. But either way, you have to admit this comes off as really bad. It does. Yeah. It's terrible. Especially it really comes with, off just ugly. If, if he's going to follow what MGM and Caesars are doing, he should really do what they're doing and, and give the two weeks, which isn't wonderful. But at least that's uh, he can point to the two largest companies in town and said, "Well, I just I'm doing what they did. Uh, I'm trying to, to keep to the industry standard for this." And then that that like and he's he's being as cheap as he can, and then he's also being callous about it. And, and to say, "Well, we're hurting so much," that's not. Uh, no one's going to feel sorry for you when you say that. You you should. Uh, there's other ways to say that without. Saying those words like we're hurting it's, when you're a billionaire. Yeah, that's that's the problem. You, you yeah. can you can say that uh, we're, we're not bringing. There's no income here, and we uh, we're, we're losing a lot of money here. So unfortunately, we had to furlough, and, and there's no customers, so we we had to furlough. And people. by the way, he's the only, uh, from my knowledge, and I you know I've researched this a lot. He's the only company, or he's the only owner. It's the only company, Treasure Island, that immediately after the closure stopped paying people that day. Maybe some smaller, you know, lesser-known casinos might have. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. But in terms of on the strip, he's definitely the only one on the strip that didn't give anyone at least two weeks more of pay, you know, just to give them a little bit of a head start. He immediately cut everybody off. Can you imagine having to work for that man? Like that's just terrible. And then he said he his companies have an estimated war chest of five hundred billion in five hundred million in cash, not billion. Uh, he'd be the richest man in the world if he had that. Uh, he also offered that if any employee were to ask for money, he would give them a loan for three percent interest. But how's that even work? I said four to five, but, but still, but, come on. But really? even, even if that would work, like, how would that work, though? Do you just uh, knock on his door and say, yeah, I, I want to take you up on this. Can you hand me some money, please? I'll pay the interest. Can you, how do you get? How do you contact him to get this? What, what if you are interested in this? How do you get it? You know what? That may be a prank call for you. <laughs> <laughs> you probably would have to do it earlier, but you could pose as some employee and you want to take him up on his offer. You know, some department just ask. I mean, it's not even going to matter. Like, you can make up any department and just how do I how do I get a hold of him? How do I talk to him? How do I get him on the phone? I want to take him up on this. I, they're going to we'll give you the runaround. I read it in Forbes, though. It's a quote. He said it. How, how much can you borrow? Is is there an upper bound? Right? Can I can I borrow a million bucks? Can, can I yeah? Can I have his voicemail, please? 
Try to get his and voice. And he's going to say, oh, well, you don't have a job. You can't pay it back. So, you know, yeah. we can't lend you the money. Yeah, we'll lend the money to anyone who has a job after our, the job you had here that we let you go from. You... But I just found that whole article so pretentious and outrageous that it's just like, come on. Like, how can, you know, and it, it gets even funnier. The dude's married to, like, some 30-year-old, like, Miss Ukrainian or something similar. It's pretty, pretty hilarious. Pretty LOL. Yeah, some, yeah sometimes the sometimes this happens where you have these billionaires that get so out of touch with the way the average person thinks that that when pressed in matters like these, when, when they have to uh, act on something that occurs or, or – Makes some kind of statement in public. They don't, they don't even understand how bad it sounds. They don't understand how out of and, touch they seem. And to give it a little bit of a poker perspective for those that aren't haven't been with us since way back in the day, if you go to YouTube and you Google high stakes poker and you put in the name Phil Ruffin and then put in David Pete, you'll see an infamous hand of poker. He played on a season Phil Ruffin did of high stakes poker where he played an infamous hand it was the pot was hundreds of thousands might have been close to a million where he had like second pair no kicker and they, david uh viffer tried to bluff him on the flop the river and turn he could not get him to fold and it, it was just it was hilarious and then at the end he just said you know you should know better you know you can't bluff a fucking billionaire <laughs> you know, he, he literally said something just like that but it's it's a really really remarkable and you know it was a very very popular a part a episode, I should say, of high stakes poker with him in it. So you know, just to, if you want wanted to see that part of it, I don't know if he plays poker anymore. I doubt it. I think he, he just doesn't. came on for that one. Yeah. So, so but, uh, uh, we have a caller here. Caller, you're on the air. So Hi, this is the uh, World Series of Poker customer support line. <laughs> yes. So your uh, special guest earlier mentioned was talking about the uh, deposit options. Yes. Mm -hmm. Outside of Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. So um, just want to let you know that uh, with PayPal, you can deposit up to $3,000. And there's an $8,000 limit for one day and $30,000 for 30 days. Is there any fees? Oh, wow. Okay. What about fees? And, and, and what if, yeah, what about the fees? Well, <clears throat> it's through PayPal, so. Well, PayPal sometimes has fees, sometimes they don't. And sometimes the, maybe the World Series will pay. Like, I really don't know. Like, where, where can I find info about this? I'm curious about Wait, this PayPal. Is this option. really somebody that really is associated with the WSOP? I, I don't think so, but, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe he no, has. This is, uh, this is, this is Reno calling from Reno. Oh, it's Reno. Okay. I, he's, I, you know, I yeah, met, no, I met I Reno curious, once. So, so I, yeah, I just logged into the cashier, and they're showing a maximum deposit of three thousand dollars, with the one day limit of eight thousand and thirty days for thirty thousand. So hmm. there's an. So the question is, do you send it as a friend? But do you send it as a friend? Yeah, can, I can you send it as a friend or no there, juice? Well, yeah, the, can I you don't say, know about all that. Yeah, can you do what like? Do you well, can you do friends and family, so, and then you don't mention the word poker, so they don't ban your account? So, yeah, that's the other thing. PayPal has this big thing about gambling. It doesn't even say legalized. So my question, WSOP customer service, if I wanted to play <laughs> poker for the WSOP uh, or, you know, for, for the series in the greater Reno-Tahoe area and I wanted to play in every event, how would I get twenty twenty five thousand dollars $25,000 on there? In a smooth transaction, what would be the best way to do that? Since I can't walk into a cage anymore and deposit 
Well, um, I would say you deposit $8,000 a day for uh, <laughs> five days. Up to five days will get you the 30000 <laughs> And And you and there's no, I've, possible I've never fees? Deposited, yeah. I've never deposited that kind of money. I've deposited a few hundred bucks at a time, and it just goes through PayPal. doesn't what give a, you any question, whether it's a friends or family or anything like that. It just goes what, through. I'm going to try what to look games, this up right now about about the fees. Let me see if I can figure this out. What, what games? Hey, uh, Reno, does it? No, go ahead, David. Let me go just ahead, ask Brandon. Does it yeah. does it appear instantly, or is there some time of lag? Like if you're in a game, you rebuy or something. No, uh, is it pretty it goes instant? Through. Pretty, it's pretty instant. Yeah. Reno, what oh. games you what games you mainly play on WSOP? Like fifty cent, one dollar. <laughs> oh, uh, mainly no, no limit. limit. No limit. Yeah. And what is your own personal unbiased opinion or review? Of the site, if somebody asked you that I was unfamiliar with it, what would you say? Software, everything, customer service, just all software encompassing. Is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the software. It's good. All right. When uh, when you go to your cashier, do you have an uh, option like I do for an e check or an ACH deposit, as it's called on there? Let's see, they've got uh, PayPal, ACH payments, Visa, Play okay. Plus. So you do have ACH. What about the the Seven Eleven option? It's called Pay Near Me. Is that available in Reno? Yeah, Pay Near Me and okay. Cash at the Cage. You know, PayPal. No I'm, I'm looking. I, I see. I see right here. It says that it doesn't say anything about the fees, unfortunately, but it does say that the daily deposit range is ten dollars to thirty thousand. Now you say for you it's eight thousand, but they're claiming thirty thousand on this. Uh, well, Reno. Audit. Well, Reno would actually know. Reno, when you deposit, have you noticed? Are there any fees associated, or is what you deposit what you get? Maybe he's winning. No. Maybe he wins so much never, he never deposits. No. There's no fees. So, so you've done you've you done PayPal on there, right? But that's on yeah. you, though, isn't it, Brandon? I mean, drop right because I can choose to send it where I'm paying some juice, but I have some some ways no, to uh, no. But but I think that only applies if you're buying an, an item. You're not buying. I mean, you know what I'm saying. If you're purchasing something from a buyer, if you're doing this, it's just right. like if you bought like a pair of shoes. You're not like if you bought well, a no, pair of you... shoes from like a real te- a right. retailer. It's not asking you if it's friends or family. It just goes through, and it's like a purchase. Right. That's if right if you purchase it through the checkout. I see what you're saying. Okay. Cause yeah. I got it. So I'm, like, re- I'm, I'm sure really curious. Noise. Right. So I'm really curious if the, if there are any fees and if there's not like someone must be paying. There's no way PayPal is just doing this for free. So they, there's a reason PayPal is is accepted. And Let me ask you. What what is that woman's name? Who's the the, the so-called director? Oh, uh, the, the, the Danielle Burreal. So if she tried to if say like her husband tried to deposit on PayPal, would he have to choose friends and family? <laughs> All right, that was a joke. Uh, the other thing I was going to mention is there's Jeez, a Harris downtown. Crowd. There's what? So I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can deposit at Harris downtown, which isn't is going to be there very much longer. I was just going to say, is that even still open? I think August first, they're laying off like 400 and some people. They're turning into a uh, city city center. Yeah, it, it, it's it's turning into like a non-gaming property, right? Right. Yeah. Well, you like condos and shopping and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, if it's August first, at least it's after the World Series uh, online, so at least people can deposit there before that. But uh, yeah. there's a Harris, Harris and Harvey's up in Lake Tahoe. Right, but that's that's kind of uh, that's a little bit of a pain to go all the way from Reno to just to deposit. Yeah. Well, you know what? When I when I've looked on the options for deposit at the cage in the past, it's only shown Vegas. 
So I don't even know if it's set up. It's never given me an option for, you know, it's listed the Rio Caesars Planet Hollywood because you have to list where you're going in advance. And it gives you like a barcode, even for a deposit. I don't know if that means you can up there because there's nothing that listed or maybe because it knows from my address I'm in Las Vegas. I don't know. Either way, it could, it could be more uh, could be more clear. I mean, they could. Well, they could be more clear. There are 7-Elevens, seven but I don't know what the limits are. It's 500. 500. Hmm. Well, this is a... Well, Reno, are you planning on playing in any of the bracelet events or trying to maybe salad into one? Yeah, I was thinking about playing maybe the $400 one. Yeah, Reno wants one, he wants one a seat uh, from a Poker Fraud Alert contest to play in what, the Colossus or something. <laughs> That's where I met him. Wait, yeah. what now? How did, how did he do that? Compliments of Split This. Split this. Believe it or not, I don't even people, know the story. You know, Split this uh, sent me a money order for uh, five hundred sixty-five dollars for for to give give away a uh, seat at the Colossus some years ago, and uh, I, so she sent it to me, and and I held a contest. I forgot what the contest was, and Reno won it. So I, I met him there in Las Vegas, and I, I gave him the seat. And you know, going back a little bit since we're reminiscing. What was the story on the guy that on the old NWP once won a $10,000 seat in the main event and people were making threats on his life, you know, okay. on his kid's life? Okay. Well, <laughs> it, was, it wasn't that. Here, here's what happened. Um, th- th- that seat had all kinds of issues with it. That was the, the infamous seat that uh, Bodog agreed to give away that uh, we almost lost. This is when oh, – the uh, Never Heat? Yeah, never when, when Never When Poker was owned by Poker News and, and we prank called Bodog to try to get Never his account back and we were making fun of them because the the, per, the, the person who was uh, – the customer service agent was being ridiculous. Like she wouldn't – she would not say why his account was closed. We were try, we were pretending to be his attorneys and she wouldn't <laughs> say. So we thought she wasn't willing to say because we were on the phone. So we're, no, we we're, thought was, no, we just tried to get her to admit it was a secret. Well, well that, no, that that happened right after. So we said we said is it because it's uh, it's us? We could hang up. Well, our plan was we were just going to pretend to hang up and let him uh, let, let them just tell him. So she says, no, 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 I can't tell you whether or not you guys are on the line at all. And we said, well, why is it such a secret? She says, well, it's not a secret. Well, so okay, then tell us the why were why was the account closed? And she says. I'm not allowed to tell you that. We go, well, then it is a secret. She says, it's not a secret. We just can't tell you. We go, okay, then what's the definition of a secret? This went back and forth, back and forth, and she just would not admit it was not a secret. <laughs> and she was like, she was like of Caribbean descent. Her English wasn't great. So it was, it was pretty funny. It was a funny was call. So, so what happened was, uh, Bodog heard about this and they were furious that we were humiliating their customer service reps on there. And, uh, and so, they called Poker News and said, the deal's off. We're not giving the $10,000 seat away anymore. <laughs> and, in fact, if this continues, we're going to sever our whole uh, marketing partnership with you guys completely. So then I got this really angry uh, email from Robbie Davies, uh, rest in peace, uh, who somehow came to like me later. I don't know how. But at the time, he, he wasn't a big fan of mine. Yeah. And, and Robbie Davies uh, really went off on us for this, that, that we're, we possibly ruined a sponsor. And well, that, some, might, some might say he got what was coming to him. <laughs> so, 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 we were, so we were uh, – so, so we – we, uh, so I said, okay, let the, whoever this angry Bodog rep is, please have him call me. I will apologize. Like I tried to make the situation better. So this – Toronto-based Bodog rep called me 
and I had to kiss ass the whole time, and 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 I kept apologizing, saying we were just trying to help this guy get his account back, and that we thought it was kind of funny, and we thought the users would appreciate. It. We weren't trying to humiliate humiliate Botog, but the 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 Canadian Botog rep, he was like he he didn't want to seem like he was a stick in the mud, but he was. You could see how pissed he was. Like you could hear his, in his voice, He's like. You know, I, I, I thought the call was funny, but uh, I have a sense of humor, but it made the company look really bad. <laughs> so, I mean, if you can imagine every vein in Mason Malamute's neck and chest and face puffing up when, like, him and Druff are getting into it, and Druff just comes up with a great one-liner, that's how this guy was. Yeah, the guy was furious, but he's trying to say, oh, I thought it was funny, but uh, he, yeah, he didn't think it was funny at all. He just wanted to sound like he wasn't that mad. But, but anyway, I, I talked him into... Like not being as mad, so then he called Poker News and said, "Okay, final offer. We will do half of this. So we will give five thousand, and uh, you guys will give five thousand. So Poker News agreed, but they were pissed at us because it cost them five thousand dollars. They thought they weren't going to have to put up, but, but the contest was still on, and it was won by a guy who went by Dougman CT. And Doug Matt CT is actually a, a very smart guy, and he was actually he did a lot of good work with uncovering uh, information for the Absolute Poker scandal. But um, people didn't know him very well there, and I forgot what he did. But after winning that, I, I know what it was. It, he didn't do anything. I remember it now. It's come back to me. It's been twelve years. But everybody was mad that he won it because they wanted it to go to a member of the community that everybody knew very well, and. He was an occasional poster, and when he posted, he posted good stuff, but they didn't like the fact that he won it in, in whatever contest this was, that he won it. I think it was through a, a free roll they had on some other site. Wh- whatever it was, they were very mad that he won it, which wasn't fair to him, and I felt bad for him because he hadn't done anything no, wrong. No, I think it was something It was something on PokerStars. It was a term on PokerStars. Yeah, won. that's what I mean. It was, it was like something yeah, where yeah. some like, – yeah, so, so people were, were bitter that he's the one representing Never Win Poker because they kind of pictured it was going to be one of the regular posters there, and when it he wasn't – He got some hatred. Right, he so got he, got, hatred. he got massive hatred, and they, people were just so nasty to him there, and then at some point people looked up his information and figured out – his, you know, and, and, and like looked up his address and posted like I never understood the vitriol and some of it went on I forgot where I was I was on vacation somewhere but like half of it happened when I wasn't around to see so like I, I, I wasn't even around to defend him that much but when I saw what was happening I felt really bad and uh, and that pretty much drove him off of uh, a forum. See, he, he was <laughs> and, now he did play wearing the Neverwin poker hat we, we saw he posted a picture of him playing but uh, that's not what he expected the, the, the community really was hoping to root somebody on that. And they, the whole they irony knew. is, if we knew if we knew then what we knew now, how much did never he probably roll Bovada back in the day? <laughs> <laughs> well, we knew probably he. We actually knew he probably rolled them, and we that's what we wanted. He was willing to let us call up, and he was actually willing to give. Yeah, a, but on the phone he gave us before radio. I remember this clearly. He was because Mike Con asked him. You asked him. Did you do anything? Be honest now. Just tell us. We'll st- no, I swear. Like he was def- saying he. I mean, that doesn't mean anything, but I remember before, off the air, he was insisting that he knew nothing. He didn't scam them. He had a clean account with them, and I mean, that's what he said. Yeah, I, know, I, I remember that, and I, but I, I didn't really believe it. I didn't tell him I didn't believe it, but mm-hmm. I thought, okay, what's the chance that never he, of all people, just 
got wrongly accused of something and he didn't roll them in some way. Like I, I, I didn't want to say that, but I, like that's what I was thinking. So it wasn't sh- like I was kind of expecting they're going to drop something that he did that he didn't tell us about and it was going to be funny for radio. I did not expect well, the whole, of course. I didn't expect the whole funny thing about the, the, the secret. And then also they had funny hold music too. The hold music was really funny because at Bodog, uh, we have all kinds of great World Series of packages you could win, which are full of swag. And we, we just like all busted up laughing when we heard them say "full of swag." Jesus! So they did not like that call because we were just laughing at that the whole way. We were, they kind of looked like fools from the whole call, and they turned into like a. They were kind of like the victims of, of a comedy act. But you know what? Looking back, we didn't use any racial epithets. Which no. I'm just saying for that site at the time, that's kind of rare. We were. It was just funny. It was good natured. It wasn't mean or anything. We didn't insult anyone. They did overreact. I no, mean, they totally overreacted, to, and, and they. It and, wasn't bad. It was a funny call, like. We, you know, we never got out of line. It was just, it was comedy. That's what, I, and that's what I told was. the guy. That's what when the guy called from from Canada, I said this wasn't meant maliciously. We we still have respect for you. And we were very happy you you were doing this contest with us. We were we thought this would be a funny thing everybody could laugh at. And I, I the only thing I didn't tell the truth about is I said I said we were seriously. I didn't say that never he was shady and we were doing it for comedy. I said that uh, there was this guy who was very sincerely telling us that he couldn't get his account fixed, and we thought maybe we could help him. And then it kind of turned into something funny. And then wasn't and, there wasn't there some other offer like that they said well only pay half and like they were asking Micon to pay the other half or something like that. No, no, that, that was, I, I, that was at poker news paid the half. They, they, they never asked. Oh, Mike that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. They, they okay. did, but, but they were mad at us. That was part of, that's like one of many things that made them just kick us out and, and we had to start our own site, which uh, worked out great. So, uh, <laughs> well, you know, at least Marty was CC'd in all the emails. That's all that matters. Yeah. But no, Robbie Davies, I, I don't know if you saw on, when he died, I posted, I actually posted a very nice, uh, tribute to I him. I read it. But, yeah, because I, I, I was so shocked. He's, I, I had not known that his opinion of me changed. So when, when the whole thing was over and we left Donkdown, or we left to go to Donkdown, we left, we went to, from Neverwin Poker to Donkdown, when the whole thing was over, I knew that they hated MyCon the most. I knew of all of us that, that MyCon was the one who exasperated them the most and they hated him. Because he that, kept asking them for money. Right. And, and he he also was rude to he was rude to the Lithuanians all the time. He always was degrading to the Lithuanians. So right. so they, they they really all hated him there. But So I knew that. I knew that MyCon was the one they really didn't like, but I knew they didn't care for me either. So I, I thought they were happy to be done with all of us. And then I was shocked a few years later when Robbie Davies responded to some tweet I made about Poker Fraud Alert Radio and he had definitely listened because he commented on something I wrote and it wasn't even anything about him or Poker News so he really had just listened to a show and then over time he would respond to things I would write he was clearly listening to the show I don't know if it's every episode but he listened like way more than once he listened a lot and then uh, he even helped commission an article that appeared about me in 2013 that that, uh, in Poker News that was pretty much like an advertorial that promoted Poker Fraud Alert that I paid zero dollars for he just offered to do it for me. So he, he was very, uh, he really, it really changed between the two of us where I went from someone who uh, I didn't care for very much and didn't care for me to at some point, I think it was from the show. He got to appreciate the show and he thought a lot better of me. So, uh, may- maybe the fact that I didn't like MyCon anymore helped. Maybe I didn't even think of that factor, but I wonder, I wonder if my falling out with MyCon is what changed everything. He just never told me. See what I can't ask him. Because I know, I know the real hatred was for MyCon. Like when they, they, they even put like a cryptic message at the bottom about how it's, uh, uh, it got run into the ground by donkeys. You you heard that right? MyCon's gone or something like yeah, that. I remember that. <laughs> but you know what? Stay tuned for Neverwin's blog on new ways to improve your poker. <laughs> I wonder if Which, Neverwin. Course, is, jo- I, 
I wonder if the he's still joke playing. is the blog. The joke is the blog never came. So. Yeah, I wonder if he's still playing on on uh, on seals or. Uh, I know he was for a while. Never went. Somebody told me. Who was it? Oh man, somebody from PFA, I guess. But somebody reliable told me that he was playing on one of those that they were in a game with him or in a club or whatever it was in one of those poker bro sites. And I want to like say it was a limit game, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was no limit. And he had a lot of money on the site. This was recent. This was in like the last three months. I think it was someone from PFA, but I can't remember. But someone told me that, that he was on a poker site. Yeah, I hear these stories or, every so often, like uh, about like never win playing. I, I hear two different stories. Like I'll, I hear stories of him playing and kicking ass on certain sites, which people aren't really like aware of that he's playing. But he's like he's like playing and winning a lot of money. And then I also heard hear stories of him like losing a ton of money or like owing a lot of money. I don't know what to believe. Like I don't know if Neverwin has a lot of money now or is broke. I, I don't know what to say. I, I could believe either one too. Yeah, I guess both could be true. That he, <laughs> if it's the same neighbor huh. when we once knew. So. Well, I mean, yeah. I guess huh. I could ask him. I, he'd probably tell me if I just ask him. He, you know what? You know what's funny? I don't know if you know this, but his girlfriend listens to the show sometimes, and will huh. make weird phone calls here, really weird phone calls during the show, uh, where she'll talk a little bit, and you'll hear him kind of like mumbling in the background, but he'll never like get on and actually talk. It's like some girl he he was with when he was like eighteen that he's back together with. Did not know that. Yeah, that's and they've been together for a while in Chicago. So it's uh, I, I should I should try to get him on one of these days. I mean, he, he maybe he should be the next one. People have liked the interviews I've done recently, so maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll try to get never one. I know he's probably friendly with Micon. I wonder if they speak like once a year, every so often, just catching up. Or even discussing, because I know he got into the, uh, yeah, the Bitcoin, cryptocurrency yeah. pretty strong. Yeah. At least he was a couple of years ago. He might be, but uh, like I don't think he'd hold it against me. Like He never wanted to get really involved in the whole fallout oh. with me and Mike on, as far as oh, I know. So listen, not to create drama or anything, did you You might not even know this. It's just funny. Uh, a few weeks ago, and I don't, I don't read Mike on Twitter much, because it mainly is about stuff I'm not interested in, but... A few weeks ago, I happened on his Twitter account one morning or something, and, and I, he was it was in the middle of a rant. He was going off on against stars. I don't know if you if you read. No, I didn't if, see if this. You, I, see, he has me blocked. So I, he, he has me blocked, so I have to go like specifically like on an account I'm yeah. not logged into to go read it. So basically, basically what happened was apparently when he moved to Ant- Antigua, uh, he tried to get an account on stars, and they and they immediately blocked him, but they wouldn't give a reason. Uh, why? And he had like $600 on there that stayed on there. That's what he claims for like five years. It was just in limbo. So that's how you know Mikeon has money, of course. Like, you know, if he needed it, he would have been bitching for six years to get it. So apparently, I'm not making this up. Apparently on Twitter, he claimed that he finally got stars to release his $600 uh, six years later. And again, not ever finding out why he was blocked. So he could trade that $600 to a kid in Canada who is going to mail him some of these mint or mango jewel pods. Those are like the e-cigarette pods, but they're banned <laughs> in the United States. So he was doing it, and then he you know, remarked in his normal sarcastic way how proud he was that he was trading the Stars money. They might have, Stars might have even just transferred it. I think that's what actually he got, he got them to do. But it was to some kid he didn't know in Canada to get these pods. I don't know if you know what they are, but those, you know, they go for like in the e-cigarettes, and they're flavored, and they're banned in the U.S. now. Anyhow, so he was so proud of that. But he was going off, and then there was somebody else. What's her name? Uh, oh, God, what's her name? Kristen Bricknell. 
the reason how it all came to be was she was complaining about the same thing, that stars would not validate her account. They didn't give her a reason, and customer service just ignored her. So Mike kind of jumped in there, told his story, and a whole thread developed. It was, oh. it was funny. It was entertaining. I'll have to go back and you look at that. I want to check it out. Yeah, maybe we'll go back and look at that. That's a, I, I, I have a feeling, if I had to guess, that it's because he ran a competing site at one point. They just didn't want him there. Well, I mean, or that the fact at that point he was a convicted felon. Oh, yeah, for, yeah, that's right. I mean, it could have been for, that too. for running an unlicensed game. Yeah, it could have been that, too. And, yeah, they just didn't I want I mean, that's it. what I would guess. Yeah, but. that's right. Yeah. That's probably what it was. Well, that's that's the way it goes. So okay, yeah. let's let, let, let me see. Oh, and uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, do you know about the Arizona car? The Arizona casinos, the three casinos that have yeah. closed, the Gila River casinos, because of a death that uh, a death of yep. an employee. So it wasn't just an employee with COVID; it was actually. An employee who died. Now, and, I, I guess and, the guy had some pre-existing conditions, and and he say he was someone who was. It wasn't just like a regular healthy guy who got caught COVID and died, but nevertheless, and sadly, you're probably going to see that here eventually. It's only it's inevitable. I mean, it really is. Right, because there's a number of people that uh, there's ways of either just elderly employees or employees who mm-hmm. have the pre-existing conditions, or once you Listen, just get really unlucky. You go to Caesars on a Friday night and you show me a cocktail waitress that is under sixty-five years old, and I'll I'll be impressed. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Union, God bless him. Yeah, that's not to get too much off the topic, but I've I've never agreed with that. I I think this is something. It should be seen like kind of like a performative job, much like how uh, they're not required to keep uh, strippers who are 65 years old. Uh, the cocktail waitresses should be in the same category. If if the re, if part of the requirement for the job is is uh, holding a certain uh, a certain standard for your looks. Which of course age comes with, then uh, there, it should be the the age discrimination laws or or union agreements. It, it just shouldn't exist. It should be understood that cocktail waitresses are hired in part for their looks or mostly for their looks, and uh, that even ones that were very pretty when they were thirty years old, if they're sixty five, that they're not going to have the same look anymore. It's it's going to be like a different person. People aren't going to want to look at them anymore. Except for maybe Steve Wynn, so I don't. I never understood that. I know it's a union thing, but uh, it, it is so, so weird. They're in these like little skimpy outfits, and they're seventy years old. And uh, I remember the days when it was not like that. In fact, uh, some some of these cocktail waitresses were, were already around forty when I was first able to gamble. It's a sad thing. Yeah. And now now I'm getting close to fifty. Okay. Uh, by the way, Brandon, it's been a while since you've been on here. So, uh, how much, how concerned are you? I know we talked about our protocols for everything, but how concerned are you about the coronavirus uh, itself? Like, how how worried are you about catching it, and what's going to happen to you? Uh, I mean, I'm pretty concerned in the sense that I, it's constantly on my mind when I leave my house. Meaning, I mean, it doesn't matter where I go. Or who I see, I'm going to wear a mask. I'm going to protect myself. But it's not to the extent like you where – and I'm not mocking you. I'm just being honest where, you know, if I did go get a pizza or, you know, did something, I'm not coming home and thinking about it. You know, but again, you know, there are days that go by that I don't leave, that I don't go anywhere. It's not like I'm every day running around and and doing all these things. Um, But, you know, I guess the best way to answer your question is I take the best precautions I can. I use common sense. And, you know, I just – for whatever reason, the way my mind works, I can come home at night and I can, you know, rest easy. And it's not, uh, you know, there are times where I think about it, 
you know, like I'll, I'll start coughing just for a second or, you know, something or something aches me. I'm like, oh shit, is this, you know, something, you know, something like that. Just a, a quick brief moment. But for the most part, no. I mean, it, it's, I've, I'm managing. It's not something that's dominating my thoughts, but. But, but what about like, like uh, what, know, what you're thinking will happen? Like if you get it, do you, do you believe you're going to get this, uh, fairly badly or there's a, or there's a decent know, chance the that you're going to, you're going to really struggle from it? It's funny. That's a great question because I'm right at that age. I'm, you know, I'm in my, my early forties or mid forties now, I should say. Pretty soon, I'll be 45 in December. Uh, so I'm right at that age where it could go either way. You know, where most likely it would not be, you know, wouldn't be easy. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, it, listen, it, I mean, it's a concern. Of course it is. And the first, I think, you know, month and a half, two months that this was all going on, I barely left the house, especially when the casinos were closed. You know, no one was there's, there was nothing to do. I mean, no bars were open, nothing here. Everything was shut down, other than the grocery store and. You know, you have to, I also have to consider I have a, a elderly father, you know, who's in his, in his seventies who I help with, you know, take care of. He lives in Vegas. I mean, he's in good health, but you know, still he's alone and, you know, I help him with shopping and company and things like that. I don't want him to get sick because that could potentially obviously be a death sentence. Um, but now, you know, with, with everything opening again out here, you know, if there's something I have to do, you know, grocery store, whatever it is, like I said, I just do it as safely as I can and I just try not to think about, you know, what's going to happen in 14 days or, you know, I'm just smart about it. I'm just really smart. And, you know, the, the one thing is I dodge everybody. Like, you know, I make sure when I'm going through a, a grocery store, whatever it may be, I'm away from everyone. I'm just, you know, zipping and zooming like real fast. And I'm, you know, just going around everyone. I'm not in lines. I'm not next to people. If someone isn't honoring the six feet, seven feet, you know, social distancing protocol, then I'll even move. I won't say nothing to them. I'll just move further. So I'm smart about it. Uh, and I don't think I'm going anywhere unnecessarily. I mean, some might debate the free play stuff, but you know, what are we going to do, man? I mean, like you said, say this is never, never corrected. I mean, at some point, and I, you know, and I, I thought this, this is what I think the country is going to do now. The country is not going to go back into another lockdown. Once the state comes out, it, we're not going to go back to where we were, you know, cause then we're just, our economy is just going to completely dissipate. So I think, uh, after what we've been through, I think they opened everything up too soon. I mean, I was saying that, you know, I was telling my dad, I was telling friends, I'm like, they, they're rushing this. They should have waited longer. But now that they've done it, I know there's no turning back. And I think what we're going to see eventually is whether someone just straight up says this or not, we're all just going to have to take our chances and do the best we can do. Meaning that they're not going to you know, be able to, I mean, if you can stay home, if you have the money and the resources where you don't need to work, you don't need to go out, then do it. But for the people that don't, that need to get back with, out in society for their livelihood, you know, they just are going to have to do the best they can to take their chances. Yeah, I, mean, I, no, I, I, said, I said on a previous show something similar, that especially because this this could be a, a danger that stays with us forever or for a very long time, like for, it could even be decades. So uh, people got spoiled in uh, the people currently alive today, except for maybe those who are very, very old, have always lived where you're just – there isn't anything like this that's just killing people. Except uh, you, for the most part, people were dying either uh, if it wasn't from like accidents or acts of violence. For the most part, if 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 you're dying early, it's because you had some kind of uh, unusual hereditary condition, which which killed you early, or you got super unlucky. But for the most part, you didn't have to ever walk around as as a kid, as a teenager, as an adult, middle age. You didn't have to walk around really fearing that something is going to sicken you and, and kill you or, or, or really damage you. All of that had been 
beaten. Well, the gays, the gays with the anal. Well, yeah, that, that was the only no, thing that was, was joke. close. That's a joke. Well, no, but that was, that, that's, that's actually joke. it's a joke, but it's actually no, it's actually true because yeah, that was, but I'm, that only, I'm, but because that was only a small a small percentage, and it was behavioral. Um, that that was different. This one is not. Yeah. So so yeah, so the, so the thing is here. If you go back a hundred years, there were people. There was no antibiotics. And people died all the time at, in middle age, in young adulthood, in teenagers. In fact, it was not uncommon to have families where multiple kids uh, didn't make it, where you'd have families that had six kids and only four of them grew up, that two of them died. Listen, there are people, there are people that spent almost their entire childhood in, in iron lungs back, back in the early yeah, that, 20th, 19th century. Yeah, yeah. Late. So there was a lot of uh, – there's so many different diseases that could get you. In those days, and there was just people just live with it. That was just something that people knew to live with. And then, as the years went on, antibiotics came out, and then, and 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 then there's all these vaccinations, and all these uh, uh, formerly deadly diseases disappeared. And 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 pretty, it got to the point. It's been this way for many years. Like if you go back to the 70s, same thing. That and pretty like my whole life, there was no fear of any disease taking you out uh, until you're old, or unless you're really unlucky. So. There was nothing like this before, and that didn't mean that we would never have it again. And it's possible that this is just a new thing, much like in the old days when there were a lot of things that could kill you. Here there's now one thing there that may kill you that's just going to be forever present and that the kids growing up with it today, while they're not really susceptible to it, that uh, they may just learn that this is just part of life, much like you learn that other dangers are part of life, such as I, I described Getting in a car that you know every year a, a certain number of people die in car accidents and a certain number of other people are maimed in car accidents where they're never the same. And you, you're not afraid to drive. You just have known ever since you were a little kid that there right. is some, some chance of death on the road and that's that's the way it is and if, you just hope you're not one of them. If it's the only thing you know, then it's just, it's not ever going to be foreign to you. Like yeah. you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It won't, it won't be yeah. that the, – the, the longer that passes – the more it will actually start to become ingrained in normal life if this lasts the long term. And it'll take some time to get used to. And there will be some who can never really get used to it. But uh, as more time passes, people will just learn that this is something you have to deal with and that may kill you, may damage you, may sicken you for a long time uh, and have a horrendous two or three weeks but maybe just something that people have to now deal with as part of life. And there may be some things that change uh, as a result. Like there may be like buffets may never come back or things like that, that have been in American life for a long time. Some big, some small may just change because of this. And we're, we're still feeling our way around this thing. And uh, we're still near the very beginning. Hopefully, we, hopefully in the best case scenario late this year, a, a, a very effective vaccine comes out or a very effective drug therapy comes out that can stop it if you catch it early that pr- stops it from progressing beyond uh, the early stages and that would be a huge game changer as well even if they can never come out with a vaccine if they could keep it from getting past like say worse than flu-like symptoms for almost everybody if you jump on it fast that would pretty much eradicate the concern uh, at least for most people so uh, that's uh, the problem right now is that we're pretty much in the same boat that we've been since the beginning where if you get it you just Hope and pray you're not going to be the one who dies or gets it really badly. And uh, that's that's the way it sits right now. And, I, and I've said before that even though things are reopening, it, it can feel like that means things are getting better. But they're actually they're not. not. It's actually just as dangerous now as it was two months ago. It just doesn't feel of that Of course way. it is. They just have no choice any longer. They just yeah. can't. 
I mean, you know what I mean? Like I said, it's really every man for themselves. Like there's, there's, there's nothing else they can do. And, and if not, if not, our economy literally is going to shrink to the point where we're like considered a third world country, you know, at least on yeah. the level of our, our, our economy. I mean, without a doubt. And also, what is, what, yeah, right. That's, that's correct. And there's also something else I thought of the old people. Um, I think they're more, I know a number of old people who aren't that afraid of this and just go about daily life, uh, with taking a lot more chances than I do, yet their danger Listen, is I've, much higher. I've seen people in these casinos and I'm looking and I'm trying to think like, like, where do you come from? Like, what, where are you? F- I mean, they're in their 60s, 70s, even in their 80s. They're not wearing masks. They're walking around. Like, and I'm just thinking, like, are they not educated? Like, do they don't? I mean, what, what are the different theories for somebody that's. Well, I, I, I think I know because I. In their 70s, like, they don't care. Well, I'll tell you what I think it is. I'll tell you what I think it is. One of these, first of all, it came. We have someone on our site who is, uh, who is older. I am Greek is 77. And and he listens to every show and he posts on the forum occasionally. He's a very nice guy, but uh, he's seventy. O P A O P A. Yeah, Opa. Yeah, Opa. Opa. Yeah. So he's he's seventy seven, and he said his attitude about this is that he's seventy seven. He doesn't know how much longer he would live anyway, even if this were not here, and that he does not want to spend his final years just hiding from this and then dying of something yeah. else and saying, why did I spend the last few years? And I thought, oh, you know, I never thought of it that way. Because, like, if, I, if someone I told me – I write a post. Yeah, if someone told me – just wrote right, if so, about that. If someone told me, like, this is going to be gone in three years, I'd go, let's say someone could see the future and it says in three years this is gone. I'd go, okay, well, I guess I'm going to be very cautious, barely do anything for three years. Why? Because I'm not expecting that I will otherwise die in three years. I will expect after three years I'll have a lot of, still, a lot of quality years still ahead of me in my life where I am both alive and able to do things. Because in three years I'll be fifty-one. Uh, for him, when he's seventy-seven, you know, he may he may think, okay, but I might not even be alive in three years. So, so that's that's one way of thinking. The other thing is, when you're that age, there's a lot of things that can get you. You're, they're constantly now not infectious diseases so much, but but somewhat. Look at the flu. The flu kills them too. The flu is 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 also very deadly for that age group. So there's a and then there's a lot of things that are not infectious, but that also kill you. you Sudden heart attack, cancer, strokes. Uh, there's all kinds of ways that you're going to die some abruptly some not so abruptly but that you don't have that that long there's so death is not that far at that point and everybody that age is aware of it so while our age would like oh my god we you know look what could happen to us from this either you know we could die we could have a horrible experience we could, it could damage us for and, and bring down our life expectancy by damaging our lungs this this is very shocking to think about for someone like you or i who pictures that we have decades still left to live and and left to live normally but when when you're 77 years old, you're looking at it differently. You're looking that you know that it, it wouldn't be unrealistic for you to just have a heart attack and die that day, or or uh, or, or come down to be diagnosed with cancer. These wouldn't be shocking things to find out at that age. So they they've been living with the possibility of death coming very soon or immediately for a while now, and that's why this is less yeah, scary. Still, it's one, it's one still, of many you things. Can, you can you can still put on a mask though. No, it, I you, mean you know. Well, the mask. You know, you know what about the mask? The mask more prevents others from getting it from you than you getting it from them. But but I the, the better question is why they show up at all. If you're 80 like I if I was 80 something there's no freaking way I would go anywhere like a casino. I mean I there I would I would feel like I the 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 consequence of catching it is just so terrible. You have uh, I mean the chance is so high that you're going to die from it. It's not it's not I mean, you're in a, you're in your forties and you won't eat a pizza. Yeah, right. So that's that's what I'm saying. Like I, I the, I'll, like I've said, before, I don't know if you've 
seen my posts about this, I've said it before on this show, I don't even think there's much of a chance I'm going to die if I get this. I could get really unlucky, but that's not really what I'm worried about. I, I am worried about uh, it causing permanent damage. I'm worried about an absolutely horrendous few weeks. And I am worried that it's going to bring back the psychological issues I had from 2018 and that this time maybe I can't get rid of them like I did in 2018. That's Those are the things I am worried about with it and why I really don't want to get it. But death, I, I don't think is much of a chance of that because I, I don't really fit the profile of that. Uh, it, it wouldn't be as unlikely as someone 25 dying from it. I know that, but uh, I, I know I have some chance of dying from it. That's not like tiny, but it's it's pretty small. And so, uh, so, but I think that's why the older people. I think number one, they don't want to wait this out forever because they don't know how long they have in, in their life normally. And and number two, they they've been dealing with the threat of death for a long time from a lot of things. So there's just one more thing to add to the pile. So that's that's. Uh, and that's a, a way it's it's kind of hard for me to think that way because I'm not at that stage in my life. So that's uh, I think I think that's what some people are overlooking. And I think that's why a lot of older people are not as cautious as you would expect. I've even seen young parents with kids like kids in strollers going through casinos. I mean, not a ton, but I, maybe seven or eight occasions. And I've only been you know out a few times. No masks, no precautions, like rolling a stroller with like two or three kids. It, it, Without wearing masks. Believe it or not, I don't see that one as outrageous because if the parents are young and if the kids are and the kids are not going to get anything from it, the, the kids do very well with this. So if, and if the parents are like thirty, uh, they're probably fairly safe. The old people, I don't understand. Well, though, but it's like what you said before. Then maybe you know you should still be wearing it just so others don't get it from you. Right. I well, mean, no, I think they should. I think they should require. Yeah, I think they should require it. In fact, I feel bad. Like if I would feel bad being around anybody without a mask. Like I'll sometimes like jump out of my car, like let's say I'm getting gas, okay, and I'm filling my gas tank, and I'm not wearing a mask if there's nobody around. If I'm the only one getting gas, I, I, I don't have it on. But as soon as I see someone else pull up, I'll jump in the car and quickly put the mask on because I, I would feel bad being out there without the mask, even though I know I probably don't have it. That person doesn't know what I've been doing. So they, they don't know how cautious I've been. So uh, I, I don't want people even seeing me anywhere near them without it because it looks like I'm, I'm being a jerk and don't care about them. So, uh, so I, I, I will if I see anyone entering, like even another car pulling up before they can even get out, I'll, I'll jump in the car and put the mask on. And and of course, if I go anywhere else where people are walking around, I, I have the mask on, no question. Like when I went to the vet, I had the mask on before I even walked in there. So, uh, yeah. So that's uh, there, there's and there's always people doing stupid and reckless things, and uh, uh, and then some people who just. Are, are seemingly brave about this, and I, I don't understand it. Like people who are our age, they're just like, "Yeah, I'm not worried about it. I'll just go out. I'll go out and play poker. I'll go out and do this. I'll go out and that." And for some reason, they're just not that worried about getting it. And I don't know if it's because they have never been that sick in their lives before. But this is different. I've told people never how well you've done so far with not getting sick in your life. This is different. This this can be the one that that, uh, that you're going to say, "Oh boy, I wish I." Hadn't done this. It's, it's something you can't pick. I mean, it just takes it. it just takes one pandemic, and that's it. I mean, yeah, you know, you could have run good your whole entire life. Yeah, I just don't think this is. Uh, well, and just for the first several months, and then you forget your mask, you do something, then boom, you know. Yeah, there's right. There's so many different opportunities to catch it. That's it's a good point that as, as time passes, you and that's, that's that's why I stopped going to the grocery store. When I when, one day, I, the reason I made this decision to stop going to the grocery store is I came. I remember I came back from Target and I was just so stressed. I was going through Target and there was some kid coughing by me and I and I was like that made me uncomfortable. And like, a, 
I was so stressed in there, and finally, when I got out, I said, I can't do this again. I've got to find a way to do online shopping. I just, I cannot go in this place again. And I, I came back home, and I told my girlfriend that I made a decision that I can't do this anymore, that I'd like her to be on board with this, and that the problem is, if this was just a matter of a week or two, the chance of us getting is very low. But the, if, if we go out over and over and over again to the store, that it's going to add up to hundreds of times, and even if there's a 1% chance of getting it there, we'll get it after all those times. So it's, it's a matter of exposure over and over and over and over again over a long period of time. And I said, I don't see this ending anytime soon. And so I, I don't want this to accumulate all the, ch- the small chances of catching it on an each individual trip. I don't want to accumulate where we end up getting, uh, uh, getting it. And once one of us gets it, everybody in the house is going to get it. So let's just, uh, let's just all stop. And I wasn't sure what she was going to say. I thought maybe I'd get some pushback, but she said, no, no, I agree. You're right. So that's why we've done what we've done. And uh, I, I guess this is where there's a benefit of not being with someone younger than me. Because if I was with like a 25-year-old, I don't think I'd get the buy-in here. But uh, since she's near my age, she agreed. And uh, at least I don't have to worry about Benjamin. That's the one good thing. At least uh, there's no fear about that. Because uh, if this was killing kids, like, I would be stressed constantly all day and all night about this. Well, listen, and you know what? You're very fortunate you have online poker. Imagine if you didn't have that. What would you do with your time? Right. That's Well, I'd be making Roblox games more. <laughs> that's what I'd probably be doing. Yeah, well, you know what? That would get old pretty fast if that's all you could do. No, I, I, I've thought about that when I sit there playing. I thought, you know, this is this is fortunate that I was already an existing online poker player and that I already had money on the site. And, like, I, it's like... It's just a continuation of before. Like in that way, there's no disruption, and I was I was, right. I was glad about that. Well, that's also, but that's also your main big, uh, you know, deterrent or whatever you want to call it. You know, hobby. You know, just time killer that you have. I mean, you know what I mean. Imagine if you had all that extra time that you're playing poker and you had to find another use for it. Like it, it would be, you know, just think about that. You're lucky in that sense. Yeah, I, I know. I know for that that uh, I'm not as. I mean, there's a lot of ways I'm not as affected as, as other people, and I and I am thankful for that. And, you know, people who are badly affected by this, I, I feel for them because there's there's not a lot they can do. This this is one of those cases where sometimes people have misfortune where they contribute to some of their own problems. But the, in, the, in this case, it wasn't. In this case, it was something that just happened where you could be doing everything right and you're out of the job and can't find one. And then you apply for unemployment and then you have some fail and they, they, they're not sending you the check and there's nobody to call about it. I mean, it would just be infuriating because, you know, you did nothing wrong. You did You did everything you're supposed to. And, and then you're, you're left with no job, and, and if you don't have enough money saved up, it, it can be incredibly stressful. So uh, it's, it's a problem. Okay, I want to talk about the Gila River Casinos. There's three of them. They're in the Phoenix area. They're not in Phoenix, but they're kind of like, like south of Phoenix, near Chandler. There, there's three of them. They closed for at least two weeks because an employee died. And it was someone who had pre-existing conditions. I don't know much about him, but it wasn't just someone who was healthy. But still, it was a COVID-19 death. This is what they sent out to people whose email addresses they had, like customers who have been there before that had registered. Dear whoever, to protect the safety and health of one and all, Gila River Gaming Enterprises, Inc., which, by the way, is Indian casinos, will again temporarily close Gila River Hotels and Casinos, Wild Horse Pass, Lone Butte, and V. Quiva, which is the name of the three casinos, to reassess its current safety standards. 
The decision came after a careful evaluation of the growing enterprise's current safety plan with the Gila River Indian Community Council and feedback from its community and team members. Now, of course, being Indian casinos, they could do what they wanted. They were not forced closed by the state. They could not be forced closed by the state. They they chose to reopen on May 15th, and they decided on their own to close. The closure will be effective for all three properties beginning at 2 a.m. on June 18th and will be in effect for two weeks. The enterprise will use this closure to see whether the recent rise in Arizona COVID cases subsides and to reexamine every aspect of its operation. This includes disinfection procedures, social distancing measures, health checks, testing protocols, masking, and how to best protect workers and everyone who visits the properties. During this closure, all team members will continue to be paid in full and receive full health benefits. Throughout the closure, Gila River hotels and casinos will continue to monitor updates from the Centers for Disease Control and the Arizona Department of Health Services and will update its safety protocols, procedures as necessary. Sincerely, Kenneth Manuel, Chief Executive Officer, Gila River Hotels and Casinos. So that is the first death I know of since this reopening that came at a casino regarding uh, COVID-19. So they were open a little more than a month. Open May 15th, close June 18th. That is reopened for more than a month. And uh, supposedly it's two weeks, but they, they're not guaranteeing they're going to reopen in two weeks. They're just saying it's going to be at least two weeks and we're going to reevaluate at that point. But when this happens elsewhere... As we just said before, that is the question as to what will be done. What will happen in Vegas when employees actually die from this? Will they close? Or will they just say, well, I'm sorry, this is too bad, but this guy had a pre-existing condition? Like, I mean, they can put it sensitively, but at what point do they feel the pressure to close or will they be forced closed if someone both catches COVID-19 there and dies, especially an employee? So that remains to be seen. And you have to think with the mass numbers involved, it's going to happen. So that uh, that's unfortunate that occurred, but we're going to be seeing uh, more and more of this, and we'll have to see what happens from that point. But anyone who thought the reopening was going to happen and we weren't going to see stories like this was naive. That's that's the downside of the reopening. That's something that was to be expected. That reopening was going to equal, at least in the short term, more deaths, more cases. And, and by the way, remember the stupid predictions that by June 1st we're going to see no new cases or no new deaths or something like that? that was, I knew that was insane. I never understood those models. Or the, the summer's going to come. Who said that? Oh, they were saying this for a long time with the, with the predictive models that the government was using. And there's going to be 60,000 total deaths. Uh, uh, by June 1st, it's going to be down just about to, to no deaths a day. It's, it's going to be significantly better by then. I never believed that. It never looked like it was ever trending that way. It never. It, now, the good news is it didn't look like it was spiking up exponentially to unmanageable levels. That was the good news. The bad news was it, it never seemed to be declining sharply. And I'd hear about these sharp declines. It wasn't. I never saw the evidence of that. I saw kind of like a, a slow decline that started kind of like in mid-May and, and, and continued until these reopenings happened. And now we're going back up. Well, the reopenings and the protests, combination of the two, has, and probably the more testing is making it more difficult to see whether we're getting way more cases. But we're definitely getting more cases as the reopening. And if we didn't, that would be shocking. So uh, we're just – everybody, not just the casino industry, but everybody's going to have to understand and decide for themselves what acceptable level of risk there is and just go forward. 
because there is going to be one. There's going to be a level of risk, and there's going to be, have to be some point where we say this is acceptable and this isn't. And they, they like they canceled Coachella for the rest of the year. First it got moved to October, then they moved it just to April 2021. So they decided that's just not going to happen. That's just not an acceptable risk at this point. Uh, casinos, right now they're saying it's acceptable, but who knows. But uh, Brandon's correct that it's a lot harder to close again once you've reopened. It's a lot easier to keep something closed that was already closed than everyone's accepted as closed. To reopen and go, oh, sorry, we're actually taking this back away from you. People aren't going to put up with that. It's just not in the com- in the country's culture to really put up with that. People are naturally questioning a government, naturally rebellious, naturally uh, – uh, they don't just go along with what they're told to do easily. And this is true of pretty much Trump, all – most Americans. It's Trump, it's Trump not wearing a mask. He's creating all this animosity between the mask wearers and the not mask wearers. And how – you know, that that's the problem. It, it's many problems. You don't it, think it, that's it, like the biggest part – don't, no. That, what do you mean, many problems, Brandon? What's your opinion? <laughs> he wants to get some here. different opinion. <laughs> well, about where? About Trump? About you Trump? Sorry, about if Trump oh, were he, he, trade a risky the thing. Mask between the not mask wearers. Well, what's what's say it again? What's the question about Trump wearing a mask or not wearing a mask? Well, right. Well, in other words, that's what's creating. When you say, "Why are these people not wearing masks?" He's not wearing a mask. They think it's gone. You oh. know, it's just like this whole. And then it's an us versus them thing, and it's ridiculous. Well, listen, you know, you have, you know, going into this, if there was any president that wasn't going to maintain the status quo and was going to be defiant and wasn't going to wear a mask, it's him. I mean, you know, Obama, if he was president during this, he's getting every photo op in the world wearing a mask. But someone like myself, whether Trump wears a mask or he doesn't, it's irrelevant to the decision I'm going to make. I'm not any more or less likely to wear it because he is or he isn't. I, I and feel, maybe. A, I, I agree with that, uh, but like, it's, I, I don't think this is the main factor. Uh, the, the U.S., like compared to like South Korea, where South Korea says everybody needs to do this for the public's own good, and they have a culture over there where if the government says this is what you need to do for the public's own good, you trust what the government tells you, and you do it. And I'm not defending it. I'm, I, I wouldn't actually like to live in a place like that, but uh, but that's uh, that's the culture over there. And that's what a lot of the Asian cultures are like in the U S there's always been, especially recently, but even not recently, even you go back before we were born, there's always been a distrust of government. There's always been a big, uh, a big value placed on the individual and the individual's rights and, uh, not being told what to do. This has just been part of American culture. It's very hard to have everybody get on the same page and do something because the government tells you you should, or you need to, uh, there will be buy-in to some degree, but it's a lot harder than elsewhere. And uh, and and so they they got people for the most part to buy into the shutdown for some time, but you can't put this on a yo-yo. Once 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 you reopen, even if it would make sense to close again, uh, people aren't going to put up with it. People are just are not going to want to. And that's why that's uh, once you commit to that decision, you're kind of stuck. And I I don't believe that has to do with the president. I think that uh, now what I do think the mask wearing versus non-mask wearing. That that has become partisan, and uh, and I think the people on the right who don't wear masks just to make a political statement are stupid, and I think that uh, people on the right who are denying the seriousness of the coronavirus to make a political statement are stupid, and I have had issues with some people on the right about this. I've argued with some people on the right about this, and I've said you can keep all of your political views 
and still be as conservative as you were before and take the coronavirus seriously. You don't have to just because you have some other people on the right who, who are acting crazy and, and feeling like this is a, a partisan battle. You don't have to treat it that way. You can take the disease seriously and, and still take issue with everything else the left does that you don't like. And I said that's that's been my approach. But I, as you've heard on the show and you've seen in my post, I've never been a coronavirus uh, denier or, or, or a mask uh, refuser. And, and it's nothing to do with it, my own personal fear of it. Even if I were uh, 30 years old, I, I would have the same opinion. At 30 years old, I wouldn't be afraid of it. But uh, but I would be I would have the same opinion about the disease itself. So uh, I, I agree that's happening. I don't know if it's Trump himself or just the general uh, right wing view, like it's if we take the coronavirus too seriously, the mask wearing too seriously, we're giving in. Uh, but but then, as I said, I've, there's, there's there's a lot of stupidity on the left where they just they, they want to blame Trump at all costs. And and I, I don't want to get into the whole political thing, but I've seen there where they will blame Trump for things that aren't his fault or, or they won't blame China as much as they should because then that takes some blame off of Trump so they don't want to blame him. Uh, and, and I see ridiculous things like that where uh, the, the number one goal is to make Trump look bad and, and re- more important than being honest about what's really going on. And, and so that's where I, I have a lot of issues with the left on this. And also I, I've seen the left uh, doesn't have a good plan as far as if, if we don't reopen, then what do we do? Like, uh, yeah, I, I agree it's not ideal to reopen, but, but, but what do you do? When is it? Because we don't see anything coming down the pike that looks like this is going to be better anytime soon. And if, if it looked like this is going to, going to get significantly better, like they're going to have a, a cure or a vaccine that works very well on August 1st, I would say, yeah, it would be stupid to reopen now if we could just wait out to August 1st and save a lot of lives. We don't know when it's going to come. It may never come. So I, I, uh, how stupid would we feel if a year from now there's no progress? And we'll have shut down all this time and destroyed the economy and created a depression. That would be – you'd feel really stupid at that point, reopening then, again with the same danger, and uh, and you'll have shut down all this time for nothing. So we shut down to prevent the, the hospitals from being overwhelmed, and that was accomplished. And, and now, unfortunately, uh, you kind of have to feel out what the right thing to do is with the reopening. But I do feel there had to be a reopening – but I'm also not surprised of what's happening. I think that's just something that is uh, inevitable, and it's kind of a new reality we have to live in. But uh, you know, I, I don't. I just don't think people are going to go for a closing again. I just don't think it's in. And the funny thing is, I would. Like if, if someone said, "Okay, it, 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 it turns out this is too dangerous. We need to close." As long as there's some kind of plan in how we're doing it, and it makes sense. I would, I would, I would never take the attitude like, "Well, you let us do this last week. Why can't we do it this week?" That's never been me. I want it just to make sense. And and I think people who are approaching this rationally want it to just make sense. But then there's many who are approaching it irrationally, and I've seen that on both sides, to be honest. And uh, and, and I've expressed on the show over time what my issues have been with both political parties and how this whole thing's been handled. I want to get away from this for a second, or not for a second, I want to move on to a different topic. Um, helper software, and this, this could actually affect uh, WSOP.com. I, I don't know if this software works on there, but bot, botting and, and helper software, these things have been around for many years. This is not a new 2020 story, but there's a new version of it that, that is pretty disturbing, and there's a YouTube video that came out that uh, that has been... It was been actually since February, but it, it recently became much more public because of some accusations about cheating on GG Poker, and this has to do with 
a basically bot software that you are the operator for the bot. Basically, the bot is telling you what to do, and then you move the mouse and do it. And the reason this is so bothersome is because it's actually scraping the data from your screen on your first computer where you're playing poker, like on GG Poker. It sends the information over to your second computer. Your second computer does all the processing and then comes up with the right moves to make and even gives you percentages it recommends to do things, like a, like 75% of the time raise, uh, 25% of the time call would be advice it gives you. And then you decide which of these to do. And, it, and it's really it's recommending, not, not like how sure it is, but it, it's recommending how you mix up your play. So it's really saying, like, next time you get in this situation, uh, like every four times you get in this situation, if it's 75-25, one of the four times, do the other one. Otherwise, do it these three, three times. So whatever's the higher percentage is, the, is actually the better play, but the lower percentage one is, is to mix up your play so people don't uh, catch on to your play style and you become too predictable. So that, that's the way bots work. Except it's you operating it, and it's giving you all the information on a second computer. And the reason this is a big deal is before, at least, the bots were able to be caught by the better pieces of poker software. So a lot of people were afraid to run bots on PokerStars, because PokerStars had a very good security department. They were able to inspect the processes running on your computer and detect when these sort of programs are running in the background. Or they also were especially able to detect when it was moving the mouse for you. But even if you had something on your screen that you did all the mouse movement and all the clicking, PokerStars was still able to detect when these helper programs were running in the background. I, I don't know exactly how they did it. It was by inspecting processes in the computer, maybe inspecting uh, the, the, the CPU usage of the computer. I, I, I don't know exactly what means they were using, but they were pretty good at catching them. And then if they caught you, they would confiscate your balance and kick you off, so people stopped risking it. People were deciding on – I mean, it's not that nobody was botting there, but it was a lot harder to get away with on PokerStars. Uh, and, and other sites that had uh, good software were able to catch this. But with this now running on a second computer that can scrape your screen on the first computer, send it over to the second, the second computer advises you what to do, and then you, then you act accordingly, that's very hard for the site to catch. I guess they can look for any kind of screen scraping, but I don't know how easy that is. So there, there's a concern that uh, this is going to create new bot rings, because essentially these are bots. It doesn't matter if it's a human actually clicking the buttons. If the bot's making the decisions, it's still a bot. That this can really, really make online poker much harder. And with many people playing online poker now compared to before, because of the COVID-19, some people are very concerned that uh, this is going to make the games unbeatable, and that maybe several of your opponents will be using these programs, especially these programs are not all that expensive to obtain. In fact, the video that is showing them play is showing them play at two cents, four cents, no limit. Now, this might just be for demonstrative purposes because the person actually exposed their screen name as they were using it in the YouTube video demonstrating it. So maybe this is like a throwaway account that they're playing at very low limits and then they were never going to play it again just to demonstrate it so you could see it, it was really real and actually operating. But... Uh, People are concerned that maybe this is not going to be confined to the upper and middle limits anymore. Maybe that there's going to be a lot of lower limit people using this and that it's easy to use and it's software you can buy and that it's very hard to counter. So there's some people believing that this actually could lead to 
the end of online poker as a career for a lot of people who are not using things like this. Basically, an end to winning poker play for the non-cheaters. And they, that it's not here yet, but maybe it'll eventually get there. And that unless they find a way to stop this sort of thing, and and I don't know if there's a way. I'm not an expert in that, and I don't know if there is a way for the poker software to be able to tell if something is scraping the screen. That would be the only way to detect it, because all the processing, all the advice it's giving, is all being done on a second computer, and you're seeing the other computer telling you what to do. It's almost like having someone ghosting you, except it's a computer. So, like, there's absolutely no way to stop ghosting if you have a guy standing behind you telling you what to do. There's no way the poker site could ever know that. This is just like that, except a bot is doing it, and it's telling you what to do on a second computer. So that's and it, it really works. It's it, there's a video you can see it. You can go to Poker Fraudler and the Scam Scandals and Shadiness forum, and see this operating. Now I'm going to ask you guys. I know you both play online poker. I know Trader Ruski plays some uh, Bovada tournaments, and I know uh, Brandon. You play some on WSB.com. Um, th- does this sort of thing scare you? Are are you thinking like uh, uh, eventually you're you're going to probably have to quit if this becomes too prevalent or, or are you just thinking as long, as long as I can play and show a profit, I'm not going to think about it too much. Like Brandon, how do you feel about this? Well, I am these days playing on uh, WSOP mostly PLO and actually I'm only playing PLO and Omaha eight or better. So those games, I don't think is going to be the focus of that as much. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely something that I monitor and uh, I've never used any. I've never used any software. Even back in the day when people were using HUDs, I never used any. Any of it. Never have. Uh, but I think eventually, yeah, it will. It is going to get to the point eventually where uh, everyone's doing it, or so many people are doing it that you really you're at such a great disadvantage of if you don't. Um, which is kind of a shame because right now we're like experiencing. I mean. I don't know. What would you call this? Like a mini boom? Yeah, I mean, it's like a mini boom. Some, yeah, that's what I call it. Yeah, like I would. Some people have used the term second boom, and I, I don't think it's. You can't even compare it to uh, you know two thousand one, two thousand two, et cetera. Um, but no, I, I think that's the future. I think sadly it, it's going to get to the point where at least no limit hold'em. It, it's completely solvable, and somebody can just pay twenty nine dollars a month, or, or not twenty nine dollars a month, twenty nine dollars, you know, a one time fee or whatever it is for. The software, download it, and and it's scary. Like, I mean, it just if everyone's doing it, then I mean, what what would be the point anymore? And not only that, um, but the sites that take people from outside the country, uh, the, these are much more popular in places like Eastern Europe, where uh, and the reason they're more popular is because uh, it's it's harder to make uh, a decent living in places like that. So there's there's a there's, there's a, a smaller middle class in those type of areas. So usually you're either rich or poor in a lot of those countries. Uh, the Russia, Russia is a good example. So, so people will scramble to do things to make money, even unethical things. It's just kind of like you learn it. You, you just kind of learn, I've got to do this to survive, otherwise I'm poor. So they rationalize this. and they'll, So that's why you have these giant bot rings from, from Russia and from Latvia and a lot of other countries like that. So any site that is allowing that, uh, that, that, that is, has international players on it, is more susceptible because you'll have a lot of people that will buy this cheap software and and sit there playing 50 cent $1 and use it on there. And and you'll have big rings of people doing it where you were where there's so many there's like one guy doing it you're not in that it's not going to affect you that much but if you have a lot of people on the site doing this where you're running into a few of them at each table this is going to be a killer. 
and these things play uh, in a, a style that is very hard to beat, if, if not impossible, because the 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 reason it does this percentage thing is is it's a bot's one vulnerability is predictability. So the only way it can con it, it can uh, counter that is to just throw in plays which are not optimal sometimes that leave the other person guessing, which in live poker wouldn't be that effective because there aren't that many hands. But online poker, because there's so many hands that go, eventually people start to recognize patterns of certain opponents and and they uh, and they try to adjust to them. And if there's some opponent no. who's, who's doing who's, – who's, uh, let's say you see an opponent make a crazy move 10% of the time uh, in, in a certain situation, then the other 90% you'll, you'll have to call them down much more lightly – because you'll recognize that, so it becomes much harder to beat them. And it can be uh, there. There are play styles these bots have come up with that are basically unexploitable. Is this mainly right now for No Limit Hold'em? It's not covering any other genre of poker. Um, the tool that was demonstrated in this video uh, does seem to be No Limit Hold'em, but uh, there are, of course, uh, bots that play other forms. Now, I don't know about PLO. How how effective? I know there's solvers for PLO, but I know that. Uh, because there's four cards involved, I, I know that uh, it the solvers. I, I, I've heard the solvers are not fast enough right now to run in that yeah. fashion. Um, the uh, now, the site you're referencing that's on on PFA under the scams and shadiness is that software like live now? Can someone actually buy it and be using it? Yes, I, I don't know. I don't think I don't think it's commercially for sale. But there's apparently a lot of people. It's going around to where people there's rings of, of uh, people using it, probably all in the same bankroll. And uh, th- this came up. This video was from February and got very little attention. Then it was actually made by someone demonstrating that it works. This is not made by someone exposing it. This is made by someone uh, demonstrating. Oh, look at this! Look how it's working. Uh, and and then. On June 15th, someone on 2 Plus 2 posted about a ring they suspect is using this on uh, on 888. And that they think this uh, this person actually – it was actually a Russian making this post. But it was a Russian who claims to be a good Russian that is not actually uh, – that's not doing anything wrong. He's actually reporting the wrongdoing. And the then, data miner. Right. And, he, and he's getting a lot of flack, which I don't think he deserves – uh, for being a data miner, so he this guy posted a a long list of players on 888 that he feels are using this, uh, and he, he did a lot of analysis. It's actually a very good write up. It's uh, it, it's not a super light read. You have to like read it carefully if you really want to understand what's going on. But uh, but if you just want to skim it, I, I have the link to the two plus two post on the scam scandals and for- shadiness uh, forum on Poker Fraud Alert. Uh, he lists a lot of screen names, which I, I won't bother reading. They're not very meaningful. On 888 that he feels are, are cheating, all using this tool, and he made graphs of, of their play style being identical and the, 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 the percentage of time they do certain things is, is incredibly similar. So even when they don't play the same hand the same way, they're all doing that the same percentage of time, which is very suspicious, that when they, when they choose to be unpredictable, they're unpredictable the same percentage of time. So the so he 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 put together a great report about all these different accounts that very strongly fall into the category of almost surely botting, and he wants eighty eight to ban them. But the idiots on two plus two, not every single one of them, but the majority of people on that thread are bitching at this guy for being a Russian data miner, saying, "Oh well, well why are you why are you mining so much data, huh? Well why are you doing that?" 
Do you just want to get rid of the competition? Is that what's going on here? You're mining all the data on their play styles, and you've determined there's bots there, so now you can get rid of some winning players by getting rid of the bots, so you can beat everybody with all your data mining? Huh? Huh? Like that's that's the way they're treating the guy. And look, I mean, data mining is going to go on. It's been going on since the beginning. That's not the same as botting. If you're making your own decisions and you're just looking at at I mean, that's a different story, the data mining, but there's no way you can put that in the same category as botting. And, and regardless, the guy is coming forward and presenting something that is very likely to be true. So who cares why, why he's doing it or, or how he came upon this information? If he's presenting this to us, and if it appears to be the truth, which it does appear to be, then let's talk about that. That's, that's the important thing here. And that's the, the worst of the two crimes is committing. If, if, you, if you want to call them crimes, by far this is the worst thing. It's it's like it's like someone uh, goes into he's going to breaks into a store late at night to to steal a few things when it's closed and when he breaks in he sees the the owner of the store is molesting a kid there when he thinks there's nobody around to see it and then he goes and reports it and people are like yeah you know I, I don't really care about the child molestation going on there why were you breaking into the store to steal things like I guess that's a good question but but that's not the main thing we should be talking about and same thing here like if they've caught a big bot a big ring of people using this thing here. And if it's like an undetectable piece of software because it's using two computers, that's much more discussion worthy than some Russian mining data, which to me is expected and very boring. So it's, as usual on 2 plus 2, there's a lot of idiots focusing on the wrong thing. But but it's interesting. If you want to go take a look at the thread on, on Poker Fraud Alert, it's called uh, Real-Time Poker Advisor Software. It allows you to play as if you were a bot. You can watch a 12-minute video of the thing in action. I recommend running it full screen because whoever made this video didn't do it very clearly, and it's uh, it's hard to see some of the details. So blow it up to full screen, and and sometimes it's blurry and then it clears up again, just the way the video was made. But you, you'll get you'll get the idea. You'll see what's going on, and and basically what you're watching in the video is you're watching one screen is the is computer number one, and the other screen is computer number two. So you'll see that kind of like two different boxes. And the second box is what the person on computer two is seeing. The second and third boxes are both on the second computer. And that's the other computer advising you how to play. So, yeah, it's it's a – it can be a real concern, especially if you play No Limit Hold'em. And I have to imagine these – I don't know if they put much effort into them because the game's not as popular, but Limit Hold'em would be even easier to make such a bot. So the the, the fewer decisions that are possible, the easier it is to make a bot. So uh, that's that's disturbing to see, and I have to wonder at what point does online poker stop being viable, or at least on sites like that. Maybe things at WSB.com, where there's no international players, it's less likely to have that happen. Uh, I, I don't know what the rules are. I assume, Brandon, you don't know either. If someone were to use a bot on WSB.com, could anything happen to them besides just being kicked off? Could they even confiscate their money if they were caught botting? Like, what would happen? I've always you wondered, is that, is that like a crime I to do it? I don't know. There's nothing in their terms of service that talk about that. Like, that specifically, whether you're, – you're saying whether it's actually criminal if somebody did that. Well, there's two questions. Because is it criminal, and, and do they have a right to, to confiscate your money? Well, I'm sure they could confiscate your money. I, I, I You know what? I'd have to sit there and, and look again. I was actually looking through their terms of service the other day because somebody I know wanted to twitch – uh, 
wanted to play a WSOP event and Twitch it live. And they asked me if that would go against their terms of service. And I said, I don't think it would. Why would it? But let me check. So I went through the terms of service. And, of course, there was nothing about that. But I didn't see anything either. It's so funny you're mentioning this because I literally just was reading their terms of service yesterday. Um, but anyhow, no, it doesn't It doesn't address – it addresses HUDs, um, but it doesn't address, specifically address bots, nor does it specifically say – uh, if any form of cheating you could be prosecuted for it just it does say like we have the right if if you're gaining an unfair advantage something along those lines it says if we have reason to believe or proof that you're gaining an unfair advantage we can close confiscate ban so on and so forth so i think that would fall under that you okay. know obviously yeah but I, in terms of anything criminal i there was nothing about there's nothing nothing written about that and i would assume if anything ever happened it would be the first time that's ever happened yeah that, you know what i mean that would definitely be uh by the, the way, first th- instance of that i think i can answer your question about twitch at least as of years ago there was a guy who was broadcasting on twitch we talked about on this show on wcb.com and that part was fine what wasn't fine is this genius actually was broadcasting himself using a hud on twitch oh jesus <laughs> and people reported him and believe it or not they didn't even ban him they just gave him a warning which people got really angry about they're like unbelievable they're like wait a minute if, if this isn't bannable he's actually broadcasting himself using a, using a hud <laughs> what a dummy i forgot who it was but uh, people were were pissed about that one and they, and they wouldn't explain it they just said nope we've we've uh, we've warned the user he will not be using it again and that's that uh, I, I think of course the guy claimed oh i just didn't know it was against the terms which of course he did but he but that's yeah so that's I, maybe that changed, but I'm, I'm guessing it probably is okay to use Twitch. So not much more to say about this. It, it's uh, it's just I don't like to see these things. And and when I play, I like to think I'm not up against bots, but I I've been up against bots in Limit Hold'em before. I, I my favorite bot story in Limit Hold'em was uh, many years ago when I was still on Bodog when you could play Bodog before it became Bovada, and uh, there was a suspected bot who was a big-time winning player. You had PokerTableRatings.com track that, so you could see who was winning there. This guy, a consistent winner, never chatted and played like a bot. He had a lot of bot mannerisms, called down a lot. Uh, he had that kind of, that kind of like defensive bot-like play style, which is a winning style, but it was it was something very bot-like, and the guy never chatted, and his timing always seemed suspicious. It, just, it, it really looked like it was a bot. Didn't have proof, but we thought it was. Anyway, the software had a bug where... Um, if there was a third person in the game sitting out and you're playing heads up, if you sit out with certain timing and sit right back in, you can get the button over and over and over again. So, of course, against a human opponent, nobody would tolerate this. If you did this to someone twice in a row, they would sit out and, and report you. So I decided to try a test against this bot, the suspected bot. I said, well, what if I pull this trick on him? If it's a bot, it will not notice it out, and it'll keep playing me, give me the button every single time. Sure enough... I got to play 80 consecutive hands against the suspected bot, taking the button each time heads up. <laughs> so that was, I mean, talk about a certainty. And just in case you think, well, maybe the bot thought it was so good and that maybe it, it, was, it thought I was a fish and I just was overrating myself and the bot thought it could beat me that way anyway. No, because of poker table ratings, I actually was the biggest winner on the site that year. So there's no way that that bot would have said, oh, yeah, I want to play this guy, and and I'll take the big blind every time and and let him take the button. There's no chance that any winning player looking up my stats or having played with me a lot, as this guy did, would have wanted to do that. There's no chance. 
And, and of course, this guy was was a big winner on there, so there's no chance that he was just a, a guy who didn't realize that having the not having the button 80 consecutive hands is a big disadvantage. So we played 80 consecutive hands, and then the operator at the bottom must have walked over and finally seen what was happening, sat out, and then typed, fuck you to me, and, and left. And that also showed that he just discovered something. Like, Why would he play 80 consecutive hands without the button and then type, fuck you? So the guy reported me, of course. And and, and so so I got I got a call from, from just like that same Wait, Toronto what site? What site was this? On Bodog in, in 2010. Okay. So I, I got a call from the, the office in Bodog, from t- in t- the Toronto office again, and I talked to another angry Canadian middle manager. And I said, hang on, hang on, let, let me explain. I wasn't trying to cheat or exploit anything. We've been complaining for years that this guy is a bot, and you always told us we don't have proof. Here's your proof. And I explained to him all the reasons why this proves this. And I, I, and I said, how can you otherwise explain why a good player who's consistently won on here would play another consistent winner that he knows is a consistent winner for 80 hands straight without the button. Why? So, so I said, this, this, this should be it. This should be the smoking gun. You can ban him now. Nope. I was the one who he wanted to ban. He told me that they're going to give me one more chance. If I ever exploit this bug again, they're going to ban me. So I said, okay, I, I can understand why you don't want me doing this, and I won't again, but can you at least ban this? He would not listen. He said, you, we have no proof he's a bot. That's your opinion. We are not taking any action against him. This call is about you. It's not even like they said, we're, we're, we're looking into him, but we can't tell you it's none of your business. He actually said, we are not taking action. We, 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 we do not feel he's a bot. That's your opinion. We don't have to comment on, on what your, uh, your, your assertions are. And we're just telling you, don't use that. Don't exploit that bug again. We're banning you. So I had no choice. <laughs> I, I posted about it on, on like 2 plus 2 or something, and I think on Donkdown at the time. But uh, that was it. So that was that was it was very satisfying though to do that to that bot eighty hands in a row and and talk about something that was fitting like I I felt so good doing that because here is here is someone who is cheating using a bot all this time and it was something that could only be happening if he was cheating so it was an advantage I had because his advantage software wasn't working right and didn't it, or not so much wasn't re- working right but wasn't programmed to deal with that situation. So, uh, well, I would never do this to a, like, I would never do this, like, to a fish who just didn't know better, because that would be unethical. But I knew I was doing this to a bot. I knew that this guy was a winning player. He wasn't a fish. The only way this happens is if, is if he's cheating, in which case, F him. And it, I, I would have played a thousand hands against him this way and taken all his money. Because he would have deserved it. That's what happens when you use an automated program when you're not supposed to be using one. If someone finds a way to, to trick your program into being stupid, then that's your fault. So it was very satisfying to play those 80 hands against him. And even when he quit, I was disappointed, but I did laugh at the fuck you because I knew I got to him. I knew I pissed him off. Of course, never found out who it was, but, uh, yeah, there's, I mean, I know I've played bots. That's, that's one of several that I've suspected over time. And, uh, I, I would be naive if I thought that I wasn't playing bots. I may still be playing bots on Ignition. It's hard to tell. No, no screen names anymore. So can't even track that these days. So that's uh, unfortunate. Okay, um, moving on. Have you thought of Annie Duke in a while, Brandon? Have I thought of her? At, at all. I don't even think of her every day, but wh- when's the last time you thought of her? Well, funny enough, I did see the, the post before I came on tonight about somebody 
there was a Yahoo story or whatever it was. Yeah. So, but before that, so obviously then, but before that, it's, I don't know, years. I mean, I, it's, I can't even tell you. I don't watch televised poker, at least not like the old stuff back in the day. So I don't see her on there. There'd be no reason to think of her. So it's been quite a, I mean, unless something was ever brought up the last time, uh, what was it? Epic poker or something similar. Very rare. Yeah, Very same rare. with me. Same with me. I, I just don't think of her much because she doesn't really play poker anymore, and she just goes around doing, uh, making speeches. I think she's actually making good money going to, to do corporate speeches and stuff like that. And she's she's exploited her uh, being a woman in poker that's perceived as being uh, as once being a great player, who I think is overrated, by the way. But of course, in corporate America, they don't know that. They just know that she's a female poker player who had some success. Who's Thought of being really good, thought as being really good, and then she makes these pseudo intellectual speeches that, on the on its face, if you don't think about them too much, uh, sound like really deep stuff. Like she she takes really obvious concepts, relates them to poker, uh, writes a good speech about it, and makes it seem a lot deeper than it really is. But when you when you're done with the whole thing, you think, wait a minute, I didn't really learn very much here. She kind of just told me a lot of things that are obvious, but that the way she's putting them kind of seem like she's really bring something new to the table. So she wrote a book along those lines called Thinking in Bets, Making Smarter Decisions When You Don't Have All the Facts. And we actually played her appearing on a podcast where she gave some examples of stuff she talked about in the book. And I was laughing at a lot of this because it was just so lame and so obvious. And it it really was just her stating the obvious with a lot of things and, and relating it to poker in some way. The basic theme of this book, it's a few years old now, the basic theme of this book is that uh, instead of just making decisions just emotionally or just kind of deciding willy-nilly without really putting thought into things, uh, always assess your risk, the upside, the downside, the chance it'll go right, the chance it'll go wrong. Uh, Almost think of everything in life like it's a a poker game and the way you make decisions at the poker table, especially like in a poker tournament. So you're, you're... you're always calculating you're making decisions based upon incomplete data but you're you're figuring out what the right move is at every point based on everything you can see that, that's basically her whole book so th- so we talked about this a while back but someone presented to me an article on Yahoo now Yahoo a lot of people think Yahoo is a legitimate site if you read something there it's a real news story it's not Yahoo like many other sites including many in poker, like Poker News, will run advertorials that are paid pieces where they're covering a topic they would otherwise never cover at all, and then they're promoting something. So they're leading you to some book. They're leading you to some website, leading you to some service. And they kind of work it into the article. They write about something that seems interesting, and then they somehow squeeze in there that they're mentioning that uh, some commercial product or some, something you're supposed to buy or be interested in uh, in buying or seeing – uh, that's connected to the story. So that's definitely what's going on here. There's on Yahoo. The, ar- the article which just came out, even though it's about a book that's not new, is called Big Family Decisions Are Just Like Poker. And it's by someone named uh, Steve Kalikman, who I've never heard of in poker before. Presumably he's just a, uh author of clickbait articles on Yahoo. So here here's the how it starts. Should you call the bet? Should you leave your job? The poker table might not seem like the place to go for guidance on decision-making, but the game is about calculating risk and reward, all in what Annie Duke, a retired poker champion, 
decision strategist and author of Thinking and Best, Making Your Smarter Decisions When You Have When You Don't Have All the Facts, calls, quote, a cloud of imperfect information. Poker, it is said, is life distilled into a game. In both, to use the internal words of Kenny Rogers, you have to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Ugh. You think when Kenny would die that they would they'd stop using this? I, I hate when they write things like that in the poker articles. It's just so trite. There, there, yeah. there are moments during a poker game when you'll have full confidence that your hand can't be beat, that you, quote, have the stone-cold nuts, says Trisha Cardner, licensed psychotherapist, poker player, and author of Purposeful Practice for Poker. Have you heard of Trisha Cardner before? Either of you? No, no clue who that is. I actually do. I know who it is, but only for one reason. She hates Mason Malmuth. Uh, when Mason Malmuth released his psycho- his psychology book, his poker psychology book, which wasn't even so much a psychology book, it was kind of a misnomer, but when he released that, Trisha Cardner, who had a uh, a competing book, and she is actually a licensed psychotherapist, she was trying to bash it from the standpoint that Mason Malmuth has no training in psychology, which, which is true, he doesn't, and she, and she had some valid points. And, and by the way, because I mentioned that she had some valid points on Poker Fraud Alert, Mason is holding a grudge about that. Like sometimes when me and Mason argue on 2 plus 2, he'll say, and I saw you mention that I don't have a psychology degree, but you you forgot to – like he'll bring this up out of nowhere from, from like when I said this years ago. Like a- anything I ever said about Mason that was negative, he remembers, and he'll throw it back in my face many years later in a totally unrelated argument. It's so strange. But uh, Trisha Cardner went back and forth with him a lot – as to who had the better poker psychology book, because she is the licensed psychotherapist, but probably not much of a poker player. We've never heard of her. And, and Mason Malmuth, uh, well, I don't know how good he is either, but at least he has experience in the poker world. But uh, but she, he's not a, a psychotherapist of any type. So anyway, uh, she appeared in this, and there's a link to her name, and then they mention the book she wrote. So this is like a double advertorial. <laughs> it's like an advertorial for both, it looks like, but more for Annie. Uh, mostly you have you have to make a decision. Sometimes it's the call or raise. Other times folding is the wise move. But when you're already heavily invested in a hand, your thinking gets murky. In such situations, folding is no longer seen as an option, even if your hand is likely to be beaten, because so much money has already been pushed forward. In poker, the latter situation is known as being pot stuck. No, it isn't. It's pot committed. <laughs> I've never heard pot stuck before. Have you heard that before? I've never heard it put that way. Never heard that. Yeah. I mean, I've been in poker like almost 20 years. I've never heard pot stuck. So the author doesn't even understand poker very well. Like, How hard is it to Google that term? In business and life, it's known as the sunk cost fallacy. Now, that part's true. In both, effort or money already spent is causing you to stay around even though it's a losing proposition. By the way, that's what happened with these uh, poker players who donated to the Minnesota fund that they – they have a sunk cost fallacy. They already donated to it, so they have to defend the decision rather than uh, criticize its shady behavior. Anyway, back to this. The sunk cost fallacy sinks a lot of people. How many friends do you know who've stuck it out with a job or relationship or house or so-so daycare provider because they've already invested in it? There are many reasons a person remains committed as notions of ego, pride, fear of failure, or more come into play. But there are ways to think about such situations, and poker players can teach, teach us all a lot. 
Good players know when it's time to move on to the next hand. The question is how they do it. And, and this is pretty much her whole book, which, again, like if you don't think about it too much, this seems like, like oh, wow, that's that's really a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I know people like that. I know people who've made those mistakes. But you go, well, wait a minute. Like, they pretty much just told you the whole book right there. Like, that, that's all you need to know. You've just read the book. During a poker game, information is on constant display. You can tell how tight people play, how, how they respond to being raised, how quickly they bet when they have something. You just have to notice, believe, and use it, Car- Cardner says. So back to Cardner now. Uh, it's, it's also context. If, if two amateurs are going to battle it out, giving her the chance to move up on the money board, is, it's, it's not a hard fold because she's playing the long game, not just that one hand. It's essential, Duke adds, to know how much money has already been played in order to calculate the return on a possible bet, the pot odds. If he, and then they explain pot odds. I won't be bother reading that. Uh, there's one more part in play, a mindset shift. After you bet, Duke says, uh, the money belongs to the pot. Believing you still own it makes you want to protect your sunk costs. Ego is big, a big part of this instinct, says Dana Greenberg, professional of organi- organizational behavior at Babson College and co-author of Maternal Optimism, Forging Positive Paths Through Work and Motherhood, with a link to that as well. <laughs> I'll give this author credit. He squeezed three different advertisements into this one article. Uh, by the way, there's, there's more. So I, I'm not going to read the rest of it. Uh, the, the, scr- scrolling down quickly, there is uh, a fourth book that's being promoted, one by uh, Ashley Wilhans, Time Smart, How to Reclaim Your Time and Live a Happier Life. <laughs> so, so Annie Duke still, uh, but then she's quoted at the end, uh, like at the table, you're going to not, you're trying not to make the same mistake over and over. With experience, you'll gain the knowledge to inspect the roof and ask about your future boss's intentions, matters you'll never have connected before. The past is helping the next move. Quote, you'll want to live in the moment and five years from now, not five years ago. It's a brand new decision today. Um, now there is, I'm not going to dispute these conclusions, this is all true. I'm just saying it's not deep stuff. It's stuff you can say very quickly. You don't have to give like 30 examples into a whole book about this thing. You can you can apply this so easily to so many things in life. Uh, and, and it is true. Some people in poker start to learn to think that way. I, I noticed that for me that happened. Uh, an example is driving and getting tickets. That I view getting tickets for speeding differently than other people may view it. Uh, because a ticket's not going to break me financially, it's annoying, and uh, there, there, there's some financial consequence to it, especially in insurance, it's not going to break me. So because of that, uh, instead of looking at the cost of, of a ticket that I would get if when I get pulled over, or the subsequent cost of the insurance from getting pulled over, I look to spread this out uh, along uh, all of my trips where I don't get pulled over. <laughs> And I see if it's worth it. So I, I look at, like, how much money will, how often am I going to get pulled over? And then how much money is that going to cost me on average when it's all said and done because I got pulled over? And how often am I doing it and not getting pulled over? And how much is that time worth to me? Well, you're saying that you have a parking ticket solver that you run? No, I have a moving violation ticket solver. It's, uh, <laughs> it's close, though. It's close. It's, it's on a second computer, though, so nobody, the cops can't see me yeah, running okay. it. But, uh, so DMV can't spot it. Yeah, but uh, but that's uh, like I think of it that way, and, and like when I'll be pulled over, I'll be really pissed off in the moment. Like, ah, oh, well, damn it! Like sometimes I'll think, oh, if I only left five minutes earlier, five minutes later, they would have gotten somebody else. Like I'll, I'll go through that thinking, and and then I'll go, no, you know, this is eventually going to happen. 
but I have to think about it all the times it didn't, and then I'll, I'll, I'll feel better about it. And it's not just a way to talk myself into feeling better. It's, it's the truth. It's the truth that uh, I, I'm saving myself time uh, on, on many other uh, times I'm driving. And I never drive recklessly where I'm going so fast or so, uh, or, or driving in a manner where it's unsafe to me. Uh, but like, it, I'll, I'll think of it that way. And, and there's many other things in my life where I will think about this. And I, I've even thought about uh, back when I was dating, I, I actually got game selection came to mind. Where I, I thought about the, uh, the who the competition is, uh, the chance of success, uh, things like that. And uh, and I hadn't always thought of it that way before that I started playing poker. So there there definitely were lessons that came from poker that that came into regular life. That uh, then there were some things about poker I had to put out of my mind when I'm in regular life, such as the cost of things. One of the biggest mistakes the poker players make is that they think about the limits they play for and the pots they play, and bad beats they took, or whatever it is, and they think about. All that money. So if you if if you just played uh, several pots that were over two thousand dollars, how can you care about anything if it's thirty dollars versus forty dollars? How could that possibly make a difference? It, that should be pennies to you. So why why should you compare to what you're playing for? So why should you even care? The reason you should care is that it starts to bleed over into everything. Because there, uh, once you get into a mindset where you stop caring about cost of things, that it adds up. And, and even for the bigger things, you start making mistakes. But even if you could keep to only caring about the price of the bigger things, still the small things will add up very quickly. And uh, and so you have to put aside the money you're playing for and live your life separately, especially because the money you're playing for, some days you're going to win, some days you're going to lose, and your actual profit is an average of all that, which is much smaller than it would appear from the pots you're playing. So you, you have to get your... Get your mind out of that. So sometimes, like something will happen to cost me. Uh, um, like, like let, let's say I, I knocked my computer off the table and it broke, and I had to go buy another one for eleven hundred dollars. Um, I would be much more pissed off about that than if I could take a bad beat on the river for an eleven hundred dollar pot. In fact, I, I lost to a one outer. I I had a situation the other day where I, I lost to a one outer against two people. There, I had two opponents on the turn, and it turned out it was a one-outer that got me. It was only, uh, um, it was the one, I, I, I put, it was the aces, ace, uh, aces, ace, jack against sevens. I had the sevens, I flopped a set against aces and ace, jack. And, uh, and they, the, the ace hit the river. On the turn, they were actually drawing completely dead, other than to that one ace. The ace, jack had no chance. The board, it was, uh, it was seven, eight, Ace-Jack. Or not, no, seven, eight, jack something. And I was against pocket aces and ace-jack. And I had sevens. So they got the ace. The one-outer got me in the river. So I had a 98% chance to win that, approximately. The pot was like, I think, 1400 bucks. I posted it on my Twitter. So that was very frustrating. Especially uh, that was one of the bigger pots at 3060 limit hold'em, but uh, the losing that versus doing something like knocking my computer off the desk and breaking it, even ignoring like getting the data off and all that, even if I could just magically transfer that to the next computer, I'd be much more pissed about breaking the computer for for less money. 
because one is just in the process of play, there are going to be bad beats, and the other one, it's uh, um, something that didn't have to happen. And I, and I separate them. Uh, Brandon, do you ever find uh, that you have things like this where, where your poker kind of shapes your thinking one way or the other for other things? I was just, I'm sorry, I was just looking at that hand. It was it was actually Jack seven nine, and then six. The run out was six ace. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. The flush did get there, but the well, the backdoor flush. But nobody had still. it. Nobody had it. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. That's what I thought I was against. There, there, there's a there was all that raising on the turn. And I and I thought, uh, okay, so when it, hopefully the flush doesn't get there. Um, and then it wasn't the flush. The, the funny thing was well, the, the guy, the guy who was the most aggressive was the guy in third with Ace Jack. He was kind of a fish too. Yes, yeah, so I would think in that spot, it was more likely somebody would have spades there than having making a set of aces on the river. Oh, that's of course, that's what I thought. I thought I, that's what I thought yeah. happened. I was sure. I was yeah. shocked when I saw it, and I was uh, I was especially pissed. I was sitting right next to my girlfriend. So I was like, you know what? I just got one out of here. Can you believe this? And I, just, I showed her. It was, it was so frustrating. It's been a long time since I've been one outed. Especially what, if, what are those games? When you play these days, what do those games normally go? Do they go shorthanded, six-handed? What do, what do you play more often than not? Um, it's more often around – it depends what time. Like like during the evening, it's mostly six-handed. Uh, during late at night, it's shorter. And, and – uh, I'll even play heads up on there. I, I played a lot of heads up in in recent times. Uh, recent, I mean, not just the coronavirus. I mean, like in the last two years, um, I've gotten a lot better at it. Um, there, there's one guy there who just never runs bad, so I don't want to play him heads up. And he has a very unique play style, so I can recognize him pretty well. And I don't know, I don't know who it is, but the guy just never runs. I mean, he just never runs bad. He what, what? I mean, without giving too much away, in case he's listening. What what unique things in limit hold'em do you notice that other players don't bring to the table? The, like, the, what would you see right away and be like, "Oh, I know it's that guy." The way that uh, he has a, and it's made me suspect sometimes that he's a bot. But then I've seen some other things that make me think he's not a bot. He has a a defensive play style where he's uh, he will avoid getting into raising confrontations. Unless he thinks he has it, but he has, a, he has, he, he, number one, he just constantly runs well. It seems like the guy hardly ever misses. And I mean, I've played him for a long time. And you know, it's amazing what a long term heater he's on uh, with legitimately hitting hands. I don't just mean uh, winning the match one. And, and second, that, uh, but, but as far as the style, he doesn't, he never puts much money in from behind. Like he's, 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 but uh, he has a good feel for when he's ahead, uh, but not like a super user. But more that he will, uh, uh, he, he's more cautious with check raising the flop, for example, uh, than a lot of other players will be. Uh, he, he, but he's also very hard to bet off. He's very hard to bet off of, of king high, queen high. He's hard to bet off, so it's very hard to bluff him. Uh, and, and a lot of times he will play passively, expecting you to bluff him. And that's something I learned over time playing him. Was that. Uh, mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm not giving that away. He he knows. He probably sees me and knows that I, I don't like that. I see that because I um, he's someone who likes to make you bluff into him, and uh, um, so that's and it's actually pretty effective because he uh, um, he doesn't put in a lot of money from behind, and he knows how to get you to keep betting when he's showing weakness and you think he's going to fold and he's really going to call. So that. Uh, 
Yeah, I got you. Okay. So, so like, that it, seems it, tricky. Yeah. So it can be. So what can be hard with him is, let's say you you flop a flush, uh, you flop a, a a flush draw, but that doesn't have any showdown value, like nine high flush draw. Um, how much do you keep firing with it? Because he, he may just be calling down queen high. He'll do that a lot, but then sometimes he won't. It's it's it's, it's very hard to kind of figure out when when you're going to be able to bet him off. And then if you don't bet him off and you just check behind the turn, then he, um, uh, then then he'll often check the river to to, to hope you've still bet into him. So, uh, like he's he's good at figuring out when not to bet you off too. Like when he knows you're not going to call if he bets. So, uh, so there's a lot of things going on where 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 he'll value bet uh, uh, a weak ace high, thinking you probably have king high and, and things like that. There's a lot of that going on. Uh, I actually learned some things from watching him. I learned so many things. Uh, Playing against this guy, but I, I don't want to play him heads up. I still have some, some suspicion he's a bot. And the guy just runs incredibly well on top of that. I mean, he's by far the biggest winner on that site in the last, uh, at least when I play in the last year. And all you know that is from his style, because obviously it's just a number, right? Right. You don't know who. Yeah, well, there's other there's other things that I don't want to say that I've figured out. Yeah, that, yeah, that, I, that, that, I, that I know sure. it's him, not just from his, his exact play style, but some other things I've seen. That's so odd to me because I've never played on a site long term that is like that. That's just weird. Like I have my player notes, and I, you know what I mean. I know just now, especially because of this pandemic, it's the same people every day. You can just look, and you, you know what I mean. You just know, yeah, from the names. It's just odd to even think that. Yeah, I've actually got doing all that right, and I've gotten good actually, not just with him, but other like I'm, I've gotten because I don't have names. I've gotten very good at like recognizing people's play styles like very fast now, because I because I have to because there's no names and uh, and I have to figure it out as quick as possible. So I've got it's kind of like an like a, 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 an adaptation that happened without me even trying. Yeah. And what's uh, the biggest limit on there now? Is it still thirty sixty? It's still it's still thirty sixty. That's I, I play that mainly. I play ten twenty occasionally, but uh, I mainly play thirty sixty. And, and if thirty sixty is running, I won't even tr- look at the ten twenty. And there's no fifteen thirty. No, that got done away with. It's too bad. Oh. I like the, I like the fifteen thirty because uh, I, I preferred the thirty sixty, but the the fifteen thirty was good because. When the 3060 wouldn't go, the 1530 was a viable alternative where it was still big enough online because it, it plays a lot bigger and faster to where, like, I didn't feel like I was wasting my time. A 1020 is too small. I just kind of feel like I'm wasting my time there. So uh, I like the 1530. I preferred the 3060, but the 1530 was fine, and I was sad they got rid of that. Uh, what about Omaha? Do they have 08? No, 08 has gone. It's completely gone. They don't offer it? They only have they, PL, they, only PL08. No, no more. No oh, more, wow. No, yeah, that sucks, too. Uh, but... Yeah, it's it's uh it's funny because on on uh, Bovada Ignition, I can tell the people I'm playing against. I I don't know. Not everybody has a very unique play style. It's not like I know from this like each person's style who they are, or or who I'm playing against is the same person. But I can tell you that everybody on there who's not that guy, I do very well against on there, for the most part. I think. And I, you can you know just from your own analysis and watching he's the biggest winner on the site oh he's he's even winning though an, you don't know a name he's winning you just an, know a style right, he's winning an insane amount that i i can't explain like an insane amount that that like every day he has a great day but but it's not like it's not like i was going on ub where he where you like where he's unbluffable or un, like there's there's a uh, um in, unless he's just very good at uh, a lot better at them at, at hiding it but uh, it's not like that he doesn't play quite like like he knows what i have he play, he's he's more like someone who's just always running well. And like, does he ever chat or no chat? There there's no chat there at all. You can't chat. Oh, no chat there. You at can't all. chat. Yeah. Oh. So that's, there's no. But but I have suspected he might be a bot. Uh, but now the running well, I don't understand. 
But I mean, for the longest time, and I, I even discussed this with other players there. I've, I've, I've on two plus two sent PMs to other people I know play there, and I go, "Have you seen this guy?" And they go, "Yeah, I've seen it. I can't. I've never seen anything like this." And and the guy just uh, kicks ass. How long is this? How long has this been going on? Oh, like a year. The guy's been killing oh, it. Wow. I can only imagine what he's made. I mean, the guy. It, I and when it, the funny thing is when he's not there, you just see how I just destroy everybody. Like and and there's other good players there. Like I know the Minnesotans are still there and everything. Like like uh so like I, I have done so well when he is not in the game. Uh, but uh, but this guy's just he's killed me. Uh, it, it, Actually, he, it sounds kind of suspicious. I mean, it I does. Just but there's nothing saying. I can do. I, don't know. I know. I know. I, I've, I've considered yeah. it when I start losing there because the problem is I do have the times when I run bad just to get everybody and then, and then I really get my get clobbered. So so. Uh, when the guy's not there, I, for the most part, though, like if I run average, it seems like I just I, I just stomp on the table. Uh, but it, what uh, I, there have been times when I, when I'm not doing well there, and I and I see this guy just winning day after day after day. I, at the time I just feel like just hitting the cash out button and taking my money off there, and never coming back. Uh, and then I talk myself into staying, and you know, the, I, like I I hate to be that guy saying, oh, the, the, this is someone who's doing something wrong because. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe the guy's just on an insane heater. Maybe his style's even better than I think it is, and he's just so much better than everybody else. But it's just the way he's running. It's just insane how well the guy runs, and I've and I I don't understand. And is, he, is he playing almost frequently when you are almost every time? Like, is he on every day for yes. hours and hours? Yes, he's on yeah. for a long time. And and uh, um, there's only one session I can remember in in recent times where he's lost. There's one day where he lost like five thousand dollars and got and and like it was so satisfying too that he. But other than that, oh, there's one other thing he does that's really weird. Um, and this is what makes me think he may not be a bot. Uh, when he runs bad, he quits. Usually, except that one day when he lost the five k. When when he when he he could be kicking ass in the session, and the second he takes like like five consecutive uh, coolers or beats, he's out of there. And he'll, he, he's left me before with these incredible fish, and he, he bolts from the game because the fish beats him four consecutive times. So it's like he has some weird superstitious go, superstition going on that, that if, he, if he doesn't uh, – if he starts running bad – Maybe he, just, he thinks he's – maybe he's learned just from his past behaviors that he would start going on tilt possibly. That, that could be – right. I thought that could be that too, that he, may, that he may have his own tilt issues. But I don't see yeah. him tilting. That's the funny thing. Like, it's not like I see him tilting. I just see – Occasionally he'll he hardly ever runs bad, but the rare times he does, he just runs off. And he's left me before in some great spots where there was one time. I remember this one game with him not too long ago. It's me, him, and and some third person who sucked big time, and I had a ton of money on the table. Some guy had like six k on the table who sucked big time. So there's the three of us, and I, I just I I didn't think there's any chance this dude's going to leave. The dude meaning the good one, and and so he takes you know like like four consecutive uh, bad hands. And he bolts, and, and I think, okay, well, he's going to come back. No, he's just gone the rest of the time. He does, and so I cleaned up the fish, and I was doing terribly. I was, I was down that session, like I think I was down five k. I ended up taking all the money from the fish and actually left winning, and and uh, huh. so so it was so weird. I was like, I, that's where I don't understand this guy because like he was way up when he. It's not like he's 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 losing and say, okay, it's enough for the day. Yeah. He could be kicking ass. Obviously, he knows the third player's a fish. The guy has my number all the time. So he's not afraid of me. And uh, um, and then uh, I, I've improved against him, but he still he's just run so well against me. But how, but how long would some? How long would this person need to sit down before you know it's them for sure? Oh, like how many hands would you need? That's a good question. Um, once in a while, I've made a mistake with it, where I think it's him, and then I see something happen. 
uh, that means it's not him, and then indeed it's not him. So there's been a few times I've made a mistake. Um, but I can usually – I ask because it's so intriguing to me that you can – that all this is just based on – you know what I mean? It's just because I can't relate. I, I can, I I can usually to, I tell. I can usually tell within ten minutes. But uh, okay, but That's but interesting. but um, some once in a while I make a mistake. I'm not perfect. There have been with this. I, there have been some times where I think it's him. In fact, there was there was one time that the fish just happened to play like him first, right when I sat down, and then I see the the fish do a really weird play, just like like shooting off bunny big time on the turn in river when I had the obvious nuts on them. And I'm like, wait a minute, this guy would never do that. <laughs> and then the next hand, I noticed that that same player played another hand terribly and I go, oh, wait a minute, this isn't him. And so it wasn't. But but th- th- that's rare. Yeah, I get I get it. I get it. It just it just so happened I sat down and the, and the fish happened to play just like that guy played for ten minutes and uh, and I got the wrong idea. But uh, but yeah, it's I I don't know what to say. Like if I was getting my ass beat overall there, then I would I would have quit a long time ago. It's that it's that I'm not, but against this particular player, I and everybody else I know is is, is losing badly. But we can't quite put our finger on what's happening. The guy just runs super well, and uh, at least on UB, it became obvious. Because an absolute poker became obvious because they were doing it stupidly, and they were uh, they were never folding the river if they were behind. They were never calling the river. They were always either raising or folding, and and so a lot of other things were so clear they could see your cards. This guy is not like that. This guy he just always hits. And he plays. It well. almost sounds like he's playing perfect limit hold'em to some degree. But but he also always hits. That's the thing. It's a it's a, he oh. does he doesn't go through long periods of time where he's just not catching cards. And, and you know what? It's not just that always hits. He 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 rarely gets on the wrong side of, of a cooler. That's the other thing. It's it's like you hardly ever see where where you set you both flop set over set or mm. or. Or, or there's a three-way pause, raise, 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 and then uh, turns out his top set. Was he it. was he the aces in that hand uh, that you posted on Twitter? Yes, was he, he was. He was the aces. Of course, he, yeah, of course, of course he, was. he right, was. Right, right. I know. That, that's that's, that's like, so typical. That's so typical. Wow. Yeah. That's so now he, he doesn't one out me all the time, but it's it's so it's 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 frustrating, and I don't I don't know what to say. And uh, and what was the action on the turn uh, on uh, that hand? Do you remember? What did he do on the turn? Um. The aces. He he had capped the flop and and I check raised the turn and then and then he, uh, um, and I think he just call, I think he called. I know he wouldn't have three bet that um, when I check raised. And the then turn. what was the action on the river? Um. Oh, so, so here, here believe it or not, I didn't think anybody had the. I I didn't think and I was right that anybody had the flush as strange as this was because I didn't see any calling. The turn was. Uh, I th- I think I know what it was. It was that the. Uh, um, I I know what it was on the turn. I bet he had capped the he had capped it on the flop. I was going to check raise the turn, but the 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 third guy with the ace jack bet out, and then he raised, and then I three bet, and then and then the uh, um, ace jack. The the ace jack called and he called and I just had a feeling that he didn't have the flush. Or the, I knew he didn't have the flush draw. This guy who the, the one who ended up winning. The fish I didn't think had the flush because the fish after it got capped on the turn was still firing or capped on the flop. Still wanted to fi- he fired out the turn into the capper. So I'm thinking that's not a flush draw. And I was right, it wasn't. I was a little worried that a better set was, but once I three betted nobody on the turn and nobody four betted, I knew I had the best hand. I was a little worried about a set or a straight, but nobody nobody popped it again. Right. So and then, and then the action on the river was and then the option. So I bet out the river. I was the earliest position, 
wasn't thrilled with that ace. I didn't think someone had aces. I thought it was a. Um, I I I wasn't thrilled with the spades in case someone had it. But I, I bet the river, and then the fish raised. The guy with the aces sat, 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 and then flatted it, in which I knew was a terrible sign. Oh, I thought you said he free bet. Oh no, no, no the no, aces, no. The ace, the, the ace jack. Were, the win, the winner flatted it, yeah, because yeah, which made okay. sense. And then I the third, the third place hand raised. Yeah, the third place hand raised, and I had to make the crying call. Though I thought I was probably, I thought I was probably screwed actually by. Well, I knew it was one of the two, but I of course couldn't fold there. Uh, and of course, the razor was was behind me, but. Uh, yeah, it was a weird hand, but uh, it, to see it was a one outer was the killer. Someone had the flush, then someone had the flush, but that was a, that to have yeah. the one outer was just. A, but that's like so typical for this guy to get that. You, you, he so rarely would be on the side I was with the sevens, and so it's it's uh, it's 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 very frustrating. And that's disheartening. Yeah, it, it is. It's disheartening, and, and I don't know what to say. But uh, and and believe me, I've been around long enough to where I, I don't just think, oh, some guy who's doing really well is cheating. Like that's not that's not me. Uh, but the guy wins at an insane rate. He never, it, and it really is like from never running bad. Like that's how I explain it to people. It's like a guy who just every day sits down and, and the cards run. Well, well you know him. what? I'm sure you're looking at hand histories, so you'd see if he was folding in spots that he really should be calling that you couldn't get away with folding. Meaning, like if you really could see what you had or knew what your, you know, knew what your cards were. I mean, you know what I mean? Like he's never fold. You know what I'm saying? I mean, have you ever seen any folds that are questionable? Like, how can he fold here? No, like just no. I, yeah, I, I so. haven't. I have not seen that. What I have seen though, I've seen a few times where there's weird non raises or weird raises where uh, where he has no showdown value and it's almost sure I'm. And, and you would think he would think I'm going to call no matter what all the way down, and then he gets there like some some turn check raise yeah. where he where he has a draw and it looks like, and I've been showing strength. There's no way I'm going to fold. And then, of course, he gets there whenever he does that. The weird things like that that I've seen. Almost like – now, that wouldn't be super using. That would be more like uh, he could see what's coming. I don't know. I mean, that's yeah. – I've thought, I've thought about what if he could see what's coming because that would explain why he runs so well because he only uh, – he comes into the hand when he's, uh, when he's going to hit. But, uh, but is smart enough not to do it every time, Mike Postle style. So, mm. uh, so yeah, I – That would be interesting. It would be interesting to know how much he's won. I would love to have – Like, I would, I, I would love to have a full hand history – that I could run through some. You can't do that on, on there, but I would love to have something, a full hand history of every hand he's played and run it through and both see both his win rate, which is insane, and, and, and to see also the, the, like a, a good analysis of how often he's hitting versus how often one should hit because it just seems insane to me how much he hits. And I've actually meant yeah. to put it, I've meant to put it together when, when he does hit to see like a, like a just, it's hard to do because there's no automated tool that I know of you could do it with on, on, on there, but uh and they do that on purpose, but I would I would love to sure. see, I would love to see like some kind of analysis of, of how he's hitting because that's that seems to be to me what's abnormal is is that he's not playing a weird style so much. He's like the style he's played. As I've actually learned some things in his style that I I picked up and start doing too against other people, like uh, like kind of like the thing of uh, I, I've gotten I've developed a very good feel on how to get people. Uh, when to call people bluffing me with things like queen high raise on jack high, and 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 also on how to uh, induce people into doing that, and and like I, I've gotten a better feel for that somewhat thanks to playing this guy. Uh, but so he, he's I'm not going to take anything away from his skill, which, which is excellent. But he also hits just an insane enough amount of time, and just doesn't seem to be on the wrong end of things very much. And that's that's sure. that's what's suspicious. And and the few times he does, he runs away. And that's that's the weirdest part of it is that when he do, the few times it happens, he runs off no matter how good the game is. 
Now it's possible That's he win, it's possible he wins so much that that he's like, I just kill everybody. So if I start to run bad, I'm just leaving. <laughs> he may he may just he may not be like me. Like like my house had to be burning down for me to leave some of these games the way some of these fish play. But uh, like that, that that fish I was talking about, he left and had six thousand dollars on the table. This guy sucked big time. It wasn't just like a guy who wasn't as good as us. I mean, this was this was a legitimate fish with six thousand dollars on the table. You don't leave that. So like, where did that guy get that money from? Like the sports book, probably, or a casino, and he transfers it over to it, poker. Uh, it could be one of many things. He could have won it in tournaments. Who knows? It's uh, it could have been a casino. Yeah, the sports book. I'm saying. Well, I guess what I'm saying is that something regular that you'll see people that, from the sports book these days that just jump over to poker, like back in the day. So, somewhat, somewhat. Not like it used. To, like, I don't want people to think there's constantly a huge fish they're shooting off. It's it's less. Even though the games are more active than they used to be, they're not as good as you'd think because not only is this asshole present who's always winning every day, but uh, but then you also have these good Minnesota people who still play on there. So, like, I, I think I've done decently against them, but uh, but I, I don't like them in the game. It's not like they're any value. Um, it, it's just that one guy I've had trouble with, but. Uh, um, the thing is, as far as players I'd like to see in the game, uh, there aren't as many as there used to be, even with the increased traffic. Unfortunately, the increase is mainly just people who are decent who now uh, can't play live or don't want to play live. Yeah. But uh, there is some increase in fish, but of course, that's if there's an increase in good players too, that doesn't really help you overall. And sure. uh, the, the, the increase in fish, uh, sometimes you'll get a mega fish. Uh, usually the fish you get are kind of like, they're not what you'd call a fish in the old days, but they're still noticeably worse than the good players enough to where it's, uh, they're pretty much dead money if they stay long enough. So they, they may not be horrendous, but they make enough mistakes to where they're eventually going to be, uh, bust off if they stay. And, uh, and I, I can tell pretty fast when I'm playing one of those people. And sometimes I'm lucky enough to get one heads up. And, and I, and I know with some of them, I know if they stay that they're going to lose to me, even if they're not. Terrible. And in fact, I played one a few. I played one earlier this week. It was interesting. The guy was very bad to start off with. He was overly passive, and then he learned by the by the end. He actually learned and improved by the end of the session against me. Huh. He actually started to do things. He started to copy things I was doing because he learned he was doing the wrong thing. Because he was he was like heads up against me, and it's way passive. And then finally learned you're not supposed to do that, <laughs> and started started in fact incorporating some things I was doing back on me, which I thought was funny. It's interesting, but yeah, that's you know, so uh, it, it's a weird situation. That's that's uh, it's it's a, a frustration I deal with uh, uh, on a daily basis with that guy. I I hate seeing that guy there, and uh, you know, I like <laughs> I, I I'd like to believe he's just that much better than everybody, and and I'm just. Uh, it's funny to think you have a nemesis that you don't know his name, nor someone you can communicate with. Yeah, and be he's still your nemesis. Oh yeah, I mean it's 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 so fresh. If, if he wasn't there, I I just thought about how much more money I would have made there because uh, when he's not, boy, I, I have a great record. I have a tremendous record when he's not there. I'm not exaggerating. I mean, just uh, yeah, I've had my times to run bad when he's not there, but I had one the other day where I lost uh, a few k when he, I probably lost like four k when he was not in the game and I just ran really bad, but. Um, usually when he's not there, I, I just, I do very well and, and not, not just running well. Like I, I actually like feel like, uh, I have a very good feel for the game and the players and, and, uh, and, uh, when, when that guy's there, it's, it's a different story. 
So anyway, um, I, I don't want to keep whining about bravado yeah. here. Um, and just to be clear to everybody, I'm not I'm not even saying there's cheating there. It's just a weird thing I can't explain. I, if I thought it was actual cheating, for sure, I would. I would be. I wouldn't be there. I just cash out. So okay. I uh, I'm starting to fade. Oh, you're fading. Okay. I'm well, not, I, I can. I, is Trader Ruski gone? Or is, is, what did we lose? Yeah, him? he's been gone for a while. And no wonder he didn't comment on this. Okay. So I can do maybe one more topic, and then I'm gonna. I, okay. It's let's, let's, Father's Day tomorrow. Let's, I kind of kind of be up semi early, so I'll do one more topic as long as it's not too long, maybe thirty minutes, and then you can uh, steer the ship the rest of the way. Okay. I'll do that. Okay. So pick a good topic then. Pick one that you want uh, some I, I, commentary or some, okay. you know, some, let's, let's see some what, banter because this will be it let's, for me. Let's see what we have left here. So, well, tell me. Oh, yeah, tell okay, me okay. No, I, I have one. I think you'll like here. There's a another one more Vegas topic. There's a talk about changing the name of McCarran Airport. Okay, which yep, I'm, I'm sure familiar with this. Sure you've heard of this one, and uh, this is something that's been going around a lot. Uh, in the last few weeks, ever since that uh, George Floyd situation, there's been a lot of reevaluation about uh, th- things that might be racist that have been getting a pass all this time, and uh, people tearing statues down. A lot of the which, which I don't agree with, by the way. I don't think statues should be torn down by anybody. I think there are some statues that there needs to be discussion whether they should still be there, like uh, these Confederate statues. I mean, there's some people you. You can look at some historical figures and say, why are we honoring them? Why is there a statue of them? And if what that person is known for is something that just isn't good, then take it down. If it's someone who is known for uh, something that is good for the most part, but did some things which today would not be looked upon favorably, that's a different story. Because there's just different standards at different times, and you can't go back uh, hundreds of years and, and judge people based upon uh, the standards of today. But on the other hand, if someone's mainly known for something that, that is known to not be good today, then you don't put a statue of him. So um, so there's been a lot of this going on where anything that's, uh, that's considered racist, uh, some people want removed, just completely removed, especially if something's honoring someone who had a history of accused racism or even verified racism. And as I said, you have to look at each one. You have to look at each one and say, is this really more defining them? And, and as far as what they're accused of, what did they do? How bad was it? Was it they had some attitudes or uh, that, that wouldn't go over well today or that weren't right? Or, or did they actually do some bad things? So there's uh, an elected official in Las Vegas who is demanding that McCarran Airport, the airport in Las Vegas, has its name changed. Because the one it's named after was a quote uh, racist anti-Semite, and uh, th- there are some historians who have said. Nelson that... said he hates uh, Chinese p- Asian people. <laughs> Did he actually say that? No, that's what it said. Our article on okay. okay. Fox News also claimed that he hated Asians. Okay, well, that's Jews, Asians, and uh, African Americans. Yeah, it's what I saw is that he he was criticized for. For racism, xenophobia, maybe that's the Asian part, and anti-Semitism. So this person says, uh, Pat McCarran was an evil man. To have the first thing when you come into Nevada be McCarran Airport, when you look at his history, that's unacceptable. Our kids grow up hearing about McCarran Airport. They don't know what it is, uh, but they they realize that uh, we're honoring somebody who I don't believe should should even be a citizen or have the right to vote. That's wrong. Uh, This person uh, 
whose name is uh, Tick Siegerblong, who's a uh, Clark County commissioner, also pushed for the same thing in 2017, and it did not occur. Uh, but they're hoping that given the current environment that they can get this done. Uh, now, now, here's the part that I, I don't think is very reasonable at all. They were hoping to have the airport named after Senator Harry Reid. <laughs> now, Harry Reid, yes, he's a very well-known political figure, especially in Nevada. Um, Harry Reid was incredibly corrupt, incredibly corrupt, known for decades to take bribes, even in the 2010s when uh, he took a million-dollar bribe from Jeremy Johnson, telemarketing scammer and full-tilt payment processor. Jeremy Johnson gave a million-dollar bribe and sent it to some weird account offshore for Harry Reid to change his opinion on online poker. That is, change his stated opinion, not his real opinion. Basically, a message was put through by an intermediary to Jeremy Johnson, who is an intermediator for full, for full tilt, that if they want Reed's support for legalizing online poker, this is before Black Friday, not too long before, but it was before Black Friday, if, he wants, uh, if they want Reed's support, that to send, they should send a million dollars to this weird offshore account. And it was a million dollar bribe for Harry Reed that uh, was asked for by somebody else so there could be plausible deniability. So Jeremy Johnson did it. He got a million bucks from Full Tilt, sent it to where he was told to send it, and Harry Reid abruptly changed his stance. You can go find online, you can see the news stories of when Harry Reid did the about face, where he went from anti-online poker to pro-online poker very abruptly, almost like something very quickly changed his mind. And it happened right at the time when Jeremy Johnson made a recording of being told to do that. Now, he doesn't have a recording of Reed himself saying to do it, but he had a person who was associated with Reed telling him to do it. But that's not the only bribe he took. He said, well, you know, the, whatever makes it work, you know, we support online poker being legal, what's so bad? This is one of many bribes he took. And this isn't his position anyway. If he wants to support online poker, great, but, but you don't take a million-dollar bribe to support online poker. So he was, he was a corrupt politician, Reed, and there should be nothing named after him. But but anyway, uh, Siegerblom said, We are a multicultural, multi-ethnic city, and for our airport to be named after a racist, anti-Semite, and other things is just unacceptable. It would cost about $2 million to replace signs, letterheads, logos, and more. But uh, Siegerblom said he could probably put together a fundraiser to sponsor that. That, I believe, if they can get $35 million for a, uh, a scammy bail fund. They could probably get $2 million to change the name of the airport from people. So uh, I'd, I'd have to know more about McCarran. See, I didn't know anything about him. I just knew the airport was named after him. I, I didn't even know his first name. I didn't know Pat McCarran was his name. I just knew it was named after someone in Nevada that they were honoring, but I knew, never knew the significance. And uh, if, if I were to read about his history and see that he really didn't do anything that was worth honoring or if his racism and anti-Semitism was so bad that uh, it doesn't make sense to honor someone like that. I, I can understand changing the name. In general, I don't believe in, in scraping someone's history from the past and, and finding 
things that weren't perfect and then erasing them from being honored or, or, or any history of them. See, I, I don't like that. Uh, I, I just really hate judging things in modern times that occurred not in modern times. We can say we won't do this again, or that people in those days were wrong, but you do have to judge people based upon the prevailing attitudes of the day. So uh, you have to look at each case individually. You have to look at a lot of things. There's, there's people who are uh, being shamed for things they tweeted when they were 17 years old. I'm talking about not people my age, because there's no Twitter back then, but uh, people who are now adults that when they were 17 back in 2009, 2010, they, they tweeted something racist, and now, now there's people calling for them to, to be fired from their job and to ruin their careers. And you, you don't do things like that. Kids write dumb things all the time. So, and when it, when someone's described as a racist or or, or whatever, like you, there, there's so many degrees of that these days. There's there's real and true racists and anti-Semites, and and then there's ones who uh, really aren't, but maybe just be racially insensitive, may, make make references or jokes that can be offensive, things like that. Like I'd have to know the full details before I would come to a decision on this. As to whether I thought it was a good idea or not, I, I don't know enough about this to say either way. Uh, Brandon, did you know much about him prior to this whole controversy? Uh, I knew his name just because I live here. You hear about it more, and I knew that he was a politician, obviously, Senator. I did not know that there was ever even a question of uh, sentiment about his legacy or how he behaved. I didn't know any of that until all this came out, but I knew the name. Just because I live out here, and I, I don't know how it was. I think I just read it on Wikipedia years ago. And then you hear it in the news every so often, and things of that nature. But um, regardless, I think it's a done deal. And somebody I, I read just said it on Twitter. I mean, they might as well just do it now because this has come up before. Um, I think this last came up what, like three years ago. There was like some talk about having the airport renamed, and it didn't really get any. And you know what? I mean, it's a decent amount of money, but it's not anything substantial. I think I read it's like it would cost like two million dollars. Yeah, that's what I said. Sign that, yeah. changes. That's what I said. Two million. Yeah. yeah, and they even said that it would be like private donors that would do it, so it wouldn't even be taxpayer money. So, in the grand scheme of things, it's not really even that significant financially. Um, but no, I think it's it's going to happen anyhow. Whether I agree or disagree is re- you know regardless. So they might as well just get it done with now because it is something that's not going to go away anymore. Um, but I mean, well, listen. If that's true, like I, you, know, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm just reading recently. Like I said, I remember it coming up in 2017. If it's true and it's documented that he was an evil person, then the two questions I have is A, or a bad man, or whatever the quote was in there. A, why was he named you – know, why was the airport named after him to begin with? Um, and then, you know, B, I would like to know more. I would want to just know more of what – you know, I'm reading a Fox News story that says he was a racist. He was this, but I don't see any examples. Yeah, I don't either. I, don't, you know what I, I haven't mean? seen that. Yeah, that's what I, I'm yeah, wondering so that too. Exactly. Um, but you know what? Listen, it's a climate that we live in now. I mean, you know, I I really think uh, that these things are going to happen. Some of them are just insane. Like, you know, some of these changes, like, uh, I, I know you don't follow this, you know, a sport, something, a sports reference, but I read something the other day that, there was a, a certain term that a, a, a football team, a, the Florida Gators, there was a player for the Florida Gators college football team named Lawrence Wright. And then in the late 90s, he came up with this term, Gator Bait. 
Okay, and now they do something during the football games, and I don't remember what it even was, but Gator Bait has some, literally, it has some negative connotations that are that are racial, dating back to the 19th century. And the guy that came up with it, the football player that coined the phrase Gator Bait that they use for the Florida Gator program, is black. And he even said, like, I'm black. I came up <laughs> with this. This is ridiculous. Like, that they want to stop. Like, next season, not use this little... This, this gator bait thing anymore. But he, and he's even saying, like, his quote was, listen, I'm black and I think this is ridiculous. So something like that. And now you're seeing that everywhere. Yeah. I think it's insane. I, I, I really do. I mean, some of it, some of it is insane. Some of it I totally get. And I, and I, you know, like, you know, the, the Confederate flags and things like that. Sure. I can see that. I understand that. But some of it I think they're taking way, way, way too far. But you know what? I mean, it, it, it's sad because. Someone like me, I'm white. I guess I'm one of those people that they say is uh, comes from white privilege. I think it's probably smarter for me in today's climate just to keep my mouth shut and not, you know, I'm not going to go out there and just argue the point because it's it's I'm in the minority. I mean, you know what I mean? It's just that that's the fact. Well, and, and you know what's you know? what's funny though is the ones who argue it the most on social media are other white people. That's what, like if you came out yeah. and say that on social media, it's, it's not going to be that many black people giving you a hard time. It's going to mainly be uh, white people on the left who are giving you a, a very hard time about yeah. uh, your point of view, and that's why. Like, I, but and I get it. Like a lot of it makes sense, and I, I totally see it. But I also think uh, on the other part of it that there are people that are just nitpicking and they want to seem socially conscious and aware, so they're just. You know what I'm saying? They're just nitpicking and finding any little thing they could think of and, and saying, well, this needs to be changed. We need change here. Yeah. When, I mean, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, just, yeah. It, That's it, what I've said. Like, I, don't, I don't think if, if – It seems overdone. I, I really think that each, each of these needs to be evaluated on an individual basis and that you have to also look at the time when it was happening. You have to look at the severity of what was going on. You have to look at uh, the age of the person when it was happening, if it was someone who did something when they were very young. You have to – Add like, what are they going to say next? That that Julius Caesar hated, you know, was racist back in the Roman times. We need to change the name. I mean, yeah. right? <laughs> like, that's, that's what I'm saying. Is you have to you have to look at everything here and not just say, well, how would we look at this person now if they were behaving this way in 2020? Because they're not. It, it's yeah. like a, um, it's like what we're gonna we're gonna go back and shame people for making gay jokes in the 80s. But, you, know, you can't. But do I guess like to answer, yeah, to answer your question though more thoroughly, I would like to to read exact circumstances, incidents, you know, whatever documented statements, quotes that people are using that are attributing Pat McCarran to being a racist. And if that was the case, then the next thing I'd be curious as to is why was he ever, you know, somebody like that? If this information was known, it's not like it seems to be a secret. Why was the airport named after him to begin with? Um, But that's what I would ask because, you know, it doesn't really all I I mean, Fox News, CNN can tell me this guy's a racist. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't right. see any proof. That's not proof just because they're calling him that. And, so, and, and that's and that's another problem is that there there are so many ways that that term is thrown around racist these days that you just can't take someone's word for it. That, oh, this person was a racist. Let's take his name off. Because, oh, oh, we need to know how. What things did he do or say that are racist? Give us specific examples. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because, I agree 100%. And, I, look, I've, I've had people that I've argued with on Facebook – People, uh, white, other white people on the left, who have been uh, fighting with me, and they'll t- they'll say I'm a Nazi or I'm a white supremacist, and I go, Do you realize what you're talking to? You're talking to a Jew here. The white supremacists would hate me. The white supremacists would not even accept me if I wanted to be part of them. Uh, it, it's I have never spoken in favor of white supremacy in any way, shape, or form. Nothing I believe in 
uh, has anything to do with white supremacy or supporting the Nazis. That's, that's uh, and, and whenever I've seen that rear its head in in the uh, among the right, which isn't nearly as common as people like to say, but when it has, I've spoken up against it and bashed it or bashed those who are ex- expressing those points of view. I, it, it's insane that, but people will say that to me, and I'll go, "Sure, where are you getting this from? Because I'm because I'm not supporting this policy." This political policy that I don't agree with, that, that you think is helping black people and I don't think is helping black people or I don't think is fair, that doesn't make me a racist. That makes me someone who disagrees with something you want to do that happens to involve black people. And so that's the problem is that I'd have to see, uh, like, like you, I'd have to see exactly what it is. Uh, if there is somebody who really doesn't deserve to be honored, even looking through the lens of the past – then yes, go ahead and rename it. I'm not. Uh, I'm not someone sure. who feels it shouldn't be done, and and I will give. Like I said before, the, as far as the Confederate statues, the angry mob should not be tearing those down. There, there, there should never be acceptable for people to vandalize property uh, because they're mad at something. Uh, that's a terrible precedent to set. Uh, what you can do. Well, you know what? You're listen. You've already missed that boat because that precedent has been set, reset, a hundred times over now because. You know, oh, I listen, know. I'm not even going to get into all that, but now, sadly, you know, maybe this, I'm sure this isn't even politically correct to say, but whatever, I don't really care at this point. Now, what you're going to see is anytime that there's outrage, it's it's going to be vandalism, violence, and destruction. Yeah. And, it, and, and the precedent's been set that that's okay. And, you know, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't view it that way. No, I don't, I, I, I watch don't in horror all the things that I saw, like it just... I don't think that, yeah, that, you know that that's justification. You know, people are going to say that that is what needed to be done. The other side will say that's what needed to be done to to create change. But I don't agree with that. I, I, you know, and for that, you know what? Uh, it's these are issues that are really really complicated. These are crazy times we live in. But watching basically the government stand down while all that destruction was going on i just stood by in disbelief i mean yeah, i, I really too. was I, it, I, was, I, it I, was very hard for me to watch it i couldn't hard. believe i mean police are abandoning their stations it it seemed like something you would see in a third world country not in the united states i mean it really did it that, really that, did it's right, scary. That, that, that's how i felt too and it, it, it was a frustration watching that and watching people on social media uh, defending it that it's fine and, the, and also the mainstream media how, how far away how far away in uh, you know you live in california how far away were you from any of the the rioting looting violence fortunately i was know? far fortunately i don't think any of it was closer than like 30 miles uh oh, so, so the before i i sometimes cursed being farther out there when I needed to drive uh, a long way to get to commerce or uh, go see the Dodgers or whatever. Like I, there's anytime I you know, needed to go to LA, it was a long did, thing, but, but did, it, uh, did you hear, did you hear about this cop in Vegas that got shot? Do you know the, know the story? I, it made a little bit of national news, but yes, I did hear so much. This. Yeah. I mean, you know, for those that don't, it, it's amazing. Like, you know, this George Floyd, it, it's terrible. Of course it is. It, it's awful. And, but you know, the other side, there, there's so many names people don't know. Um, there was an officer, by all accounts, a good officer. He's 29 years old. His name was Shea Milanos, and he had been accommodated. I mean, never, never been in any trouble. You know, good officer. Everyone commended. And during one of the first nights, might have even been the first, but not the second night of protests in Vegas, uh, a young, disgruntled—I mean, no other word—but animal, uh, literally walked up and shot him. 
No reason. I mean, from behind, yeah. too. Yeah, there I heard was, about that. Officer, yeah. officer didn't even see it coming. It wasn't like there was a confrontation. Nothing. You know, this guy's never, they're never even going to be face to face, these two. Shot him from behind and shattered his jaw. And uh, the bullet lodged in his neck, shattered his jaw. And he's 29 years old. He's going to be on a ventilator the rest of his life. And he's a paraplegic, the cop. And, you know, in a week, you know, you're hearing there's fundraisers in Vegas. People were doing a lot of really good things in our community to raise money for, for his medical care in the future and, and his family. But, you know, in a few months, he'll be a forgotten name, you know, which, which is sad because that's just the other side of this. Like, no one's going to talk about this guy. 29 years old, you know, just getting started in life with a career. And, again, all accounts, a really good cop. Never, you know, cited for, you know, excessive force or any kind of corruption, nothing. And uh, he's going to be on a ventilator if he wants you know, to live. And, Imagine and, that guy he, right. waking up and knowing that that's his future. You know, I told my dad this the other day. If that was me, I'd rather be dead. I would not want to be 29 years old. Oh, no, I know. That. I know. That's just being that's, a parap- paraplegic and being a paraplegic and having to be on a ventilator the rest of your life to survive. Never being able to breathe on your own. What kind of life is yeah, that? Yeah, I know. I'd want, be, I'd want to be dead, too. Uh, yeah, it's heartbreaking. heartbreaking. It, 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 it is really, heartbreaking, really is. And, and this is why I was so frustrated seeing. And you don't hear about that. There's no, there's no protest for him. There's no marches for him. There's no publicity for him. And he's just an. an, an it's. It's I don't not know. just that, it, but, very... but when when I saw that all the encouragement of the violence and the looting, that that is necessary. That that you have to understand why it's happening. That this is a good thing. It, it, this is the only way change happens. And you see this in the mainstream media. You see this on social media from people who are far away from any of the danger and know they don't have to fear it coming to their neighborhood. And they uh, so so this is encouraged. And then people go out and go, oh sweet, oh, I can go out and be violent. Nothing will happen to me. Okay, great. So so pe- more and more people join it, and it becomes like a mob mentality where people start behaving worse and worse. Because like if. if it's one of these things. If this was not seen as acceptable, um, much less of it would have happened. If this was not tolerated, this much less would have happened. It's a, it, a lot of times this is a vicious cycle where the the more it's encouraged, the more it's tolerated, the more it will happen, the more things that people will do which they otherwise wouldn't have. I can't say for sure whether this would or would not have happened if that hadn't been going on, but, but I knew that the attitude I was seeing – from certain people in the media and, and, and also people on social media and Hollywood celebrities praising all of this will then lead to some of these extreme situations like what you just described. And, and a lot of this, like this all didn't have to happen. There was a, there, there was so much that was happening. And it's one thing if, if a mob just forms and, uh, and, and it's just hard to stop because there's so many people uh, who are acting out at once and, and everybody's against it. And the media saying this is awful and the, and and the everybody the, the message from everywhere is this is awful, but people are doing it anyway. Well, okay, that that's going to happen sometimes, but not when it's encouraged. Can you imagine if this guy? I mean, it's not going to happen. I mean, it, I put the percent at less than one, maybe even one tenth of one hundredth. But if this cop in Minnesota gets acquitted, can you imagine the 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 I mean, what this country? Will oh, I become? thought about it. Yeah, I thought about how that. It's, would it's be. insane to even. It's scary to think about. Yes, I thought about that. It would it would be and just, just for that alone. I mean, I'm sorry. You know, if they say that the that in this country everyone's proven. You know, everyone is innocent until proven guilty. There's no way that this guy gets acquitted. It doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter even if there's a technicality in, in you know some of in something that normally would release another suspect or whatever it may be. There's no way that they. Yeah, I think I think go. he's drawing dead because it's. Uh, I mean, the, there's the, just for no the way. sake of the country. It's going it to tear itself yep. apart otherwise. Yep, absolutely. I mean, it, it's you know, I you know, I think 
I think things, this is what I think. I think things are going to calm down for a few months. I mean, I don't think it's going to, uh, we're going to return to where we just were. And that's assuming, of course, there's no more violence on, you know, there's no more cases like George Floyd. But I think the next thing we'll see is if Trump gets reelected, I think that they'll start to be, that will be, that, that will cause an uptake or an uptick in, in the protests and violence. And then obviously you got to worry about all these guys, you know, getting convicted, every, the, the other officers that were charged as well, because if not, I mean, this is just like you said, or like I said, both said, it's a scary precedent that you just don't want violence every time and destruction every time, you know, there's some sort of, I don't even know the word. You know, well, that's what I, I've said that to people who support this. I say you can't do this because you may feel this time it's justified. This time it had to happen to make the change occur, which I don't agree with. But but if you want to say that, then that means any time anybody's unhappy right, exactly. about something going on, they they have a right to do this. Who, who's the arbiter exactly. of when it's okay to to break laws and destroy things and, and hurt people and kill people to for quote change? Who's the arbiter of when that's acceptable? Uh, you, you can't just say, well, this time it was okay. That's not how it works. That's why you have laws. That's why we live. That's what's the whole point of civilized society is that laws are not suspended if, uh, if people, uh, are, are have a, the feeling like they're unhappy and they want to break them. That's never how it's worked. It can't work that way or everything breaks down into anarchy and, and you can't have it. So, uh, okay. Well, um, Brandon, are you, are you done for the night? Do you want to? Uh... I think so. What 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 other topic? And thank you for having me on. I just uh, I know it was kind of short notice, but I do appreciate you uh, giving me the floor, letting me speak, and and share my thoughts. And what what other topics are left that you have? Well, to I'm going to talk about uh, various coronavirus topics. What I've been doing recently, when when the coronavirus first became uh, a very big thing, and uh, we were just discussing the lockdowns, and when, when it was kind of a very new thing. That was the main topic for a few weeks in a row. And then I said, you know what? This isn't coronavirus radio. I've, I've got to move this to the back of the show. So where people, uh, we cover a, a variety of stories first. And then every week I do a coronavirus update. So that's what I'm doing this week again. Uh, so the, the, the topic I'm going to start with first is about the uptick in cases everywhere. Uh, at least verified is cases. That, is that the last subject matter, though? Coronavirus is that? There's no, no more but there, other off topics. No, there was like one more after that, but it's uh, it's not a big one. Just about something. Did you UK. mention the? Did you mention the poker room in England that was closed? The uh, that's gonna be the last Gents? topic. That the Ganting, yeah, that's gonna be the last topic. Would well, you want to do that now, and then I'll stick around to that, and then I'm gonna go. And okay, we, we, can about, yeah, we can talk about. Yeah, we can talk about Ganting. Yeah. Okay. okay so All uh, right, let's do that. So. Uh, Oh, and I have one more funny thing to say. Uh, this is true. This is no troll. This is not a joke. So, you know, I was messaging with Trader Ruski, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll come on the show. And this has nothing to do with that. But coincidentally, I reunited on social media with someone from our past, my past and your past, hmm. that I haven't had communication with. Not Nothing bad happened, but just haven't had communication with in, oh, gosh, Ten years, eleven years, ten or eleven years, and neither of you. So I'm going to see if you can guess who this person is. Okay, should, uh, I, I, have per- a phone, I have a phone call coming in. Should I take it or should I, should I have him call back later? Is this someone we? Is, I don't know, who, know it who it is. I don't know. I'll take it. it. Take it. Sure, take it. Oh, this, take I, it. I, I actually may know who it is. I'm, I'm forgetting if I know the number. All right, we'll take it, but let's pause. And oh, they, 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 oh, no, they're here. Uh, caller, you're on the air. Uh, hi. Uh, this is Tyrone. Ken. Oh, how are you, sir? Oh, it's Tyrone. <laughs> <laughs> Tyrone, this is this is Brandon. Have you heard Brandon on the show before? Uh, no. Uh, maybe I don't know. I don't remember. Well, I'm a, I'm one of the, I'm a host of the show, but I've been on a hiatus for about three and a half years. Yeah, he's, he oh, was. Nice to meet you, sir. 
Okay, so Tyrone, give me Ty, Tyrone, give me one minute. Let me just finish what I was saying, and then the floor is yours. Is that is that fair? Can you give sure, me one minute? Sure. Okay. So so Druff, somebody that used to be on radio ten years ago, that used to do a segment with us that we haven't heard from in ten years. Oh, is it Pokerati? The time, who? who? Pokerati Dan. No, no. Who? I'm gonna. This should give it away. One more clue. Who at the time was a minor, and now he is actually oh, okay. a full grown adult. Is Menachem. Do you, you have a guess? Menachem. Yes, yes. Menachem. Menachem is now in his 20s. Oh, Can wow. you believe that? He's in college, and he has agreed when sports return to come back and do the Menachem in it. Well, how about you? We used to have, back in the old, old days, like 10 years plus, we used to have this little Jewish boy come on, and he would pick games. He would tout games, mainly like the NFL, but whatever seasons were going on he tell people over unders and spreads take the points give the points and yeah monocum now is in his 20s he goes to college and uh i something just showed me you know a link or whatever it was on social media with his name on it and i added it and we started messaging and that's funny uh yeah so well, he, okay. he can come on that's uh he's welcome no, we to have on to get it, some but... sports though we have to that's you know, right. We have, right. We had to get sports back. But you know what? He just turned 21. He'll be playing his first World Series of Poker online in 10 <laughs> days. Isn't that crazy? Anyhow. All right. Tyrone, how are you, sir? floor is yours. Yeah, Ty- I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, you know what? Uh, I, just, I, just I just want to follow up this discussion. Okay. But before you get to no that, I just, I just want to tell Brandon here, Tyrone is, is an older Chinese guy who lives in Vegas. Was this a level or is no? No, no, he's a real guy. He's, you know, he's real. I, I, he's, I have a picture of him on on Facebook. Tyrone, what part of Vegas do you live in, sir? I live in Vegas too. I'm in Henderson. I actually okay. live in Henderson. I'm, uh, he's real. I'm how, not living there. How did you? Uh, how did you? How did you find out about this uh, fraud show, the radio show? That's actually how a good do you know question. about this? I never well, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm always interested in poker, and uh, uh, I think poker is a Good subject. I I like this radio show because uh, because uh, the host uh, Ta is doing a good job of a wide variety, well read, everything else. I always call him the Renaissance man, <laughs> uh, even though I disagree with him a lot of things. But a lot of people do. But yeah. he uh, so uh, he he look at every single angle. And uh, the second boy is, uh, uh, I'm not trying to put this radio show, but this is exactly how I feel with you. He, he basically think about every single angle uh, of every single issue. So that's why, yeah. uh, why sometimes I call him up and, uh, and talk to him about why the advisor thing. My aim, my main interest is poker because I po- play poker all my life, all my life, and in a small, small state poker game. So, uh, so that's where uh, Tyrone. Where where do you play poker now? In the casino, what, what casino would you play normally if if it was open everywhere? Uh-huh. And where would you go? What would yeah. be your number one casino to go? To? This is way way funny. I pay. I, I'm a I, I'm a Chinese tipskay, so I pay the lowest possible game, and with the highest return is Excalibur. No limit. I mean, limit poker 
with uh, varying the two to six any time with only one blind, two dollar blind, two to six. Uh, so if there's ten people in the game. You can sit there for nine uh, for for about twenty minutes without playing a hand. Uh, only lose two dollars. <laughs> so when you are in the game. Uh, most people, you have developed reputation that even though whether you have it or not, you're going to win the Most of the time, you're going to win the hand because you have a reputation. Right. Yeah. So so uh, I pay very low, low limit poker. But once in a while, I pay no limit poker, but not very often. But uh, uh, it was it was fun kind of. So uh, I think that... Out of, out of the twenty year I played poker, I never have a lose. Uh, I never have a losing yet. I never had yeah. a losing yet. So, how how old are you, Tyrone? How old are you, sir? Huh? How old I'm are 75. you? Seventy oh, five. Okay, All I'm right. seventy five. I never. I see. I never. Retired? I never knew. I never knew he was seventy five. I knew he was in the, like his seventies. I didn't know seventy five. Yeah. Huh. All right, Tyrone, are you re- are you retired? Yes, sir. Yes, okay. sir. I'm. Uh, I'm very very lucky to. Uh, I'm very, very lucky to uh, have uh, a and thing is Ty- I don't have to go to work. Is Tyrone, to work. Your, is Tyrone your real name? Is that your birth name? Or is it a nickname? Yeah, that's what my mother named me. Your mother and named you Tyrone. I woke you up. Okay. Uh-oh, you woke somebody up. Oh, no. Is that your wife? Yeah. Oh, you woke up your wife. <laughs> that was my... That was my Tyrone. That was my next question. Are you just waking up and starting your day now, or have you not been to sleep yet? No, I was just gonna. Oh my god! <laughs> I've never got. I never heard of his wife before. Is, is that your wife or daughter? Is it wife? My wife. My wife. Okay. So, did you just wake up, or have you not been to sleep yet? Maybe he should get off the phone. Uh, I don't know. He's, he sounds like he's got some uh, upset wife there at uh, 2.40 in the morning. Tyrone? Tyrone. Well, I got to go. I got to go before I get Okay, into okay. you can call okay. next week, Tyrone. Bye. Sorry about this. All right. Yeah, bye. Bye. Uh, we, got, we, got an, we got an eventful call this time. Usually it's just him calling and talking about our topics. We got the, the angry wife in the background. Do you, think he, do you think he just woke up or do you think he hasn't been to sleep no, yet? No, I think, I think he's been up because uh, he usually – It's 3 in the morning. He usually listens to the live show and calls in uh, – the during it and comments on things I've talked about. So uh, I've just he must. And have when woke- did this? When did this start? Like how long has this guy been calling in? Um, probably about a year. He's been around, oh, wow. and, and, okay. and I, I have him on Facebook. I've seen a picture of him. He's real. He's, so you know, this is not a level. 100%. No, it's not a level. Hundred you know? percent. Okay. It's a real. It's a real uh, older Chinese guy. Yeah. And That's likes, really. And, his- it, and on and on Facebook, does he go by the name Tyrone? Yes. Yes. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. It's, oh my God. It's yeah. hilarious. And he, uh, he's a big fan of the show and he, he calls in and, uh. That's unbelievable. And every, everything's so how, real. He, he didn't answer my question. How, how did he physically stumble upon the show? See, I, I never got that information. I would have liked to hear that, but his wife didn't like allow that, it to happen. I mean, yeah. It, That's insane. It's funny, funny. Yeah, I always ask how people find it, uh, and I get an interesting variety of answers, and sometimes it's, it's things I wouldn't expect. Sometimes it's just, uh, some big story that's occurring in poker and I'm seeing commenting on it and people look for me and find it. Or, um, sometimes it's from, uh, I've even gotten some people from, uh, that Adam Schwartz mentioning me on, uh, on the two plus two poker cast. 
We've even gotten through that, that way. That poker, what is it? That poker podcast. Now, now he's on Dat Poker. At the time, uh, we got a number of listeners from Two Plus Two. Dat because they had to start all over. I think they have a smaller audience. So I actually uh, I returned the favor though. Like I, I will I will mention that show. And uh, um, did you see who won Best uh, Poker Podcast for two thousand and I guess nineteen? But it was announced this year, whenever it was. The last time they did it, though. Yeah, what is I, it called? What? I, I saw and. Uh, uh, who was it? It wasn't even... Uh... I know who it was. I want to see if you know. No, I forgot. I, I reported it on here at the time, but I forgot. It was uh, Jennifer Shahadi's... Uh, what is it? What's the name of her? Do you know who Jennifer Shahadi is? Yeah, I do know who that is. Wait, she won? I, for some, maybe, maybe I only saw who got nominated. I didn't, see, I didn't know she won. You're sure she won? Well, it's, I mean, it's on her bio. I would assume that she's... Hold on. So anyway, the point I was going to make is I listened to her podcast for the first time and i never listened to poker podcasts and it was okay but i hold on i'm gonna tell you right now i'm going uh hmm. yay the okay yay this is this is her pin tweet yay the grid one best podcast of the year thanks to all my guests and congrats to blah 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 and then she has hashtag global poker awards huh. yeah it's her i'm looking at a picture of it the grid podcast of the year 2020. I'm looking at. You it. know what? I think I think I just talked about the uh, the nominees. I didn't know who actually won. Uh, I know Dat was not even nominated. They also got snubbed. Okay. Well, the point I'm making is I, I uh, listen. She has a very unique concept, and I'm not propping her. I do know her personally, but not really well. I've met her a couple times, mainly like eight years ago at Barge or, or something. But she has like a unique podcast. She uh, has people on. It's it's short. It's like 45 minutes an hour. And uh, everybody that comes on, they have to come up with a hand, like two cards that were monumental in like either cash game or poker game or a tournament rather. And then they talk about it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like you, if you won your WSOP or your limit bracelet with two cards that stand out, like it was a big pot or whatever it was, you talk about that. And that's like the basis for a podcast. And then she gets into other stuff. But anyway, I listened to it. And I thought it was okay. It was interesting. But, you know, it's kind of, it really is at this point a little bit, uh, as uh, I guess insulting that you have not even been nominated yet. I mean, I, I'm being honest. No offense. I mean, she just started this podcast. And no, it's, it's, right. it's, it's, it's not it's, no offense. It's actually a compliment that you're saying it's insulting that I haven't. Been well, I don't know. I think at this point you should at least be a, at least have been on the radar. I mean, at least have been nominated by now. Um, I actually, I actually was. I, I actually was. Um, well, I don't know if I was nominated. I know I've been on some lists. Um, of possible nominees, and then didn't. Well, get I'm there. talking about the global, the global awards or whatever they're called. Like, yeah, you, know, you, the you know what? It's just I, I'm used to it. I I don't even care that much. It's it, I'm not just saying that. I'm just. Uh, well, it, I wonder how much of it is. I'm, I wonder how much of it is people. No offense. Now, this is just being real. People's per like disdain towards maybe your personal opinions versus the quality of the actual show. If that makes sense. Yeah, it, it could you, be either one. It could be a lack of familiarity with the show. It could be people who dislike me. It could be a combination of both. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. I, and that's the, the whole thing is here. I don't I, I, and I don't and I know I don't attempt to make everyone like me. And I will say things that will piss people off. And I will say things that are controversial. And I'll express controversial political opinions, which especially these days gets people to dislike you. Well, listen, you got mad at me that time I asked you what sides you like at the Pollo Loco. Remember that? That caused a big rift between us. No, I just, I just didn't want to talk about it. was a joke. It. I know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're making yeah. me miss out Pollo Loco now, too. I can't get that either. Ugh. No. Well, anyway, I just thought of that. And, you know, maybe it is time you get your due because, Jesus Christ, I mean, you're 
putting in eight, nine, ten hours a week. I mean, that's, you know, I had to go on a hiatus for three and a half years, buddy, just because I needed to get some rest and, and get refreshed, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, well, I, you know, I, if, I, if I got an award, that'd be great, but I, this is not something that I, I'm living for or that I, it's super important. It's just, uh, I, I just, now, if like nobody listened to the show, then I would just quit. If, if they like had almost no listeners, then I just say forget it because it's not worth the time. But if people yeah. want to listen, and especially if you have very dedicated listeners who really enjoy it, I know that I know if I shut this down, there would be a lot of people who would really miss it and be very disappointed it was gone. And I know this because now, it, it was shut down for a few months in 2018. Do you ever talk numbers, like in terms of listenership? Well, I, I've talked numbers, but I don't know them for sure because there's a number of ways people can listen, and not all of them, not all of them I can keep track of, even in the archives. So what's your best guess? If you had to give one, are you comfortable giving out that? Kind yeah, of I, I think every week, in all forms, that is between live and and people listening in the archives in some way, which is mostly archives. It's, the live doesn't get that many listeners, but it's, mo- it's mostly the archives. It, uh, I'd say, we get between like fifteen hundred and two thousand every week. That's a that's a decent amount in today's. Uh environment yeah and, I mean, that's, that's, and that's, that's why I, that's why i continue with it if it, if it was a fail show if it only had like 100 people each week i would say forget it because uh uh it's just not worth it and and that's why like every year at the world series i have people that uh will, will come up and, and say hello to me and meet me and see me in the hallway like 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 people i have several of them each year that uh that i'd never heard of before and it turns out they've been listening for three years four years these weren't people who just found this last month like there's people who, who go Way back, they just never have felt like contacting me for whatever reason, which is fine. I don't expect everybody to. And uh, and I've even had uh, the downside of this. I, I I actually feel like in the Rio that I have like no privacy. Well, I'll have people watching things I'm doing and then commenting on them in some way. Sometimes uh, sending me uh, uh, texts about it. Like I'll, I I really feel like I'm. There's enough people listening to this show that uh, anything that happens with me that. Uh, would interest anybody, good or bad, is is going to be seen, and and I keep that in mind as well. So I I just think that uh, there's enough people listening, and I know a lot of people enjoy the show. I know it's not a huge audience. I know it doesn't compare to some people who have YouTube channels that have a million people watching, but uh, it's it's enough to where I want to continue doing it, and it's enough to where uh, I, I don't feel like it's a waste of time. To, yeah. At the time in no, that, that, listen, fifteen hundred to two thousand—that's a good little number, man. That's nothing to to you know, understate. Like that's that's a decent amount of people. Yeah, and that's and that's, that's around that's, what I came up with in my attempts to to figure it out. That's a small Nevada city. Yeah, in my attempts to figure it out and like looking at different because what I the things I could get the records for, I could I could. Uh, I, I could pull away the duplicate IPs, and I had to figure out like I also was able to take out the IPs that would sometimes change while people are listening that wouldn't count as two people so like like at first when i when i looked at it i got like like thirty thousand different ips listening listening in a given week i go there's no way i have that that many listeners but then i i ran some post-processing on it and so i didn't and it was much less than that but uh but still it's enough you know it's it's enough to where i i feel it's well i remember i remember years ago i still have the number but i remember years ago i gave out the old my old radio number, which again I still have, because I wanted to kind of do a head count, and I said just text that number. I'm not gonna, you don't have to tell me your name, but I just and I, you know what? I remember the next day and then the day after that when I checked, there were like a lot of texts. Yeah, I mean there was like a couple hundred people that just said yo yo or you know just some kind of one word or some kind of confirmation, and I, I don't know if you remember that. It was yeah, I remember did that. This with uh, 
We did it with uh, Daredevil. Right? Yeah, that yeah, that's right. Darede- yeah, Daredevil. Yeah, yeah. Whatever happened to that kid? I, I hear from him every so often. He's he's still uh, uh, still out there. I don't think he plays poker much anymore, but he's he's still out there. He was. Uh, people liked him as a co-host. I, I sometimes hear on the call to listen line when I'll just uh, randomly call it up once in a while. I sometimes hear an old show with him, and uh, I go, "Oh yeah, those were good shows." So, but yeah. speaking of which, I, I am glad you returned tonight. I, uh, it's, it's been a long time. It reminds me of the old times on the show, and. Uh, you always bring a lot of uh, good stuff to the table, especially about Vegas topics. So thank you for coming on and spending the time you did sure. here. Absolutely. And, and anytime you'd like so, to come back, then uh, let me know. Even even if it's like last I, minute, if you want to just join in, you can. I appreciate it. So well, I'm sorry. So uh, we kind of got off track. The last topic was a casino, and the, I was going to Oh, the, get, the Genting was, thing. You want to talk about the Genting thing? Yeah, tell topic. me about that. I, I just read the, the bio and the radio intro. I don't know much about the story. Okay. I'm surprised you have interest in it, but okay. We, we will talk about the Genting oh. topic. All right. Actually, uh, I, I'm, well, I'm not... on my best behavior tonight. What am I going to come on here and start bitching about? <laughs> well, I don't know. You weren't, you know you weren't I mean? happy about the Minnesota topic, so I moved on to ones I knew you'd like. So, okay. Well, I just had to kind of pace myself, but thank you for that. I appreciate it. Okay. So you, you did kind of uh, curtail tonight's agenda towards me. Uh, so gracious. Okay. So here is the, the, the Genting topic here, but I, I don't think I'm the best one to discuss the matter. So I'm going to bring somebody on here who would be. And I really this. think, by the way, a really good prank call. I'm serious now is called the TI sometime, maybe or early in the show or if it's ever late, like at five, six in the morning, get an operator and see and, and tell them that you're reading the Forbes article that you work in some department and you want to borrow like a hundred dollars. Like, yes, tell, I, like, tell the operator your, your light bill is due. Phil Ruskin said he'd help you out at 3%. You I should. I, I, I think I'll bill. do that. I think I'll do that, uh, next week earlier on. Like, hilarious. Like, it'll be hilarious. It'll be, hilarious if it, be funny. And, they, and they're going to give you some kind of runaround and be like, but no, it's in Forbes. I'm yeah. reading it. He said <laughs> that if I need help to call him, like, please connect me to your voicemail. And then they're going to give you more bullshit. And then you're going to be like, what? Are you saying Phil Ruffin's a liar? Are you calling Phil Ruffin a liar? Like, and that's what you're going to keep repeating over and over. Like, asking when they won't connect you, they won't cooperate, you're going to accuse that person of, of saying that Phil Ruffin's a liar. And then that would just be, it should be, it should be comedy gold. But, okay. Who are we connecting for this? All right. Um, the, so, I've, uh, I've, got the, the per- I've, I've, yeah, I've got the person on here. Uh, go ahead. Okay. Head out, can an Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Uh, all right. Uh, let's, let's not have a whole to do about it. Um, uh, no, no, Colonel, Colonel, yes. this is Brandon, uh, Brandon Drexel. We, I've known you for 10 years. You're on my oh, Facebook. Oh, yes. It, you remember it, me? It's been quite some time since you've made any contact with me. I mean, it, it wouldn't – would it kill you yeah. to make some occasional banter well, you know, on, fa- uh, on the Facebook? My my friend went on the forums. He said he had fake cancer. It, it was a stressful time. So I just took a bit of a hiatus. All right. Well, well I, 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 I guess that's um, acceptable. All right. So um, the, the Genting group, um, you know, some people mm-hmm. say because of Genting's uh, – strong presence in England. They say, oh, mm-hmm. this is an English company. I say, no, 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 no. You're incorrect. It's not an English company. The Genting Group is actually headquartered in Malaysia. It's a Malaysian company, but it's quite large. It has uh, over 50,000 employees globally, so it's a very large company. And they have their hands in a number of buckets, all right? So there's a number of things they do. It's not just casinos. Uh, you have to get your mind out of the gambling. It's not just that. They they have uh, many interests. In fact, they even own cruise lines, which couldn't be the best thing to own at the moment. But uh, we're not going to be discussing the cruise lines. We are, actually are going to go back and discuss England, which is the reason that I was brought on to have this uh, this discussion. All right, so... Uh, Genting, which I'm sure you're aware, they're building the resorts world. 
in uh, in in Las Vegas in the uh, the northern part of the strip and uh, they uh, they're not done with that and uh, it's actually rather fortunate that they are not that did not plan to open during this year because um well colonel i'm just i'm just excited to go there to resorts world and see the pandas i haven't seen a panda since i was a kid colonel that's one definite definite draw there but um Mm -hmm. they're fortunate that they're not having to lose the money at the moment because of the 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 virus and uh, everything else going on uh but um there's resorts world elsewhere in fact uh there's actually a resorts world in uh, in birmingham and birmingham i'm not talking about alabama in birmingham england uh, they're actually laying off 98 employees and um, at every Genting casino in the United Kingdom, they're, they're laying people off, um, usually about 20 to 50 people, but um, um, 98 being laid off in Birmingham. And um, the news I want to speak about here, though, is poker-related, and that is Genting has decided they're going to get out of the poker business, and they've just said... Um, that's it. We're done. Tally-ho. Pip-pip. Closing it up. Goodbye. All time to go home now. <laughs> Off you go. So so uh, what's happened here is they had three poker rooms, and, and they are shutting them all down. Um, there's three venues in the UK where, where poker exists. Um, or, sorry, there's more. I think – you know what? That's incorrect. I'm not sure how many venues. I, I don't want to be quoted incorrectly. However – they are also closing, in addition to all the poker rooms, permanently. This is not just a temporary shutdown. They've just decided they're done, that uh, poker does not have enough of a future. It probably was not making too much money to begin with. And now that they'd have to wait it out to see uh, if it could ever be profitable again in the era of the coronavirus, they said, you know, just, this, let's be done with it. You know, if, if it's not doing too well, if it doesn't have too much of a future, then why even bother? It's, it's kind of like staying with a girlfriend who's making you miserable every day, and even in the best of times, the relationship is barely passable. All right? So you would kick her to the curb. So just they're doing the same with poker. Okay? Poker was not the big thing. So they, they said uh, no point to keep it around. Uh, now, they're also doing away with three venues in the U.K., and um, one of them is uh, is called GMB. Um, or, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you correctly. GMB is is actually the union that revealed the story, that uh, the, the Genting casinos in Bristol, Margate, and Torquay are permanently closing. And, um, of course, uh, all the jobs there are gone. And uh, a statement was sent to all employees of Genting that says, The COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic has caused unprecedented challenges. It has had a huge financial impact on our business and has caused significant uncertainty for the foreseeable future. I am therefore forced to contemplate some very difficult options to ensure survival. In other words, we're firing you because um, it's the only way we can get by due to the coronavirus. So you've, you've become a casualty, or at least your job has. Um, there's a Genting poker series known as GPS, and uh, they're not going to run anymore because they're not running poker anymore. So if you have no more poker rooms, there will be no more poker series. So the GPS has existed since uh, 2012, and uh, it, it had some popularity. because Some people like the blind structures, even Alan Kessler gave it a compliment, but uh, it, that, that has been done. Uh, now, Genting has closed poker before. They closed – they used to have a room on the iPoker network, which was um, doing all right. And for some reason, uh, they closed that uh, a while back. This, this was, uh, I think, in 2017 or 18. It wasn't related to this. 
But um, because of that, it actually was negatively affecting the GPS because there were a number of online qualifiers that uh, could no longer win their way in without that uh, skin they had on the iPoker network. So, so the Genting, uh, Gentings just decided that's it. If, you, if you've ever wanted to play poker in a Genting room, in the UK it's not going to happen. Maybe if you can come to uh, the US once Resorts World opens, you can do that there. I assume they'll have a poker room. I do, do not really know what the plans are as far as that. Um, now, they were spending some money prior to all this. Uh, a year ago, they spent £750,000. Now, now, Brandon, do you know how much a UK pound is compared to the US dollar? Do, do you have any idea how much that is? I, I really don't, Colonel. Sorry. All right. It, it's, it's currently worth $1.23. It, it's been around that for quite some time. It's, it's rather unfortunate. Now, you may, if you harken back to 2005, or, uh, I think it was around 2005, it was actually worth double the U.S. dollar. And, and I, I enjoyed traveling to the U.S. when this happened because I'd, I'd come across the pond to the States and um, everything was like a 50% discount. So they'd, I'd say, well, how much is this hotel? And then they'd say, oh, this hotel is, is 170. And I'd say, oh, 170 seems rather expensive. And I go, oh, you don't mean pound, you mean dollars. It's like 85 pounds. It's, it's pennies. It's pennies. So, so um, it, it was, it was beautiful to travel, and have the pound be so strong. But it, it has weakened over the years, and it's now only worth a dollar twenty-three. I will say, though, despite that weakening, it's still worth more than the U.S. dollar. So just keep that in mind. Whose money is worth more? But uh, nonetheless, um, they spent seven hundred fifty thousand pounds, which is worth uh, around, uh, not quite, but close to one million U.S. dollars to. Uh, refurbish a casino in Luton. And one of the things they did in that refurbishment was they made a better poker room. They called it a more intimate poker room. And they spent some good money on making that poker room look much nicer, only just a year later to shut the whole thing down. They have to pretty much tear out everything they did. That wasn't a quite, that was not a uh, wise expenditure. Now, Genting's a huge company. They can definitely uh, absorb that cost, but still... Uh, also, Genting Casino, Casino Westcliff did the same, a, a multi-million pound makeover, and they're also shutting, shuttering their room. And, and uh, Birmingham, which uh, is doing all the layoffs, they, they have uh, only been open since 2015, and it cost £150 million to build. And I'm sure they're regretting that at the moment. So uh, Genting definitely experiencing hard times, but you'll be glad to know... Brandon, because I know you want to see your panda bear so bloody badly, all right? I, I know this is, a, for some reason, that's all you care about in Vegas, that uh, you don't care about the health of the greater economy. <laughs> for some reason, uh, 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 for some reason, uh, a bloody panda is, is what's so important to you. But if you want to see your panda, it, it's, it is still in, in the plans to do, if you must know. Okay. Well, Colonel, I also have another question. Yes. I, according to, to the Daily Mail, and I wanted your comment on this, uh, the Daily Mail posted an article about... Uh, how your uh, precious little Prince Harry has taken money from the Commonwealth and is allegedly now uh, planning a poker career since he's living in the Los Angeles area. Would, would you care to comment on these rumors? Well, I, I haven't heard anything of this. Um, I don't know. If, if you could um, if you could somehow send me such an article about a poker career, I, I, I sincerely doubt that will happen. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. Prince Harry's had a, a rather um, scandalous uh, past there. And, uh, you know... Uh, all these royals, you, you sometimes have to wonder if they're more trouble than they're worth. I know, I know here, 
in England, some some would be upset to hear me say this, but um, you know, there comes a point when you have to say, is it more trouble than it's worth, and is it time to start re-examining whether you put certain people on a pedestal just because of a certain lineage, or even worse, uh, marrying into a certain lineage, and um, it, it's a rather antiquated concept, and sometimes it's it's a form of embarrassment. Uh, for the UK, and there's some things the UK must get past. For example, um, I've been an advocate for a long time for the UK to improve its dental hygiene. I've said, isn't it about time here that that joke ends once and for all? And if people make uh. jokes about this, and then they come to England, and someone opens their mouth, and, and it looks like a, a disaster area, if it looks like it should be declared a, a disaster area, then, then then how can we say this is an unfair stereotype? So. We don't want to validate those who make statements that are unflattering. You, you want to do the opposite. And uh, I'm afraid sometimes the the royals have become a, a source of laughter. And uh, so I, I think maybe the focus upon them should be lessened. I don't know anything about a poker career. Yes, there's, there's sometimes that I, I see this and I cringe. But then again, uh, I see things happening in in the States and I say, have they gone mad? But I mean, was it a sense? Was it a sense of embarrassment for your great country when he basically gave up his his lineage to move to Los Angeles to have his wife do voiceovers for a Disney film? Well, let me say this: I say, if if he wishes to uh, disassociate and avoid further embarrassment for us, then um, go ahead. You see, there may be a. It's kind of like when you rip a Band-Aid off; the moment it hurts, but then you say, "Oh." It's actually better I did that. So he kind of ripped his own bad date off, and now we don't have to deal with him anymore. So um, now, now we can say, oh, well, he's not, he's not one of us anymore. He, he's your problem now and in Los Angeles. Fair enough, Colonel. Fair enough. All right. Well, listen, Colonel, uh, I'm going to talk with Druff for a minute here. i got to get to sleep. It's, All right. What is it? It's, yeah. Can you hear me, Colonel? Yes, yes. I can tell you it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's 11.09 a.m., if you must know. Yep. It's 3 o'clock here in Vegas, and uh, oh, right. you know, I, I'm coming back off the hiatus, so my stamina isn't what it should be. But listen, I've gone now uh, six hours here, Colonel. Oh, so man. I'm going to bid you – how word. do we say goodbye? It's a farewell, and what, what's the other term you use? Get on with it. Uh, no, the way you should sign off is say, tally-ho, yeah. pip-pip, and let's get on with it. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, Colonel, I'll talk with you next week. I'm going to say goodnight to Druff, and uh, and you two can carry on, all right? All right, all right. Go right ahead. Todd, you still there? Yes, yes, I'm here. Uh, Okay. So, listen, I'm going to sign off. I was doing some thinking during uh, the Colonel's uh, commentary. I think next week when you call the Treasure Island, and anyone that's listening uh, to the show, please feel free to give your commentary, but this is what I suggest. I think it would be hilarious if you do it in El Chico Loco character, and your backstory is that you're you're a barback, okay? You're a barback at the Treasure Island. You got to pay like, think of some funny ass bill, okay? That that is come due, and your wife's mad. Your Netflix bills due, and you want to borrow a fifty spot from Phil at three percent gig, okay? And then the only thing that we should research because they're probably going to ask you like who your supervisor is, so we could go on Lincoln or or just somewhere on the internet we'll find out who the food and beverage manager is just so we have at least one name to drop right right that's a good because idea. they're probably going to ask a name so just find out who the food and beverage manager is or whatever it is but i think el chico loco he'd be the he'd be the character to, to call yeah. the ti with i think that'd be pretty funny okay what do you think? yeah let's do it good idea okay all right listen happy father's day to you happy oh, father's you. day to your father and everyone else out there that is listening that's a father and uh 
I'll, uh, I'll, I'll definitely try to be back. I mean, listen, I'm not going to lie, buddy. This takes a lot out of me. I mean, I don't know how you do it. I mean, this is just it's a long show. It is. It's a long show. Yeah. And you put a timestamp in and all and that. I put timestamps, which is a pain in the ass. It's a pain in the ass doing the timestamps. Yeah. Are you keeping track while we're talking of where Th- that's we're That's the problem. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. And then I go, oh, crap, I need to put the timestamp down. And then not only that, I have to I, – I note what time it occurred, but not what time in the sh- – in the show, it occurred, and if I edit some small parts out, then that throws it all off. It's, it's a lot harder than it appears. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, again, thank you for your hospitality. I will be back at some point. I'll likely bring Monocum with me. We'll do a Monocum Minute 10 years later. And, uh, <laughs> well, I definitely want to be on the line. So if, if indeed next week you do call TI, I want to be on the line for it. So okay. make sure you text me. I will, I will let you know. And Again, thanks for the here. hospitality. I had a great time. Great, okay, great thank time. you, Doug. Very having you back, and I'm sure the listeners right. will be happy too. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. All Bye. right, I'm going to be doing the coronavirus topics myself. Done with the whole thing. We did a lot of coronavirus talk already throughout the show, so these won't be as long as normal. But there were some things we didn't touch on, so I, I want to get to these things. The U.S. has the highest case total per day that we've ever seen of the coronavirus as far as verified cases. That's true. If someone says it's not true, they're lying to you. The numbers say it. But as often is the case with statistics, they can be misleading. And in this case, they probably are at least somewhat. And I will explain where I think you should be skeptical as far as what they mean and also where you should be skeptical of those who say they mean nothing. So it is a fact that we are testing more than we used to. So you cannot compare the numbers of confirmed cases that are found today to confirmed cases found in mid-March or early April because they're doing a lot more testing now. Testing is far more available than it was in uh, the beginning of this. So if they're doing more tests, then they're coming up with more positive tests. That's the way it's going to be. Keep in mind, and you may not remember this because it seems like everything's changing so fast and things that happened not too long ago are actually uh, fairly recent. If you think back, remember when they were denying tests to anyone who couldn't show that they actually had contact with someone who had the coronavirus and tested positive? Do you remember that? If If you had every obvious symptom of it and you went there and you said, hey, I have a fever, I have shortness of breath, I have a cough, my cough is dry, I have a lot of fatigue, so how about it? How about a COVID test? Uh, Question for you. Do you know anybody personally who got diagnosed with COVID-19 and did you have direct contact with them? Uh, No. Yeah, we can't test you and they'll send you home. That's what would happen. That's what was happening at the beginning. And if you wanted to test, you either had to have such a severe case that it was uh, worthy of hospitalization. So, if you, for example, if you showed up and couldn't breathe, then yes, they test you. But if you were just very sick but not in danger and needed to be hospitalized, if you just it was a case where it was safe to send you back home, then they would send you back home with no test. It was insane. And a lot of people didn't get tested for that reason. They either went and got denied a test or they just chose not to go knowing that they would not get tested. And it was this way for a while. 
some places were just very, very conservative with who they'd give tests. In fact, there was some advice I gave on the show that maybe you should just lie and say you knew someone. The reason they said they were doing this, which I didn't agree with, but the reason they said they were doing this was that if you don't need hospitalization, then the treatment's the same whether you're tested positive or negative. So if you think you have it, just go home and avoid everybody. No point to get a positive test because either way they're going to say it's the same thing, especially because it had a 30% false negative rate. I don't know if it still does, but I know then it did. So they're saying even if it came out as negative, they'd still tell you to go home and avoid everybody else. So what's the point of the test? The problem is that it doesn't allow them to keep good records of who really is getting it. It's it's already very questionable as to what percentage of the population has actually had it. We still don't know. We may be way off. So that was a big problem. It's because they didn't have that many tests, so they had to save them, and they overdid it as far as saving them. It's not like that anymore. In fact, I have two family members who took a coronavirus test. Uh, one was uh, at the doctor for something else. And uh, actually, this one took an antibody. So I had one relative who took an antibody test. It came negative. And I had one who took a coronavirus test because they had uh, some symptoms, which could mean it, but it, it by no means was definite. In fact, there was already a sign they didn't have it because it was starting to improve a little bit. And I said the coronavirus doesn't do that. It doesn't. You don't start getting symptoms, and then, like two days later, it starts to get a little bit better. It gets worse and worse and worse and worse for a while. And sure enough, this person didn't have it, but they got tested, came back negative. Back in March, back in early April, they could not have done that. So since there's way more tests, you're going to get way more positive cases. I know a number of people personally who did have the coronavirus. I didn't see them in person, thankfully, but they had the coronavirus and they never went in to get tested. Why? Because they knew they had it, because their case was not bad enough to hospitalize them. And they said, okay, no point. I know I have it, but why go in and get a test? I know I have it. I'll just stay away from everybody. I'll just stay at home. I'll go into the hospital if this gets bad. And... They never got bad enough to go to the hospital, so they never got tested. So I I know people like that personally, and there are so many people like that in the U.S. that just never got tested because they didn't want to bother, or they thought they'd be turned down from a test. So they just didn't get one. Some people even feared the test itself because you'd see the videos of it where they'd swab way up your nose and it looked awful. Apparently they have a better version of that now that's not quite as bad. The person I talked to who had the test told me that it was, the family member told me it was nothing. Very easy. Like a very quick momentary discomfort, but wasn't that bad at all. But there's a lot of people who didn't get tested. So that's why we have to take the new case number now with a grain of salt when you compare it to two months ago. Even one month ago. But it would also be naive to say that we did not have a jump in cases. Because we have. We definitely saw a big jump. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but we saw a fairly big jump. Number of cases uh, currently and number of cases like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. So that can't be ignored. That is not due to any testing difference. There's not an appreciable testing difference between now and say three weeks ago. So that really is, I mean, there's, there's additional tests, but it's not, it's not dramatically different. So that doesn't explain the big jump. 
Yesterday, the U.S. reported 33,388 positive cases that were new to make the total verified positive cases over 2.3 million in the U.S. Two days ago, very similar number, also 33,000-something of new cases that were verified. What about new deaths? Well, that doesn't look that bad compared to before. Two days ago, 719. Yesterday, 573. You may say, okay, well, that really gives strong evidence that the big increase in cases is just directly attached to the additional testing. So nothing to worry about. Wrong. Why is it wrong? Because deaths are a few weeks behind. Because you don't get coronavirus and die the next day. Usually what happens with the coronavirus is you get it. There's two or more days where you don't feel it at all. You feel completely healthy. Then you start to feel a little bit run down. Then you get a fever. Then, and sometimes it presents another way. Sometimes you'll wake up with, a, uh, with no taste or no smell. But whatever it is, it takes a few days to show up. And then it worsens. Then it worsens more. Then it worsens more. And at some point, for most people, it peaks, sits there a while. And after about two or three weeks, it starts to improve. And, uh, and then you slowly get better. But, and the really unlucky people end up getting hospitalized or die. But it rarely jumps to death very quickly. People who are destined to die from the coronavirus will take a few weeks to get there, sometimes longer than that. Sometimes they'll end up on a ventilator, be there for a long time, or sit in critical condition for a long time, and then eventually die. So a lot of times the deaths are trailing way behind the new cases as far as the correlation to draw between them. And it's never instant. Yes, there's a few instant deaths from things like stroke that are brought on by COVID occasionally, but it's rare. Most COVID deaths, the vast, vast, vast majority of COVID deaths take some time to happen, at least a week, usually more. Usually it's like two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. So the deaths being not that high for the last two days doesn't mean much. That just means that uh, we need to wait a few weeks and then see what the deaths are. The deaths will tell the better story because the deaths will tell us how it compares to the way it was two months ago. Because deaths are deaths. They don't have, they have nothing to do with the amount of testing you're doing. So that will be the biggest indicator. Now, if we get a few weeks from now and let's say the deaths were getting uh, 1,100 a day. Well, that's higher than it is right now. But that's a lot less than it was in late April when we're seeing uh, – we saw a peak of like uh, 2,700 a day and we were seeing uh, 2,400, 2,500 routinely at the worst point. So if we're like at half of that, then while the new verified cases may be at an all-time high, it will look like the new actual cases are probably lower because we'll see the different death rate. Because as far as your chance of dying from this, it's it's roughly the same as it was back in March and back in April. There really has not been very much inva- advancement. There's been a little bit, which I'll talk about shortly, but there hasn't been that much advancement in saving you once you get it. And that that is a big reason to be careful, by the way. That is a big reason not to take this lightly. It's not like they've learned so much now and you're way better off getting it today than, than getting it a few months ago. It's not like that. Let's compare this to something like like uh, HIV. If you got HIV in the early days of it, in the 80s, uh, the good chance you were screwed. Good chance it would develop to full-blown AIDS and kill you and there'd be no way out of it. 
Now, if you have HIV, there's there's so many different things you can do to prevent it from progressing to full blown AIDS and killing you. There, there's been so much progress. It took a very long time to get there. I hope it doesn't take that long for coronavirus. But uh, there's uh, way bit you're way better off contracting HIV in 2020 than in 1983, and it's not even close. But that's not the case with the coronavirus of a few months ago versus now. It, it's basically the same. The way you're going to end up after getting the coronavirus, it's it's just a matter of how your body's going to handle it. So that's why, just because things are reopening, that doesn't mean it's safer. It doesn't mean the danger is less. It feels like the danger is less, but the danger is not less. Danger may actually be more, maybe more. So you have to keep that in mind when you are deciding what you're going to be doing. Now, what about these numbers? Should they be influenced, or, or do you think? Do I think they were influenced by the protests? The answer is yes. It's hard to tell how much, and there's a few reasons for this. First of all, most of the protesters are younger. Very few are very old, and it was mostly young people with some middle-aged people mixed in there, and some between young and middle-aged, like you know, 35. But a lot of young people out there, uh, it's it skewed young. Let's just say that. I think we can all agree on that as far as the demographics of the protest by age. Well, what happens if you get the coronavirus and you're young? Well, let's, let's ask the first question. If you're young, is it harder for you to get the coronavirus? As far as I know, no. It's, I, I believe you're about equally susceptible to getting it if you're young as compared to if you're old or at least middle-aged. The difference is if uh, how your body reacts to it. And as I'm sure you know by now, young people, including young adults, are not affected by the coronavirus that badly. There's a few very unlucky ones who are, but for the most part, young adults just get a mild illness and get over it. And it gets worse and worse as you get older. So let's look at the protests here. A lot of people who caught it at the protests probably didn't go in to get tested. I bet a lot of them were asymptomatic. And even the ones that uh, were symptomatic, they didn't feel the need to run and go get a test because they probably had mild symptoms. So even if they knew they had it, it wasn't a huge deal. So that's not to say that was okay. It's not to say that uh, that wasn't a mistake to have protests like that. It was. And it was especially a mistake to encourage protests like that. And planned protests. They actually had planned rallies and stuff related to the protests, which was really bad. Saw one in in Brooklyn that was uh, something to honor black transsexuals. I'm like, why are they doing this? Honor the black transsexuals some other time. Like, don't do it now. It's just endangering people. Like, it's one thing to have an uncontrolled riot breakout, but or even uncontrolled protests that just spontaneously happens, but to plan rallies about black transsexuals, I think it's crazy. Not not just about black transsexuals, like to plan rallies about anything. And I know what you're probably thinking, well, how do I feel about Trump rallies? I'll get to that shortly. So I think a lot of those people who got coronavirus in the protests didn't go in for tests because they didn't feel like they needed to, or didn't even feel the virus at all. But that they easily could have been transmitting it to others, 
who are much more vulnerable, including their parents. Looking by state, California is continuing to struggle. They got uh, 4,363 new cases, which I believe is an all-time high yesterday. Uh, Texas, big jump, 4,250. They were doing pretty well with the coronavirus. Now they, uh, their number of cases has jumped way up per day. Same thing in Florida. They've got 4,049. Arizona, 3,109, which is huge considering their population is not that big. Florida and Texas, uh, especially Texas, have uh, bigger populations. So Arizona having a big problem there. And uh, th- those are pretty much the problem spots. Uh, New York has really improved. They had fewer than 1,000 new cases. So they've, they're really getting over it. That's, that's a mystery I've never solved. I, I can't figure this out. And for some reason, no one talks about it. How come after some places are really terrible, they stop being terrible? Like, what happens? What, what, what causes that change? How come New York isn't horrible anymore? They're not doing very much that's different. Is it some sort of, like, partial herd immunity? I, I don't know what's going on there, but, like, how did New York go from the worst place to nowhere near the worst place? How are they getting so fewer deaths and new cases? The state of New York had 15 deaths yesterday. 15! I mean, that's, that's nothing compared to what they had. You realize that the total deaths in New York, 31,174. The U.S. has had a total of uh, 121,980 deaths. So New York was, was like a quarter of that. And yet they only had 15 deaths yesterday. How did it improve so much in New York? And I don't see how that's... I, I don't understand it. I can't even put forth a theory. Unless it is good news that places will have their flare-ups and their bad period of time, which will last a little while, and then it will go down and never return. Not be gone completely, but it won't return to what it was. So I, I don't know how to explain New York and other places like that. Seattle, remember, if Seattle was so terrible, they, they've improved greatly too. The number of places like that. But uh, anyway, the, the real problem spots, uh, Arizona, Florida, Texas, California – even population adjusted. And uh, Georgia, high as well, 1,800, which population adjusted is uh, is fairly high. North Carolina as well. Uh, some of these are places that you probably will notice had more aggressive reopenings. So is that to say that these aggressive reopenings were a mistake? Uh, no. Because... You have to figure out where the sweet spot is with this, of what is the acceptable risk. Not what is going to save the most lives short term. Because number one, uh, if this isn't cured, people are going to get this anyway. Like if they they don't come up with a, a reliable vaccine or a cure for it, then people not getting it today may get it a few months down the line anyway. And and if, if honestly, if they don't get a handle on this, if they don't find a way to stop this, then any months we spend shutting down just hurts us and are pointless. The only way they had a point was to stop the hospital system from being overwhelmed. Since it's generally agreed upon, that's probably not going to happen now. Uh, what are we waiting for? And that's that's a big thing. That's a big factor you have to think about, not just who's dying here or how many people are dying or how many new cases we're getting. 
Uh, I'd like to see more honesty in the numbers. And when I say that, I mean, why are they counting things like someone gets in a car accident and dies and they happen to have COVID, so it's a COVID case. They have a drug overdose and they die, but they had COVID, so it's a COVID case. I've seen these. These these aren't a myth. I've seen it in my own county, reported by the county, not reported by some nut job. The county itself has reported these things have happened where I live. Why are they counting that as a COVID case? And that, that just brings a lot of questions to the whole thing. I know there's those that argue that the number is actually undercounted because there were other COVID deaths that they feel were not classified that way when they should have been. I don't know. We're not going to even discuss that here. But what I'm going to say is that we can't just leave everything closed with no end in sight, which is what a closure right now would look like. If you close everything right now, you, you, there's no end. Close it till when? July? August? September? October? Let's say we're going to close till October 1st. What's different on October 1st? Tell me. Do do we have a cure October 1st? Do we have a vaccine October 1st? Very good chance, no. So why are we closed till October 1st? What about November 1st? What about December 1st? When is it safe to reopen? If you're against reopening, when is it safe? So I think the the right way to do it now is a responsible reopening. You, You reopen and you examine what is smart to have and what's not smart to have. And uh, that's not an easy question to answer. And it becomes even harder when things like the protests happen when they just uh, temporarily say it's all okay. And I thought that was terrible messaging that the left didn't want to talk about this. And the reason it's terrible messaging is because it confuses everybody. It's either always bad to be out there in a crowd of people or it's not always bad. And if there's this in-between where if you like the cause they're out there for, then it's okay, then it's it's such inconsistent and hypocritical messaging that you can't take it seriously. And the average person can't take it seriously. The average person doesn't even understand when it's okay to be out there and when it's not. Think about it. How, How could the protests be praised? How could those planned Black Lives Matter rallies be praised by the same media who shames people for being out there for reasons they don't like. And I'm not just talking about the Trump rally. I'm talking about way before that. So there has to be a consistent message of what's okay and what's not okay. And the media should get on board with it. The government should get on board with it. And as many people as possible should get on board with it. There should not be conflicting messages of when it's okay and not okay to shut down. And that's become a problem here. Now, now nobody can trust anything. Nobody can take anyone seriously. So that's uh, that's a whole different issue. So I think we need to wait and see as far as the deaths and when the deaths, if the deaths spike, like spike up high. Let's say the deaths set a new record. Let's say in. Uh, Three weeks, we see that there are 3,000 deaths a day in the U.S. That's very bad news, and that means we've hit a new peak. New cases, that doesn't mean that much. I've always said, don't worry so much about the cases because that's correlated with testing. But since it was such a quick pop-up in the number of cases, for sure that does have to do with the reopening and somewhat the protests. And if you think it wasn't the protests, then you're also kidding yourself. Okay, so moving on. I want to talk about the Trump rally. And, of course, I'm going to talk about the protests, too, which 
by the way, if you take a look at the mainstream media, they don't like to talk about the Trump rally in the same breath as they talk about the protests. When they talk about the Trump rally, they ignore the fact that these protests occurred for the last few weeks. Go go read CNN. Go read other left-leaning media sources when they write about the Trump, val- ra- the, the Trump rally, and you will see that a, there's a lot of vitriol against Trump, against his supporters, against those who think the rally is okay. There's a lot of shaming of people for not wearing masks. But you'll see nothing about the protests there, which I think is irresponsible journalism. You can't talk about one without the other. It's okay to be against both. You cannot talk about one without the other. And if you're going to talk about them and you're going to say one is okay and one's not okay, you better have a damn good reason. And let me tell you, there actually isn't one. So I'm going to come out and say right now, I think the Trump rally was a mistake. It was stupid. It was irresponsible. And all Trump did, I think, was hurt himself. The people going to that rally are voting for him anyway. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't need those people there to be fired up by him. These, if, if you're going to a Trump rally, you're probably fired up enough about Trump to vote for him. By the way, Matt Glantz, professional poker player and listener to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, went to the Trump rally. He's not a Trump supporter. Matt Glantz is very middle-of-the-road politically. In fact, uh, he probably leans a little bit more left these days. He was a big uh, Pete Buttigieg supporter. But he's, he's pretty centrist. And uh, he, he has been disgusted by some of the things that uh, the left has been doing. I don't know why he went to the Trump rally. I think it was just out of curiosity. I have spoken to him personally. If he fears the virus, we're about the same age. And he said no. I don't understand why, but uh, he doesn't. He's not afraid of it. So he went to the the rally and then live tweeted the stuff he was seeing. Uh, Glance did say that Trump is a great speaker in person and has a great presence there. He said a lot better than he comes off on TV. That he wasn't that impressed with Trump speaking on TV during his, the last five years, but that in person he's a, a very powerful speaker. And I believe that, and I've seen others say that as well. So he was impressed by Trump's uh, speaking ability and the ability to get the crowd excited. But he's not a fan of Trump. He's probably not voting for Trump. But anyway, I think the rally was a mistake. I don't think it changed many people's minds. And it did create some further division between the, uh, the left and the right regarding the coronavirus. So wh- why do this? Like, why why flaunt you're going to go to a, an indoor rally, which is more dangerous than an outdoor rally? You're going to an indoor rally in a stadium and packing together just to hear Trump speak. Like, I, I can understand why people are upset when they see that. Would I go to that? Obviously not. Do I think it was a good idea? No. Do I think anybody should have gone to that? No. I feel they should have a right to, but I, I I don't think it's a good thing to do. I think Trump should not have held it. I think it shouldn't happen. I think people should, on their own, say, hey, I, I probably shouldn't go to this. That would be the smartest thing to do. But the left has no right to criticize them. Not anymore. Before the protests, they would have. Before the protests... People on the left would have had a great point that Trump is making a huge mistake by doing this and that they would not have done the same thing. If 
the situation were reversed, they would not have put people's lives in danger like this. They could have said it, and you couldn't disprove it, if these protests had not happened. But, since we live in a universe where these protests did happen, the left absolutely, positively, has no more moral high ground regarding the coronavirus and people gathering together. And I've seen all these stupid excuses. Oh, well, one's inside and one's outside. This isn't a competition. We're not trying to figure out which one is a little more dangerous than the other. We're trying to figure out, is it a good idea, is it safe, or is it unsafe and irresponsible? And the truth is, both are unsafe and irresponsible. The protests were praised by the left and the mainstream media as being beautiful, as being necessary. They encouraged people to go out there and join it. They rarely brought up the virus, and when they did, they kind of would just quickly say, oh, yeah, we may see a spike uh, in numbers, but it was never spoken of negatively. You never heard from the mainstream media, they probably shouldn't be out here doing this because of the coronavirus. This is probably dangerous. This is probably going to cause some people to die. This is going to cause some people to get very sick. This is something the country should not be doing after we just shut down to prevent exactly things like this. This is exactly the type of thing we don't want to see, the type of spread we don't want to see. And we've been avoiding this. We've been banning events like this. This is why there's no Coachella. That's why there's no baseball games. That's why there's no basketball games. We shut all that down at great peril to our economy, especially with all together. And then people just go do this. And and for some reason, that's okay. And I've heard the other excuses. Well, this was so important, people had to. People had to, to to make this change happen. It was inconveniently timed that it happened during a pandemic, but it was so important, so important to show that Black Lives Matter and police brutality needs to stop. That They just had to do it, and if, if some people die, then that's just uh, collateral damage. It's just, it just almost like they had to sacrifice themselves for the greater cause. But th- that's nonsense. That's nonsense. Let's look at what this really is. What they're trying to say here, if someone says it's okay to go out and protest the George Floyd killing and to scream that Black Lives Matter, if it's okay to be out there for that and pack yourself in in crowds of more than 60,000 people, which some of these cities had, more than 60,000 people packed shoulder to shoulder, many of whom had no masks on for long periods of time, not just for a minute together, but long periods of time all breathing on each other, coughing on each other. If that's okay to have all these people together in all these different cities, in these massive crowds, I don't care if it's indoors or outdoors. If that is okay, then so is any kind of crowd gathering. And there's no way around that. And if you say that is okay because it's important, but a Trump rally is not okay because it's unimportant, do you know what you're saying? You're saying that Freedom of assembly, which is guaranteed by the First Amendment, that this only applies to causes that you deem important. Would you say that's a problem? Would you say that's a problem if now you are making the point that freedom of assembly only applies to those whose causes you agree with or you think are important? That is not what the First Amendment is about. In fact, the First Amendment is the opposite of that. The First Amendment, the whole point of it is to say whether or not you agree with the speech or the reason for protest, even if you completely disagree with it, people have a right to do it anyway. It's not up to you or anyone 
or even the government, to assess the importance of the cause. That you should always be able to speak, you should always be able to assemble. Now, you can suspend the assembly if there is a public health issue, which is what was done prior to the last few weeks. But that will mean that assembly is suspended for everybody, for all causes. It's not we're suspending freedom of assembly only for causes that we disagree with. But if the cause is very important and we agree with it, then you can assemble. You see a problem with that? That's a violation of freedom of assembly. To tell everybody they can't because of public health, that's treating everyone equally. That's not violating freedom of assembly as long as it's not permanent, as long as it's temporary and it applies to everyone equally. But if it only applies to certain people, which the left seems to be saying, protesting for George Floyd, okay, that's a cause we agree with, you can assemble. Rally for Trump, up. Oh, we don't agree with that, you can't assemble. That is a violation of the First Amendment. That is a violation of the spirit of the First Amendment. That is not what was intended. That is a big violation of freedom. Anyone who cares about civil liberties in the United States, which I care about a lot, If you care about civil liberties in the United States, you should not be opposed to one and supportive of the other. You can say you agree with one. You can say that uh, one you think is a better reason to assemble than the other. That is your right to have that opinion. But if you think that one should have been prevented and one should have been okay, or that uh, one is okay to do and the other is not okay to do, That is not good. Your personal belief as to which is better or what you you would attend, what you agree with, that's all fine. But as far as whether they should happen, it needs to all apply in the same manner. And you will not find in the many, many, many hours that I have recorded this show, which is now in the thousands. I've done thousands of hours of this show. You will not find... Even one moment where I state that the speech from the left should ever be suppressed. I would never want that. I don't want the left's speech suppressed. I don't want their freedom of assembly and freedom of peacefully protest. Real peaceful protest, not fake peaceful protest, but actual peaceful protest. I always want that to be allowed. And if there was ever anyone on the right who were to say, no, it should not be, we need to suppress them, I would never support that. But... It goes both ways. So if you're going to support the assembly of a big crowd during a pandemic, then you have to support the assembly of a big crowd for any cause. Great causes and terrible causes. And if you can't see why that makes you hypocritical if you say otherwise, then I don't know what to tell you. But I think it would have been great if everyone shamed all of it. If the media had some balls and were to say, we agree with the cause, normally we would say these protests are great. However, this is not a safe time to be doing that. Please don't go out. Please don't go out. Please don't protest right now because this is the wrong time to do it. It is dangerous. It's creating a public health issue. The people out there 
are doing exactly what we've been trying not to do for the last few months. They're going to worsen the problem. Uh, there's, there's a reason we have social distancing. We can't just throw all that away because we happen to agree with this cause or, or feel that a protest would be warranted in normal times. That fortunately we have social media where you can do a lot of protests and really get your voice heard online where everybody's safe. And if when this is all passed, you'd like to protest about police brutality. It's not, it's not like we'll just forget the George Floyd thing happened. You, you can protest this later when it's safer. If you really need to go out in the streets to protest. But they, they should be honest that this is not a good thing to do. I can't say that'll stop everybody. It wouldn't, but at least come out against it and don't encourage it. And be honest that this is something that shouldn't be happening. Or if you're going to take the attitude of, you know what? People have been cooped up long enough. Let them do it. We need to just accept this as part of life. Then okay. Then allow the Trump, Trump rally. Don't complain about the Trump rally. In fact, uh, it, would, it means it should be time to start going to baseball games if you want. Reopen baseball. Reopen basketball. Have Coachella. Just start reopening everything if, if you think this is okay. But there's there's so much rationalizing being done by the left about this. Of, well, this, this is different. The Trump rally is different because it's inside, because it's not a good reason, because it's a, it's not about social justice. It's not this. It's not that. No, see, ours was good. Yours is bad. I go, no, you're not understanding free speech. You're not understanding freedom of assembly. You're not. So I, I really wish none of it was happening. Now, do I think since they did that, that Trump might as well go do that? No, because it's still bad optics. He still has an election to win, and it's also something that's dangerous. The fact is, there probably will be deaths because of that Trump rally. And there shouldn't be. They, they shouldn't do it. And as I was saying, the, the rally doesn't help that much. It really does not help that much as far as getting Trump votes. It, it does kind of seem like it was an act of defiance in some ways. And some people who go to the rallies really feel that way. Some people intentionally don't wear masks to make statements. I don't need to wear a mask. Masks are stupid. It's an infringement upon my rights, blah, blah, blah. And I don't believe in any of that. You've got, you got to stop doing that. This is not a good uh, – this isn't a good point to take a stand on. You're taking a stand on a stupid point. There are instances where your rights are violated these days, but not in being told you need to wear a mask. That's not it. Okay, I'm going to move on to a lighter topic. A lighter topic, and then we'll go to a not-so-light topic. And uh, then we'll do our listener rebuttal, and then we'll be done. The lighter topic is about a strip club. Not a Vegas strip club, but a Wisconsin strip club. Now, Wisconsin is a place that you may not have been to. I've actually never been to Wisconsin, but Wisconsin has a reputation. I don't know if it's true, but it has a reputation for people being fat. There's a reputation that it's the fattest state. I don't even know if this is true, but this is a, you know, you think of Wisconsin, you've probably heard, oh, everybody's fat there. The men are fat, the women are fat, everybody's fat in Wisconsin. It's just a fat state. That's why it is kind of amusing that there is a COVID-19 outbreak at a strip club, and the strip club's name was Cruisin' Chubbies. <laughs> Cruisin' Chubbies has the coronavirus. <laughs> Cruisin' Chubbies, which is officially called Cruisin' Chubbies Gentleman's Club, 
is in Wisconsin Dells, Wisconsin, which I've never heard of before, sometimes also known as the Dells. It's part of Juneau County, even though it's not in Alaska. You totally think you you would totally think Juneau County is, is in Alaska, but it's not. It's in Wisconsin. But the health the health department reported that there are at least two COVID nineteen cases at Cruz and Chubby's, and perhaps more. They advised that if you visited Cruz and Chubby's between June tenth and June fourteenth, you may have been exposed, and that you should contact your health provider if you think you have symptoms. They did not say how the virus may have spread in the club, though I have an, I have some ideas of how that could have happened. And it was defined as an outbreak because an outbreak as defined by the Wisconsin Department of Health Services is two or more confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the same facility. And they did have two cases. So it's officially considered an outbreak at Cruz and Chubby's. Now, I don't know if Cruz and Chubby's is still open. I'm having a hard time figuring this out. But I did look into Cruz and Chubby's to do research for the show. Now, I would have suspected, especially being in Wisconsin, that Cruz and Chubby's was a strip club for guys who like bigger women. Now, as someone who's not even into skinny girls myself, I can say that it would make sense to have such a club. I mean, I think for the most part, guys who go to strip clubs don't want to see women who are uh, not thin. Usually guys who go to strip clubs prefer uh, thinner women. But there are plenty who don't. In fact, there are some bigger girls who strip who do very well because they they have a customer base that, that prefers that. So I thought maybe Cruz and Chubbies, especially in Wisconsin, where there probably are more Chubbies to begin with, both male and female, that uh, perhaps there's a whole club dedicated to that. But then I looked at the girls that are on the Facebook page that they depict working at Cruz and Chubby's, and none of them are chubby. So I think chubby is actually supposed to be the guy. I think I think chubby is supposed to be like the owner. This is just my guess. I know nothing about the place. But I think, I don't know where the cruising part is, but uh, I think this is like Chubby's Gentleman Club. But then I looked, and there's no apostrophe on the Facebook page. So it's not Cruz and Chubby apostrophe S, which would mean like it's uh, – a guy named Cruz and Chubby who owns it. This is Cruz and Chubby S, like you know, just like there's, it's a gentleman's club for Cruz and Chubbies. Now, Chubbies could also be a reference to an erection. Maybe that's what they mean. Otherwise, I don't know what they're talking about because the girls they depict on the Cruz and Chubby's Facebook page are by no means chubby. In fact, they're the opposite. Uh, they're either thin or like athletic looking, but. Not chubby. I haven't seen one chubby girl on the Facebook page. And if that's the case, then why are they even calling themselves Cruz and Chubbies? If you, I, I, I realize they're probably not getting a lot of tourists in Wisconsin, Dells, Wisconsin, but if you're choosing a strip club to go to and don't know anything about them, would you choose the place called Cruz and Chubbies if you weren't into chubby girls? But that's what had the coronavirus outbreak, as they call it. I want to know if it was two girls who got it or two customers. They, they weren't clear about that. There's nothing on the Facebook page about being closed. However, the last time that they uh, posted was on June 16th, and it's like a help wanted ad. 
wage based on experience, part-time to potential full-time, nights and weekend holidays included. The reason they say that is to entice girls to want to strip there because you don't want to be a stripper on, on uh, Wednesday night. You, you want to be a stripper on Friday night, Saturday night. So they're saying you can start off as part-time and you'll even get some hours that are during the higher traffic times. But that's what they posted on June 16th. Then they had an ad on June 9th before they this outbreak occurred. So that doesn't apply. So they haven't said they're closed. They haven't said they're open. They haven't mentioned this. Anyway, Cruz and Chubbies is not a safe place to go in Wisconsin. It says on the Facebook page, over 13,000 square feet, three stages and four bars, and the hottest girls. I still want to know why it's called Cruz and Chubbies, though. It has a good rating on Facebook of 4.6 out of 5. But again, that's their own Facebook page. You know, I'm going to look them up on Yelp. I'm going to Yelp Cruz and Chubbies. Maybe that'll give us the answer. Maybe we will finally understand this, what's occurring at Cruz and Chubbies. Uh, I'm not finding it on Yelp. Let's try one more time. Yelp, Cruz and Chubbies, Wisconsin. Let's try that. Okay. Yeah, it does not have good reviews on Yelp. It has 18 reviews and only three stars. Now, sometimes these get worse reviews than they deserve, these strip clubs, because people tend to review them when they're pissed off about something. And there's a lot of things which piss off people at strip clubs. Uh, they, they don't have a good experience with the girl who does a dance for them privately and they pay money for, or some girl's rude to them, or some bouncer's rude to them, uh, like, or, or maybe the guy is, is too aggressive when he's drunk and they throw him out. Uh, so I, I do take those with a grain of salt. It tends like all strip clubs tend to get uh, their share of bad reviews. But this is on uh, October 14th, 2019, from Anthony H. in Pittsburgh. Management makes hot women look ugly. What does that mean? How can management make hot women look ugly? Went on a Monday night, which I expected to be slow. However, after getting my initial lap dance from a very beautiful girl with a doomy attitude, which made everything better, (laughs) was only ruined by the Boy Buns Management Group. I don't know what that means that followed me out of the club and persisted on making me hate them because they voiced my concern that there were zero dancers on the floor. They made me feel like it was stupid for thinking that it was weird for naked women to be naked during the hours of operation at a strip club. Huh? They made me feel like it was stupid for thinking it was weird for naked women to be naked. I I don't understand that. Isn't that what they should be? Uh, It's sad that my whole experience was completely ruined by the asshole attitudes of the sad boys who were in charge that night. See, this is like a management issue. That review wouldn't dissuade me. This sounds like a personal issue we had with management. He complained about something, and then they followed him out and yelled at him. Like, I'll give you a, a hint here. I haven't been to many strip clubs, but the ones I've been to, the guys running it, they're not exactly classy guys with good customer service skills. It's usually assholes and perverts running these things. So you don't want to get into arguments with them. That's like really not part of the strip club experience. If if the strip club sucks, you should just leave. Management's never going to give you satisfaction. From January 8th, 2018 from what looks like a girl, Aaron O. Wish I could give zero stars. My boyfriend and I came to Wisconsin Dells for a vacation. Oh, really? Is that a vacation spot? Yeah, I know nothing about Wisconsin. We wanted to have some fun late at night, so we stopped at Cruz and Chubby's Gentleman's Club for a fun time. We bought, a, we bought a bottle of champagne, and over the course of an hour, not one dancer approached us or attempted to dance on stage. 
When we asked the security guard when no one was dancing on stage, he told he told me he could put someone up if I asked. I'm from Chicago. I worked at the club before. This is disappointing, never going back. So that kind of sounds like they have a stage issue there, like they don't have girls up on stage enough. This is from uh, 2014. Don't go here. Don't waste your money. Also one star. Went there on a Wednesday night with three of my best buds, which cool at first. We were buying drinks and taking shots, tipping the girls. They weren't impressive, just trying to have a good time. Then my buddy got a text. He quietly stepped back from the stage to check it. Then a, this fat, gay-looking DJ with glasses and shaggy hair came over yelling at him. See, this is another, like, rude management issue. It's not very interesting to me. So that's some good reviews. I'm just reading the bad ones to you guys, some five-star ones. Um, a lot of this seems to be, for the most part, either complaining about people not up on the stage enough, like the girls aren't on the stage that much, or that the management are kind of assholes. Uh there are a number of bad reviews here. So, uh, uh, someone wrote, uh, who came up with that name, Unreal? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It, it could be like a self effacing name. I have no idea. But they had the coronavirus. None of the reviews mentioned the coronavirus, by the way. None that I can see. All right, let me take a look at some texts before we move on here to our final coronavirus topic. Um, from the 505, uh, no, that's about something last week. From the 661, nice to hear Brandon again. He also said that uh, maybe they could make people show up with their laptops at the Rio uh, Convention Center and put everybody six feet apart. He's talking about ideas to possibly do this uh, World Series of Poker uh, online. Though I don't know, why wouldn't they just... Uh, are you talking about maybe having people play online but in person? So there's no ghosting? You know, that wouldn't be that bad of an idea. It's, it sounded ridiculous at first when I said it out loud, but now that I think about it, it's not that bad of an idea of like a, a live online tournament. And I know these have been talked about before where people like uh, all sit together and play online some distance apart so they can all see they're playing against one person. But the, it, right now, that's especially a good idea. It's It may not be practical to do, but yeah, that would prevent a lot of the fears about ghosting. From the 702, tell Drexel that Hooters Casino sold months ago and the name is Oyo Hotel and Casino. Yeah, we've talked about that on here before. But I forgot about that, so thanks for telling me. From the 702, a different number, it says that it's a... Screenshot of a Facebook post that Harris Laughlin had two restaurant employees test positive, but they're only shutting down for one night and reopening tomorrow. That's a typical Laughlin. <laughs> this person wrote, there's some shady shit going on, that, and that's at a well-known, quote, clean casino. Yeah, Laughlin, it wouldn't surprise me to do crap like that. Uh, from the 507 regarding my Bovada story, Bovada Ignition story. I think you've uncovered some foul play in that game on Bovada Druff, but I have no idea how he could be doing it. Is it some kind of cheating? Why would he leave a good game? It, it, it's so bizarre. Like, there's so many things I can't explain about that guy. Like, the leaving a good game is really weird. Why would you ever do that? Like, if there's ever a good cover to win a lot of money, wouldn't you say this when a fish is present? Like, if, if you're playing against four good players and you're just destroying them every day, then they can get to wonder if you're playing a fish and you happen to win all the money there, then that's what happens. When a fish is in the game, a lot of times it increases the variance of the game, especially if it's like a aggressive fish. But it, it, it is kind of weird. 
like what's really weird to me is like the guy is killing it, loses four hands in a row, and just says, "I'm out of here," and bolts. Like what you think? You really think you're never going to lose hands? Like you're 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 winning so much every day, including the day when you get up and leave, and and for some reason, like a, a few hands in a row, you lose. You think it's time to leave and and ditch a fish playing? It's it's really strange. I don't know what to say about that guy. From the five one six. I would really hate to fly into an airport named after Harry Reid. Anyone on the left who's championing him may, may not realize he's the reason both of Trump's Supreme Court nominees got through because he changed the filibuster rule from requiring 60 votes to just a simple majority when it came to Supreme Court nominees. Yeah, that's true. Hopefully that will change their mind because to name an airport after that guy is insane. I wouldn't say for that reason, but I, I would say that Harry Reid was very corrupt. And even if you think he did good things for Nevada, he, he was very corrupt. He was a corrupt senator who took bribes. And did it for many decades. That was just what he did. This is a, he, this is not a classy guy. This is a guy who grew up in, in tiny searchlight Nevada and his dad ran a whorehouse. Look it up. That, that's, he was the son of a guy who ran a whorehouse in a small town called Searchlight. And that's how he grew up. And Harry Reid has always had that mentality. He's always been someone who, uh, kind of just thought you, uh, you get things done if, if something's in it for you. That you're not serving the public, you're serving yourself. And that's the way Harry Reid has always operated. And anyone who thinks otherwise has been intentionally blind to his history. And by the way, even though he retired, he almost lost his last election that he had. He only won because the Republicans put up a very bad candidate. He should have lost, but did not. Because the Republicans put up a really awful candidate against him. That was when they had that whole Tea Party thing going on, and they just really nominated a terrible, terrible, terrible candidate to face him, pretty much the only Republican who was going to lose to him. So they, Harry Reid got a gift there. Otherwise, his career would have ended being voted out of office. So it's not like he was that popular in Nevada. They really didn't like him in Nevada. And some people are forgetting that now that it's been some time since he was last a senator, and he's been retired, and he's very old-looking, and... Uh, they just think, oh, it's an old man who served Nevada for a very long time. But no, he was a corrupt piece of shit who took big bribes. And any senator who's taken bribes, I don't I don't care what else he does. If he's taken bribes, uh, he, he shouldn't be honored in any way. He should be in a prison cell. And it's not even like, you know, I talked about keeping in mind people's behavior according to the time period. This isn't like him taking bribes in uh, 1960. He, he was taking bribes in the 2010s. A million-dollar bribe. And the only reason that this was not investigated was because Eric Holder did not want to and put up roadblocks. And the state of Utah complained about this because they wanted to investigate it. So that, uh, it's too bad. It's too bad that uh, he never got properly investigated. There, there was a lot of information connecting him to that million dollar bribe and Jeremy Johnson had it on tape I listened to the tape of this being arranged just because it wasn't Reed himself saying give me the bribe that doesn't mean that it wasn't a bribe for Reed and it was paid it wasn't just like an attempted bribe it was a bribe that was paid a million dollars was sent to Reed to change his mind on full tilt which he did didn't do them much good but uh, (laughs) Black Friday happened a short time after that but he did there should not be an airport named after a guy taking million-dollar bribes in the 2010s as a senator. 
from Grenada Roger in chat. The states of the fattest people in America are Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Yeah, I might believe that. I, I knew the southern states had a lot of overweight people. In fact, I saw that when I took a trip to Tennessee, North Carolina, and uh, Georgia. And I noticed that uh, driving in those states that uh, people were a lot heavier there on average than what I was used to in the West and even in the Northeast. Somehow Wisconsin just has that reputation, though. Deserved or not, they have that reputation. Now, some of it is probably related to the weather because it's cold there for such a large part of the year. So there's less of an opportunity to get out and exercise. So that's somewhat understandable. All right. uh, Final coronavirus topic and second to last topic overall. There is a drug that is being touted as a coronavirus cure, but is it really? This has to do with a steroid drug, which is said to help with the coronavirus once you already have it. This is not a vaccine. This is a medication. When I saw this and when I saw that it was getting very good results in tests that they were doing in the UK, before reading the article, I was very excited about this because this I've really been waiting for this. I think, I don't know which is a higher chance to happen first, uh, something that's a, an effective therapy that really stops it from getting bad or a vaccine. But it's possible that the better future for us with the coronavirus does not come through a vaccine, which may not be that effective, like the flu virus or the flu vaccine. Uh, it may be in some kind of medication that can prevent the coronavirus from becoming deadly or very severe. And that would be such a game changer. Like It would pretty much render it like the flu. If there would be a reliable drug you could take, and as long as you catch it early, that the coronavirus would not get past flu-like symptoms, then that would pretty much be the end of the concern. We could pretty much go back to doing everything normally, except maybe the most vulnerable people. The problem right now is you get the coronavirus and you're just screwed. You just have to hope it doesn't get you. You have to hope you'll recover from it. You have to hope your symptoms won't be that bad. If they are, tough luck. So something that would stop that would be great. So a drug which already exists, it's a steroid called dexamethasone, was studied in the UK. And they have uh, been trying this steroid, which is very easy and cheap to make, because that's one piece of good news about it, that they can easily uh, manufacture a lot of it. There already is a lot of it available because it's used for other things. So this would be ideal if it was something like this that they already have a lot of and that's very easy to make more of that is very effective against the coronavirus. However, this is not as promising as it sounds because it does not seem to be holding down the symptoms from appearing or from even getting bad. What this seems to be preventing in some people is death or the case becoming very critical, which is great. I mean, if you're getting to that point, it's nice to have something for it. But number one, most of the people taking this are not helped by it. 
And number two, if if you're anything below uh, critical, then this isn't going to be helpful. So they noticed that when they gave dexamethasone to critically ill patients on ventilators, that they got, uh, they did a lot better. And uh, I think it was like uh, 30-something percent, uh, 30-something percent uh, didn't die on it. Or the, at least the improvement of uh, chance of death was was over thirty percent, which is very good. And then those who were receiving oxygen but weren't on ventilators, those are ones who have breathing problems but uh, don't need to be on a ventilator. Their risk of death was reduced by twenty percent. However, anyone not receiving oxygen or ventilation, which is Almost everybody who gets the coronavirus, especially people who are under 70, those who are not headed towards death, pretty much, people who, who don't have to actually receive oxygen, this was not helping them. They tried it on those people too, did nothing. They saw no effect. So, for example, the typical middle-aged person who shows symptoms is going to have very severe symptoms, not very severe, they have, they're going to have severe symptoms that knocks them out for two weeks and might cause permanent lung damage, this won't help with that. This will not help at all with that. This only helps you if you are hospitalized and have breathing problems to where you need oxygen. That's the only way this is going to help. That or beyond that where you're critical. So while this is what's being called a major breakthrough, I don't agree because it's it's something that's helpful for people, but... Uh, it's by no means a game changer. Also, there are some concerns that using steroids to treat viral respiratory infections has been controversial because sometimes it can suppress the immune system, which can cause death that otherwise would not have occurred. So there's some belief that this could be making things worse or has the potential to. However, because COVID-19's problems among them, one of them is that uh, some people have an overactive immune response. So suppressing the immune system could be good for those patients. Uh, However, if you don't have a fully functioning immune system, then your body can't fend off the virus. So it's a double-edged sword. It does look like that overall that the benefits of this steroid treatment do outweigh the potential harm. Also, they haven't found any evidence that this caused harm. They haven't seen examples where people took this steroid and did worse than they would have been expected to do had they not taken it. Some people didn't help, but it it didn't seem to harm anybody. And this actually is giving some support to the theory that those uh, who are are getting symptoms from COVID-19, it's more from a hyperactive immune response and uh, that that's why this helps. 
So since this doesn't help with mild infections, it's basically saying that uh, if if your infection isn't really if you're not getting terrible symptoms from this, that it's probably not a matter of an overimmune an overactive immune system. If you are getting really terrible symptoms, there's a good chance it is an overactive immune system, and that's why this helps. So that in the very bad cases, there's a belief that it really is the overactive immune system that's killing people. And that this can suppress it. But it still works with far less than half of the people. So can this bring down the mortality rate? Yes. But other than that, it doesn't look like it's going to be doing a lot. And this doesn't affect most people my age who are expected to have very, very bad illnesses and uh, maybe have permanent damage from it, but not to the point of hospitalization where you need oxygen therapy. Then it doesn't help you. At the moment, the only other benefit, uh, the only other drug that has been shown to benefit people with COVID-19 in reliable studies is remdesivir. Remdesivir actually was not helping prevent deaths, but it was actually helping people get better faster. So if you're going to get better, it was cutting that time down. But if you're going to die, then you're going to die, and it doesn't help with it. Pretty much just speeds up a recovery if one is to happen, but it does not make a recovery more likely. However, unlike the steroid, remdesivir is in very short supply. They are trying to ramp up production, but uh, there's a shortage of remdesivir. So this steroid dexamethasone is something that is available in a lot of places, and you can actually take it as a pill. You can actually treat eight patients with dexamethasone for $63. So it's about $8 per patient for a full treatment of it. That's great. Talk about a cheap solution to some people's, uh, I wouldn't say the solution to the problem, but a, a cheap way to keep people alive, $8 per person. Also, there is a belief that if this really is showing that steroid treatments are useful, that they could start uh, doing more research in that direction and maybe get this under even better control. Furthermore, it has been controversial prior to all of this about treating respiratory distress with steroids. And there's been many doctors who refuse to do it and have said that they don't believe the benefits outweigh, outweigh the negatives. And this may cause a reevaluation of that, that perhaps other uh, maladies that have been killing people for many years, way before COVID, that they can once again look at steroid treatments and that it may save lives, that it may be something that's been there under their noses all this time and they haven't been doing because of fear of harm it can cause. So that may actually lead to saving lives for other things. Something that was 
seen as bad may actually end up being good. They didn't just learn about this. They didn't just discover, oh, look, we can use steroids. They had tried it before. It was very controversial for other uh, illnesses, other conditions. But this isn't a game changer. It's good news. If your illness is progressing to where you think you might be headed toward death or towards a ventilator, then it's the damn good thing to try. At that point, you're thrilled it exists. But other than that, it's not going to do you much good. If you never get there where you need oxygen in the hospital, this is not going to help you one bit. And sadly, I don't believe I would need this if I were to catch the coronavirus. I think I would be just below needing this. That would be my my guess of what would happen to me is I'd have one of those really bad cases where I'm basically unable to do anything. I can barely stand up and go to the bathroom. And I'll probably uh, just like really feel awful and probably have you know terrible cough, probably damage my lungs. Like I, I could picture all this happening to me. That's why I'm avoiding this so much. Maybe I would get lucky and not have that, but that's kind of what I picture happening if I ever catch this thing. And then maybe going through that for weeks like this uh, would bring back all the problems I had before. Uh, I, I will be so happy, as will a lot of people, if a real effective therapy comes out. It would be a huge sigh of relief and I would return to normal life. But I don't know when we'll see that. But it's nice to see things that they're finding that are that are useful against it. The better they come to understand COVID-19, the better chance there is that they will come up with an effective therapy and an effective vaccine. A lot of the problem right now is they don't even understand the problem that they are trying to solve. They know COVID-19 kills people. They know some ways it kills them, but they don't quite understand how or why or what exactly is happening. And sometimes what it appears one way can be appearing another. They haven't even fully solved why there's such a dramatic difference as people age. They haven't solved why it affects kids so mildly when kids are usually affected worse by bad diseases. They, they haven't figured out, there's some theories, but they haven't figured it out. There's even uh, a belief that uh, it's, it's actually a disease of, of the blood vessels and that the lungs are just kind of a side effect of that. That you know, the focusing on the lungs is incorrect, even though that what killed people, that's not really where the disease is happening. So there's a lot of different theories out there. And they're, they're still trying to understand a lot of this. I think that a lot of the key to understanding it lies in, if they really look at why it escalates so much with age, I think that is a big clue. What that means, I don't know. I'm not a researcher, but I think that's a big clue. It's something that's unusual. Can you think of any other disease you'd get that at 30 you're going to experience the symptoms much less than if you're 45? That's not common at all. Usually that affects, like the flu is not like that. The flu, it's very similar between both ages. Flu is only uh, really starts to make a difference when you're very old or very young. Okay, I want to do my final segment, which is the rebuttal to my editorial. I'm going to rebut my own editorial, but not my own words. It'll be someone else's words I'm going to read to you. 
And I want to do this because I think it's important that you hear all sides of things that I talk about when they're of a political nature. So I'm going to finish off with this. I'm going to read this message that was sent to me by a listener. Now, before I begin, I want to tell you about this listener. I'm not going to say who it is, but it's a listener who contacts me sometimes about the show. I have a lot of respect for him. I think he's a very smart guy. I think he's a very reasonable guy. We've never had an argument. We've never had a disagreement. We've disagreed on things, but we haven't had like any issue with one another. Well, we've gotten along very well. You guys listen to the show for a long time. And we have different political views. And that's fine. There are a number of people that I really like and some of whom I'm close friends with that are on the political left. And there are people on the political right who I really dislike. Now, I will say as a general rule, I tend to get along better with people on the political right than the political left, but not always. There are plenty of exceptions to that that I have found. And I'm not one who ever judges people that I meet or get to know by their politics. Yeah, sure, I'd prefer they have the same politics as me, but that's not a deal breaker. That's not what makes me think badly of someone, and it doesn't make me think good things about someone just because they have the same politics as me. That will make us get along better a lot of times because we have more in common, but not always. So this is someone I've always gotten along with, just we happen to disagree on politics, and Here's what he wrote regarding my editorial last week, which, if you remember, was my statement about how you solve the police brutality issue. And I said it mainly rests with police unions and that you have to weaken the police unions and make it easier to fire bad cops. That that really is the solution and that everything else is just fluff and virtue signaling. He actually said he agreed with this part. But where he didn't agree were two points I made In relation to that, I talked about how the increased policing they started to do in the 90s when crime was at its peak and then crime went down for over 20 years. I said that was a success and we need to return to that and that getting away from that since 2014 has made crime go up. So he doesn't agree with that and he says it's a lot more complicated than what I was claiming and he also didn't agree with me about what they call militarized police. Because I said they were a good thing. So I'm going to read to you what he had to say. I got to say, I agree with weakening or even abolishing police unions. I do have an issue with some of the things you said in the editorial, however. Number one, there are a lot of non-policing things that correlate and may also have a casual link with declining crime. The elimination of leaded gas in 1970, the improvement in diagnosis and treatment of mental illness, the explosion in low-cost entertainment options, which probably kept a lot of teenagers and young men from becoming criminals out of sheer hormones and boredom, and more. It's more complicated than what you seem to imply that more cops plus harsher punishment equals less crime. Number two, militarized police is not a good thing. You say you want cops to be intimidating to criminals, but militarized police are intimidating to everyone, including the 99.9% of people who aren't criminals, such as victims who may be less likely to come forward if they they fear being brutalized by police. Police militarization also creates a culture where the police are at war with the population they are supposed to protect. 
It's not like World War II, where the Allied soldier could just shoot the guy in the Axis uniform. Criminals and ordinary people are generally very tough to tell apart on sight. So this causes cops to unjustifiably treat a lot of uh, treat an awful lot of non-criminals like criminals, and yes, dis- disproportionately so when they're people of color. Finally, police militarization exacerbates the moral hazard already put in place by police unions and qualified immunity, and it encourages cops to engage in extremely risky behavior to others without consequence. For every North Hollywood shootout, that's the one I referred to from back in the 90s where the police didn't have the proper weaponry or uh, body armor to prevent two guys from pinning down the entire department during a bank robbery. For every North Hollywood shootout that requires cops to have military weapons to stop a crime, there are probably tens of thousands of unnecessary no-knock warrants where police use that same military gear despite not establishing its necessity. Our political difference is notwithstanding. I still enjoy the show and appreciate the work you do covering scams and scandals. Thank you for reading. Okay, so here's my response to that. First of all, thank you for appreciating the show. Thank you for listening, despite the fact that we have very different politics. I know there's a lot of you like that. I want to answer your rebuttal. So about number one, about the reason the crime went down starting from 1992. And I was saying that the change they made around that time, and especially starting in 94, was that they started to police more aggressively. They started putting more cops on the street. They started to hand out longer sentences. They started having new laws that had mandatory minimum sentences. And these all helped, number one, get criminals off the street, and number two, made criminals more afraid to commit crimes. So I stated that for two decades, crime went down in the U.S., and it did. If you watched, the, it was interesting because not only was the population going up, but the number of incidents of violent crime was going down. So the number of incidents of violent crime per 100,000 population was going down faster than it even appeared. Crime was really going down fast, and I saw it, I experienced it, I lived it because I was an adult through that entire time period. I was 20 years old in 1992 when crime peaked. I lived in the Los Angeles area. I didn't live in a bad neighborhood. I lived in a good neighborhood, but I lived right next to some areas that were not very good. I was not that far from some areas that had very high crime. And when I was able to drive, once I was 16 years old and I was able to drive into these areas and I made friends who lived in other areas that were even closer to them and we would sometimes go into those areas, I'd see. I would see the the gangs. I'd see the, the violence. I'd see, like... I was very aware of how bad the crime was at that time. And to me, it was just normal. It was increasing every year. I just felt like uh, the U.S. is a very violent place with a lot of crime, a lot of gang violence, and that's just the way life was. That's what I grew up seeing, and it got worse and worse as I got older. Uh, It was really surprising to me to see it turn around, starting from the mid-'90s, and crime went lower and lower. So that occurred for 21 years. Every single year... Between 92 and 2013, crime went down except for two years in the mid-2000s where it slightly went up, very slightly went up, and then started going down again. So it was pretty much a 21 straight year decline. And then in 2014, it started going up again. It wasn't about poverty because there was plenty of poverty in that 21-year span, plenty of bad economies in that 21-year span, and yet crime kept still going down. So it wasn't about people stopped committing crimes when the economy got better. 
economy would get very bad and it, it, the crime is still going down. Look at 2008 when uh, there was that major housing bubble crash and, and all these banks failed and uh, the economy went to crap in 2008. Crime was going down. Crime went down that year. Crime went down in 2009. Look it up. Now, he doesn't disagree with these stats. He's saying that my belief that this was because of a change in policing and a change in sentencing, that it's not that simple, that there's many other things that could explain it. He actually didn't mention one thing that is commonly cited, which I'll I'll even mention. I, I shouldn't if I'm trying to make a rebuttal to his rebuttal, but... There are some that say Roe versus Wade helped as well because Roe versus Wade in 1972 was helping women not have unwanted babies who are more likely to grow up to become criminals, and uh, therefore, because there was uh, there were more abortions, there were fewer uh, unwanted babies that would grow up to commit crime, and that if you add 18 years to that, you get to 1990, and and you can see where, uh, and since it's usually young men committing crime, it would make sense why. This uh, the crime would go down, and and that's it's a theory. I, I maybe there's something to it, but I don't think it was just that. It it wouldn't be. Uh, it, it wasn't just the number of crimes being committed. You could tell the neighborhoods were different. A lot of places that were once dangerous just stopped being dangerous or stopped being as dangerous. Uh, there were big success stories like Times Square, which used to be so dangerous and then became uh, so safe that they became a, a major tourist spot and uh, there are a number of success stories like that so I, I don't think it was just about any factor that wouldn't seem obvious at first so like the leaded gas and, and I know there's this also lead paint that be, like the, the with there being less lead in the environment lead is believed to make people more aggressive so you take away some of the aggression it it brings down some of the crime that's also by the way not related to lead but violent crime drops a lot for men over 35 versus when they're younger and there's a belief that's because men's testosterone goes down as they get older and they're not as aggressive and they have less of a desire to commit crime and I believe that's probably true so the, the lead theories, as along with that, that lead has been shown to make people more aggressive when exposed to it, and that uh, with lead gas being, uh, it wasn't eliminated, but it was uh, decreased. You could still buy leaded gas for a long time for cars that were older. You don't see it anymore. That's why when you see unleaded gas now, that's that's what that's referring to. Is back in the days when you get leaded gas, but it, but even when I was driving, you get leaded gas, and I definitely wasn't. I wasn't alive in 1970. But uh, anyway, there, there was l- less lead in the environment in, in 19, uh, starting from 1970 on. But uh, I, again, that's, that's kind of a – he even says it has a casual link. And I, I think it, these things may have a small casual link, but I don't think this ex- would explain the big drop we saw for so long. And then I'll explain the big rise we saw starting 2014, which would also go along with my theory. Then he's talking about the better treatment of mental illness. Again, that could be a factor, but I, I don't. I still don't think that's enough of it. And and uh, the explosion in low cost entertainment options. Well, see that I, I I can't agree. I don't think that one really makes that much of a difference. I think that can prevent some juvenile delinquency and like petty things like vandalism. But uh, I I don't think that the low-cost entertainment options prevent people from becoming hardened criminals. 
I, I just don't think that. And also, a lot of the those options are not used that often in places where violent crime is high. We're not talking about the suburbs here. So I don't even agree with that one. Anyway, in 2014, when the Ferguson shooting happened, and I know I mentioned this last week, there was a change. There was a change after that because they had to change the way policing was done because of the bad optics of the situation, even though it looks like that shooting was justified. And it's called the Ferguson effect, that cops were afraid to do their job the same way they had done before. And this caused, in turn, a lot of people to not be as worried about uh, committing crimes or just being uncooperative with the police. And it became like a vicious cycle. Also, uh, it, it got around that police couldn't police, they, they couldn't do their jobs as tough as they had before. They, they had to tolerate more BS, basically, and arrest for much less. And it's called the Ferguson effect. You can Google it. And right then, that's, that's when crime went back up. So how do you explain that? You, you can't say that's Led's fault. You can't blame this on uh, a lack of entertainment options. People had more entertainment options in 2014 than they did in, uh, in previous years. You can't say it, it's because of uh, mental illness treatment. It's not about that. Like these things that that advanced starting in the seventies, you can't say that these things got worse in two thousand fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. But the crime kept going up. How do you explain that one? The difference is that they changed the policing from better back to worse. They went from worse to better in the early nineties and the mid nineties, and then they went from better to worse in two thousand fourteen. And not surprisingly, crime went up, and it went way up in urban areas. It went disproportionately up in places like Chicago, Baltimore, Detroit. Those places became a disaster. In fact, it even became part of Trump's campaign in 2016, where he cited these cities and how terrible they had become, and he was promising to clean them up. So this is this all spiked up, I believe, we'll never know for sure, but I believe it spiked up because of the change in policing. And it totally makes sense to me when I think about human nature. It makes sense to me from things I've seen in my life that are not crime-related. Just how people behave in a classroom if the teacher tolerates too much. Or the, the teacher lets a few uh, troublemaking kids run wild. Or I've been in office environments or other work environments where you have a few jerk employees who behave very badly and it starts to influence the kind of okayish employees to start also acting badly. But if these few jerks had been fired right when they started, then these okay employees actually would have stayed fine instead of acting up themselves because they're, it's like a bad influence. It's like a, a follow the leader sheep mentality, which unfortunately a lot of people have. So they see something going on and, and it starts to bring out the worst in them. So I, I see this is probably what's happening in a lot of these cities where the crime is high, is if uh, there's other people committing the crime along with you, if you're seeing it happening around you, if this is the norm around you, if this seems like it's an okay thing to do and you're not a, a deviant by doing it, it's much easier to commit these crimes and to live a lifestyle like that. And this happens because the people who are doing it are tolerated and they are not put in jail they are not arrested. They are not stopped before things get really bad or they influence others to be bad. 
And as I said last week, I still believe that there are people who are just pure bad and are just evil people and are going to do bad things. And that's just the way they're made up. And no matter what your upbringing is for them or whatever, they're just going to be, uh, they're just going to be bad. You have people who are kind of in the middle who are easily subjected to influence. They can be influenced to be bad. They can be influenced to be good. They can be influenced to kind of be in the middle. Depends on their environment. Depends on a lot of things about uh, uh, their parents, their, their, uh, the neighborhood, their friends. A lot of people, and I think that's actually a large portion of people who could go a number of ways depending upon the experiences they have and those who are guiding them. And, and then those people who are very good, who are, you know, what environment you put them in, they're still going to be good people and not do bad things. So you have all of that. And the way you prevent those in the middle from going to bad behavior is by removing the bad influences and also making it clear that behaving badly won't be tolerated. And that can only be done by strong policing and by long sentences for violent crime. And I don't mean putting people away for years for shoplifting or for, for graffiti, but, but I mean actively enforcing the law and just basically having an environment everywhere that it's just not acceptable to commit crime, small or big, and then have fair punishments for them. I'm not saying overpunish, but to, to have active policing, have police visible, and have appropriate sentences, especially for serious crime. And when I say serious crime, I don't just mean murder. I mean any violent crime should be taken seriously, and there should be a lengthy sentence for it. And I believe that's what cleans it up. And being too permissive does not clean it up. Now, let's go to the police and the militarized police. I said last week that militarized police are good. I said that people should be afraid of the police. I said criminals should be afraid of the police. I said the police should be intimidating. That's the whole point. They're not here to be your friends. They are here to keep the peace. They are here to not be messed with. They shouldn't be abusing people. But ideally, police should scare you into not wanting to screw with them. And if they're not, then they're not going to be as effective. Now, what this listener said was that they can be intimidating to everybody, not just criminals, and that since the vast majority of people are not criminals, that that's a bad thing because everyone will get intimidated by them, including people who've done nothing wrong. And that people who are victims of crime may not want to come forward if they think that the police are going to brutalize them. Well, I, I don't think the second thing is correct. The only people I've known who've been afraid to come forward, and I say known, I don't know them personally, but I've known of, are illegal aliens for obvious reasons and people who are either afraid to have something in their own life looked into because they've not been angels themselves or there's some kind of stigma in the community that you shouldn't be talking to the police. Kind of like a snitches get stitches sort of thing, even if you're directly a victim of a crime. But I haven't seen many people who are afraid to come to the police because they think the police are going to beat them up or do something very bad to them. I just You just don't see that very often. That's not even something I've heard is a thing that happens like with any frequency. I'm not saying it's never happened. I, just, I don't believe that's a concern. Furthermore, when you go to report a crime, uh, you're going down to a police station. It's not a, it's not a, a scary environment. It's, it's more scary to deal one-on-one with a police officer 
Like I can see how someone could say, "Oh, it's intimidating to have a uh, a big uh, police officer who's dressed in uh, tactical gear and high powered weapons approach you when you're doing nothing wrong." It's just kind of unnerving, and I can understand that. If you've been a victim of a crime, which want to go in and report it, you're going to a station reporting someone at a desk. It's not it's not fun, but it's it's not something that, that would scare you. You're not going to see militarized police in the station. But but going back to the other point about intimidating everybody. Yes, I, I think they should. I don't think they should abuse anybody, but should everybody be a little bit afraid of the police? Yes. Afraid meaning not afraid they're going to do something bad to you when they shouldn't, but afraid to do something bad to them. And I say this as somebody who is afraid of the police. What do I mean by that? I mean that I have the expectation, maybe not anymore because I see that they're being told not to do this, but I've had the expectation that if I were to flip out and go up and start physically attacking a police officer, even if I had no gun or knife on me, if I were to go up and start physically attacking a police officer, that something bad would happen to me beyond just going to jail, that I would be physically harmed very badly and maybe even killed. Now, I wouldn't do that. I've never had the urge to do that, but If somebody asked me what I would expect to have happen, at least prior to all that's happened recently, if I were just to go up and and start wailing on a police officer or to start attacking a police officer, I would say I would expect something physical would happen to me that would be very bad. I'd I'd get badly hurt. I might get killed if they felt that I was enough of a danger. It would be a very, very dumb thing to do, not just from the standpoint of the criminal charges I would face. Again, nothing I'd ever desired to do, but that would be my impression if someone said, what would happen if you went to go do this? And that's the impression everyone should have. Everyone should have the impression, if I'm going to attack the police, it's going to end badly for me. Everybody should have the impression, if I'm going to break the law and a cop sees, and then I try to resist arrest, it'll end badly for me. If I'm going to try to riot or loot and the cops show up, it's going to end badly for me. People should not feel it's going to end badly for them if the police approach them and uh, and and say, hey, you know, what are you doing here? Like, if there's no resisting, if there's no violence. Like, for example, let's go back to the graffiti thing. Let's say I'm spraying graffiti on the wall. And let's say a cop sees me and approaches me. And I make no effort to fight or do anything threatening. Uh, do I think the, the police should come up and, and hit me or, or knock me violently to the ground? No. And if they did that, they should get in trouble for that. But I actually wouldn't be worried about that because what I would do if I were graffitiing the wall and a cop caught me, I would let them put me in handcuffs if that's what they want. I would try to talk them out of it, but I would if they put me in handcuffs for it, I'd understand. If I got arrested, I'd understand. I would not try to fight them. And provided that they would arrest me peacefully if I didn't try to fight them, then they have done their job. And if, let's, let's say, uh, this wouldn't happen with me, but let's say, let's say I was drunk or on drugs and I was acting erratic, as long as they were behaving in a manner that, uh, and let's say I was, you know, aggressive as a result, as long as they were arresting me in a manner and using the proper amount of force necessary to get me under control, uh, that's all that can be expected as well. Do all police do that? Do, are, do some overdo it? No. Yes, some police overdo it. Some of the police 
enjoy abusing people, enjoy beating people up, enjoy intimidating people. And those police should be off the force. And that's why I was saying last week they need to either abolish or severely weaken the police unions, which this listener agrees with. And that will get a lot of the bad ones off the force. I, what I want is the bad police off the force and the bad criminals off the streets. That'll make everybody happier, make neighborhood safer. It'll make police less abusive. That's what we want. We want the police who can't do their job without abusing people. We want them to have no badge. We want them to not work for the police force. And we want the criminals who are abusing people and breaking laws and killing people and hurting people and destroying things. We want the violent criminals behind bars so they're not in our neighborhoods to destroy. And guess where most of these people live? Guess where most of these criminals live? They, they live in the bad neighborhoods by definition. That's why they're bad neighborhoods because there's a lot of crime. So if you really care about black lives, you want the criminals out of the neighborhoods where the black people live because black people are killed by criminals exponentially more than they're killed by police especially unarmed black people. That's who's killing the black people. Not white racist cops. That's a very tiny percentage. It's mainly by other criminals who live in their neighborhood. That's who needs to be behind bars and off the streets if you want crime to go down, if you want fewer black lives to end before their time. So back to militarized police, I feel it's good because... If people are afraid of the police, if they are afraid to commit crimes, if they're afraid to act up around the police, if they think that starting trouble in front of the police, resisting arrest, uh, committing serious crimes, if they think that the police are a force to be reckoned with, they're not going to do it. Um, it it's, uh, it's human nature to where if something is going to likely result in something bad for you, you're not going to do it. If something's going to result in something that is not going to harm you, then you are more likely to do it. So it doesn't bother me in the slightest. In fact, I think it's a good thing if police are well-armed, if they have the uh, enough body armor to withstand attacks, if they have a big advantage over the average person that they're trying to police. Because if you're not doing anything wrong, you have nothing to fear, except in a few rare cases. What do you think the chances are that I will ever be killed by a police officer who pulls me over or has any contact with me? What do you think those chances are? I bet I know what you think the chances are that such a thing will ever happen to me. Zero point zero. And it's not because of white privilege. A little bit is because of age privilege, because I'm not as threatening being the age I am. I suppose that my whiteness plus my age probably helps. There, There aren't that many violent criminals who are uh, white in my age, but there's enough of them. It's not like it's it's unheard of for a white 48-year-old to be violent. 
but I, I know it's less common, and especially uh, I don't have the look of someone who is a violent criminal. And yes, cops kind of get used to the looks of people that they have to be more worried about. Sometimes those stereotypes are incorrect. And I'm not just talking about race here. I'm talking about uh, there are certain white guys a cop will look at and go, okay, this guy looks like he might be trouble, and certain other white guys who look harmless. And I'm in this latter category, I'm sure you'd agree. But that's not the only reason. The bigger reason is when I do have contact with the police, I am respectful, and in the cases, and this hasn't happened recently, but when I was in my 20s, I had a few cases where the police were nasty with me. I had two different traffic stops where if I had behaved differently, it could have escalated. But I de-escalated. Why? Because I know you don't screw with the police. So they weren't getting violent with me, but it could have gone that way. And these two different cops I dealt with, which I've, I think I've talked about before in the show, uh, I, I think both of these two didn't deserve to have a badge, and I regret actually not going and reporting either of them. Though nothing terrible happens. I don't know how much could have happened. But I definitely dealt with two different abusive cops. One was female, one was male. And uh, I think some of it was uh, because I was younger. And there's, you know, I lived in an area where young, skinny white guys were often on drugs and driving around on drugs. So when they pull you over, they assume that. So while I didn't get to experience the uh, type of prejudice that people probably experience uh, when they're pulled over and they're black, I did get to uh, see a difference of being like pulled over now versus being pulled over when I was 22 and living in a place where there was a, a big problem with uh, drug addiction with young skinny white guys. So I did get to see a difference in how you're treated based upon the way you look. But when that happened, I de-escalated. I just kept repeating, I didn't have drugs. I don't do drugs. There's no drugs in my car. And in both situations, I got them de-escalated. And nothing happened. And some people don't want to do that. Some people, it, it turns into an ego thing. They've got to, they've got to best the police. They, they, they can't let the cops uh, talk to them this way. They've got to fight. And that's somewhat their fault. Now, it's initially the police's fault, but it's also, when, when the police are dealing with you, you, you have to handle it in an intelligent fashion and not try to turn it into a pissing contest. And if they do anything bad enough then go report it afterwards to their superior. And hopefully changes are coming to make that easier to do and make it easier for them to face consequences. I'm very much for that. I want to see that happen. So don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, just like I didn't say last week, I, I, I'm not saying leave everything the way it is. Status quo is great. It's not great. There needs to be reform. I've never liked the police union situation. So it needs to be reformed. But... There also needs to be reform on the behavior of some people who feel it is their right to screw with the police. Watching some of these protests disgusted me the way people were treating the police. They were throwing things at them. Throwing things at their car. Burning their cars. These people deserve to be in prison for behaving that way. You don't throw things at the police. I don't know what they grew up believing. You do not throw things at the police. I want the police to be intimidating enough 
to where people don't throw things at them, to where people don't hit them, to where people don't throw things at their car, people don't block their car, people don't inhibit their movement, people don't do anything that will antagonize the police. If, I don't even believe in antagonizing the police with words, but fine. If you if you want to protest the police and shout things you don't like about their behavior, that should be your right to do. I'm fine with that. But a lot of the protests I saw was not peaceful. And I saw a lot of complete disrespect and disregard for the police and the tough job they have, and people just outright attacking them, throwing things. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a water bottle or, 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 or a milkshake. I don't care what you do not throw anything at the police. It's real simple. I knew that when I was four years old. If you asked me as a four-year-old back in 1976, hey, uh, should you throw anything at the police? I'd say no. What would happen if you do it? I'd say you get in big trouble. That's what I'd say as a four-year-old. How come I knew this as a four-year-old and these protesters out there who are adults don't know that you don't throw things at the police? It's not your right to throw things at the police. Oh, it's only a water bottle. I don't care what it is. You don't throw at the police. That's what I want to see stopped. I want police to be intimidating enough to where people don't do that. They're afraid to do that. They know if they do that, there's a consequence. And they know the police are equipped well enough to put down riots, to put down groups of people who are causing mayhem. To where people don't feel like they are controlling the street or they can take control of neighborhoods. Or they can take over an area of Seattle and say it's theirs and police can't come. You can't. That's not your right to do. The police should be powerful enough to crush that. I want to see the police crushing people who take over areas of the city illegally. I want to see them crushing mobs that throw things at them or block their car or block their car and throw things at them or hit them. I want to see those people crushed. I like, if they get hurt, great. I don't, if I see someone attack the police and get hurt, I not only say it's okay, I'm happy to see it. There should be that consequence. You should get hurt when you do that. You shouldn't be killed. You shouldn't suffer a a life-changing injury, but I'm happy to see those who are attacking the police get some kind of comeuppance for it, because you shouldn't do it. And those who think it's okay have no idea what a civilized society is about. So that's why I'm for militarized police. I feel police should have an intimidation factor, and they should have the power to put down problems. But what they also should have is the ability to not escalate when they don't have to, and also the judgment not to start up with innocent people and not to beat first and ask questions later. And there are some cops who do those things, and those cops shouldn't be on the force. And just like I said with the criminals, you remove most of the bad apples, and a lot of the marginal cases fall in line. That is what we need. We don't need a weaker police. We don't need police that are easy to intimidate. We don't need police having to stand for more BS We don't need them to just stand there if things are thrown at them just because it's not objects that are going to really cause a lot of bodily harm. No, we don't need that. We don't need police to stand down when riots are happening. We don't need police that are afraid to arrest criminals or confront criminals. Again, that doesn't mean you get on someone's back and and put your knee on their neck till they die. 
you don't do that. You just need to take control of the situation and arrest the people, and we need the courts to give their proper sentences to those who commit these crimes. I'll finish off this editorial. Just I want everybody to remember, these are not fundamental religious terrorists, the criminals I'm talking about. These are people who commit crimes because they want to commit the crime for whatever reason they do, and they feel they can do it and get away with it. That's the vast, vast, vast majority of criminals. They commit the crime because they feel that ultimately they will get away with it. There's some crimes that are committed, like crimes of passion, where someone gets really pissed off and pulls out a gun and shoots someone they're mad at. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about crimes that are at least somewhat premeditated. People commit these crimes because they feel that it is something that they'll probably get away with. There probably won't be a consequence. How many people go into committing crimes thinking, yeah, I'll probably end up in, in prison for uh, for 10 years, 20 years for this, but eh, it's totally worth it. No, unless it's like really lucrative what they're trying. Uh, most people don't think that. Most people think at the moment they're going to do it and get away with it. And the more people are afraid to commit crime, the more people are afraid to screw with the police, the more police presence there is the more crime will go down. Police presence is fine. Scary-looking police is fine. Hell, if the it, let's say there were these like eight-foot-tall, super-strong superhumans, and we could hire them to work police. If these were the police, could they easily kick the ass of any regular human? Yes. Would you stand a chance in a fight against one of them? No. Would I like these guys as the police? Yes, I would. Why? Because they'd be hard to screw with. They'd be hard to overpower. Be hard for the bad guys to win. That's what I want. So that's my rebuttal to the rebuttal. To the person who sent that to me, I, I do appreciate the counterpoint. And if you'd like, you can send a rebuttal to my rebuttal, to your rebuttal, to my editorial. And I don't think I'm going to convince you, but I just, uh, you know, we have our different points of view and that's fine. I, I just want everybody to know here that I understand that many of the listeners do not feel the same way about these matters that I do. Some of you do, some of you don't. And that's fine. And I am never one who believes you should believe what I do. It would be nice if you did, but I won't judge you if you don't. You have the right to have your own opinion. Especially if your opinion comes from wanting to do the right thing. I may think you're wrong, I may think your approach is incorrect and will fail, but I can at least respect your desire to do the right thing and that you just have a different opinion as to what that is and how to get there. And often we may have the same opinion on what we'd like to see ultimately occur, and just a different opinion on how to get there. Like the guy who was messaging me, it's not like he's saying, yay, violent crime, I love violent crime. He was saying, uh, no, I... I you know, we, we both want the same thing. Me and this guy who, who messaged me, we both want lower violent crime. We both want safer neighborhoods, especially the low-income neighborhoods. We'd both love to see those being safer and, and fewer uh, black people and, and other people dying there. And we both would like to see a drastically reduced number of police brutality issues and police who are bad to be dismissed from the force. Like, like all these goals we have in common. And that's something you can't forget, that a lot of people have the same goals in common. It's just how you get there. 
And that's why I think it's a mistake to be pissed off at others for having different political views than you. I, I saw a funny thing on Twitter today. <laughs> Andrew Barber was tweeting that there was some guy who, uh, who whose opinion he agreed with about something. Like, yeah, I, I totally agree with, with Spencer on this. I'm thinking, okay, who's Spencer and who, what does he agree with? So I, I click on the t- on the tweet he's talking about, and I can't get to it. It says I'm blocked. I go, what? Who's who's this Spencer, and why did he block me? I don't remember any Spencer. So I went to go look at it again under a non-logged-in browser, so nothing had me blocked, and I found who this Spencer was, kind of. I, I still don't know exactly who it is, but it's some guy named Spencer, who I, I remembered from his, his Twitter screen name, that he had blocked me a few months ago for, like, no reason. I did not remember interacting with him at all. And if I did, it was so unmemorable, I didn't remember him. So it's not like some guy I went back and forth with, with nasty insults. Like, as far as I know, me and this Spencer have never met. And as far as I know, we've never had any meaningful interaction or any interaction on Twitter or anywhere else. So why am I blocked by Spencer? Well, I'm not sure, but I have a very good idea because I looked at his page and he is very, very left-wing politically. So Spencer must have seen a conversation that I was involved with, with maybe Andrew Barber or maybe somebody else, someone he's friends with, and probably was turned off by my right-wing point of view and blocked me. And I thought, how freaking stupid is that? Now, the funny thing was that the tweet that Andrew Barber was agreeing with was that cancel culture that is uh, ruining people's careers or jobs or or anything else, basically saying that uh, people need to not be allowed to express their politically incorrect opinions without consequences, that that's gotten out of hand and that it needs to stop. So that, so Spencer was saying that he's recently modified his opinion on cancel culture from, oh, it's not a big deal, to, oh, yeah, it's starting to become concerning. That's what Spencer tweeted. And Andrew was saying he agreed with this. I go, you know what's funny, Andrew? The funny thing is the guy who says he's worried about cancel culture blocked me for having a different political opinion than he did. (laughs) So maybe Spence there needs to look in the mirror and say, hmm, why am I blocking people who disagree with me politically? While that's not the same as cancel culture, because Spencer wasn't canceling anything, he was just blocking me from uh, his Twitter account, where he couldn't see anything I wrote and I couldn't see what he writes, you have to ask yourself, why are you blocking someone who has a different political opinion than you? Keep in mind, I never express any offensive statements on Twitter. I don't ever, I'm never racist. I'm never homophobic. I'm never transphobic. I, I never, I don't just put out material there that's like, like hates what they'd call hate speech, like real hate speech. I'm not, I, I don't put out material on my Twitter that you won't find anything like that. I put out political opinions that people don't agree with, but I never put out any kind of bashing of any kind of group of uh, of people in the minority. I don't. I never bash black people, Hispanic people, gay people, trans people. I don't. Go take a look. You won't see it on my Twitter anywhere. So why block me? And, and I'll tell you when I'm debating with someone back and forth on Twitter. I'm I'm very respectful with them unless they get disrespectful to me. If they start calling me names, getting nasty to me, uh, then I then I will uh, say things back. 
once in a while I'll, I'll, I'll make some kind of statement about someone like saying, calling them a limousine liberal or something, but uh, that's about the worst I say without uh, provocation. And, and if and if someone says like, hey, you know, why why are you approaching me this way? In the, in the rare case where I where I do come out like arguing with someone and and say something about them that isn't that nice, I never go like overboard. But like if I ever like approach them in a way where I say, oh, you're a limousine liberal, who cares what you say or something? Like if someone says back, oh yeah, why are you starting this way? Like I'll stop and go, wait a minute, you're right. Like okay, I shouldn't have done that. Let, let's have a serious discussion. Like I'm not perfect. You know, I, there's been times I've antagonized people, but I, it's never that bad. It's never something worth blocking me over. And the Spencer guy is not one of them. I've never done this to him. I don't know who he is, and I don't commonly do this anyway. But I've had plenty of people on Facebook block me, like friends of friends block me because they don't like my political opinion. How many people do you think I've blocked in my lifetime because of politics, because I I disagree with them politically? Zero point zero. I never have, and I never will. I don't see the point. It doesn't make any sense. But there's some who believe that if you are on the political right, it means that you are evil, and it means you're racist, it means you're awful, it means you're uh, every bad adjective out there. And therefore, they need to block you because they just can't stand seeing your presence or the hateful and bigoted ideas that come from your Twitter account or your Facebook account. And that's a stupid way to think. And if you ever find yourself wanting to block someone for having a different opinion than you, then you're doing it wrong. You're doing social media wrong, and you're doing critical thinking wrong. You should want a variety on your feed of people both on your side, on the other side, and in the middle. And I have that. On my Facebook, on my Twitter, the material that comes through, I I see some of everything. And I'll tell you, sometimes I see some things from people who are on the right, and I I look and I go, oh, this is stupid. Or, oh, this kind of started out in the right direction, but now it's it's off in the weeds, and it's... uh, it's into conspiracy territory, or it's just making stupid conclusions, or it's it's spreading around something that's already been proven untrue. And I go, why are they sharing this? And in some cases, I want to stop them and go, no, 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 you're making yourself look stupid here. That's that's not what you should be doing here. <laughs> like, like I, I want to sometimes, because like I'll see content from the right that irritates me, because I know it's crap. Uh, I'll see things from the left, of course, which really irritate me, and sometimes I feel crap or is uh, dishonest and then even from the center I'll see someone who's just like some people try so hard to say hey I'm a centrist look at me look at me I'm a centrist look at me I understand both sides they try so hard that they don't have any kind of uh, real convictions they ever want to express I'm not saying that of all centrists but some centrists have that problem where they just they're so obsessed with being in the center that they they're afraid to take a side on anything and then their their true colors always come out. It's funny because there's these centrists, but then like eventually you start to see, well, okay, this is a centrist who leans right. Other centrists who leans left, but they they try so hard not to be seen that way, and finally something starts to make it clear what they really are. 
I mean, I've known some centrists in my life, but they, it seems like they always lean one way or the other. Or if they don't, they will. All righty. That's it. Long show here. Thank you, Brandon Drexel Gerson, for coming on. Made the show longer, but uh, it's always appreciated when Brandon comes on here. He makes a good conversation, brings up a lot of good points, asks some good questions, has good insight about Las Vegas. He's right there. He's not just in Vegas. He pays attention to Vegas. Like He pays attention to his city. He pays attention to the news of his city. He has an interest in local affairs, especially affairs that have to do with casinos or gambling, and that's useful for the show because we, we cover Las Vegas news on the show, if you don't notice. So I hope he comes back soon. Every once in a while he pops up, and here he is. I had no idea. This was suggested to me by Trader Ruski after we started the show already. That was what he wanted me to check and text. For some reason... Brandon messaged Trader Ruski about it and uh, said he'll come on if he's branded special guest star, which I'm going to keep to in the show description. It will say somewhere with special guest star Brandon Gerson. So I thank him for coming back. Whenever he's back on the show, it reminds me how much I like having him on the show. You can forget sometimes. After, after years pass, you you can kind of forget. And then you do it. You go, oh, yeah, this is why I had him on the show in the first place. This is uh, this is fun having him on here. And I have people texting me every so often, like, when's Brandon coming back? And I, I gave up. I was like, okay, Dites. you probably won't hear him on it, but you never know. You never know. He may just pop up somewhere. As Brandon mentioned on the show, we still uh, text back and forth not like every day but uh, like there was no falling out or anything that sent him away from the show and I, th- I think you can probably tell that from the way we interacted tonight he just you know was, was doing other things anyway thank you Trader Ruski and Vintage One for being on the show as you have been recently every Saturday night everybody around 9.15 Pacific Time we'll have this show including next week June 27th longest day of the year now June 21st as we finish this good night and shalom